like uh i don't know like you're related to somebody or what's the deal here you're telling me before the me so come to find out i'm a, like i have a little bit of egyptian in me and i've been like trying to trace my roots back and stuff but like it's kind of crazy because my egyptian family allegedly still has seeds hmm. from pharaoh like one of the pharaohs do they walk like an egyptian I had to say that, uh, right? I had to say that. I hope so. I bet they do. So, so yeah, let's just start I, with the seeds, though. That sounds exciting. I don't know yet. Like, I want to give them out to a like. I want to give them out to a new grower, or like, not a new grower. I kind of want to give them out to like Coot or something. You know what mm. I mean? So, like, because it's one of the probably this is probably one of the oldest strains ever. Well, you were telling me it was from Ramsey's personal stash, right? That's crazy. Yeah, like. Who knew he was a big stoner, it. right? Apparently. I guess when you Apparently. have that statue's that big, you must get super high. And then, like, all the hemp hemp use they used it, but they said, like, my family said they've been smoking it forever. So we'll see. Ladies and gentlemen, we're talking about something else. I don't know what you're talking about. Grothkowski's talking about something. He's saying hello. Uh, I think we're talking about uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, in a smashed i think that's uh one of my favorite movies just a classic i guess they're going to make part nine or something now it's going to be where uh indiana jones looks for diapers uh anyway ladies and gentlemen welcome to the show uh thanks for uh, hanging out uh brian in the house already for plants a welcome folks uh, if you guys are new to the show, if you're new to the whole routine here, sit back, relax here for a second, uh, chill out while we, uh, honestly, while we, um, well, we're going to chat with the children, you know, because we're, we're very, uh, I don't want to say we're friendly. Well, we're, we're very we're friendly for the first five minutes until they're pretty out. Pretty much. Yeah. But I was going to yeah. say like, we're very interested in the children, but we need them to I, I don't know how to describe this. Like basically children gather around, gather around, yeah, gather around, we, gather around, get to close. tell you a story. Listen, very listen, very, very closely. important, very of closely. critical importance. That doesn't sound out. exciting for kids. Just get out. That's it. Get That's out. It. Better, better can't to just rip off here. the bandaid. Yeah. Better. To yeah, rip man. If, you, if you're not 21, <laughs> you can't stay here. Much what it is. Uh, boys and girls. And honestly, I'm not trying to make fun of you, but if you are under the age of 21, the, the law and the world and everybody else considers you boys and girls, it's not me trying to make fun of you. Uh, you're not welcome on the show. I'm sorry. You're not welcome to hang on the show. You're not welcome to watch the show. You're not welcome to even look at the show. You're not even welcome to tell your friends about the show because you're not old enough. You're just honestly not old enough. Go look at uh, age appropriate things. I don't know. Uh, badminton chess checkers uh playing with uh i don't know play-doh play well play-doh is kind of uh uh it's for everybody honestly just like legos it's really for everybody like when you stop in, enjoying legos and, and play-doh i don't know and it, it, there might be something wrong with you so ladies and gentlemen uh you you could do that but you could do that at any age uh go do something age appropriate like um i don't know uh beach volleyball whatever nighttime beach volleyball something like that boys and girls the I'm, I'm rambling right now boys and girls the most important thing is that you get the fuck out of here because this is a show just for adults this is a strong yeah. beginning to the show where we just like start rambling about random get stuff out. like boys yeah. and girls get out and stuff and things <clears throat> ladies and gentlemen i have to smoke some more weed but first kids get the fuck out this show is not for you we've had yeah, some but... weird like semi age restricted shows lately so just to clarify, so it's not just West Engine that's the bad cop now. We might even have like yeah, three bad cops before long now. Get, get, if you're get a dope. kid, pretty much, get if you're a dope. kid under the age of 21, you're welcome to come back later, like when you're 22, yeah. 23, 24 years old. You're welcome to come back. Hopefully, we'll still be doing this. 21 show. plus a day? 
that's it. 21 plus even 15 minutes. We'll take it. Yeah, you know man, what I mean, if we'll your birthday is like ding and then there's like an international dateline, 15 minutes pass. We want like a good ding, 15 ding. minute. Great period. Yeah. You know, like because we don't want to make I don't know if there's like an international incident. I don't really want. So let's wait 15 minutes after your birthday, you know, chimes. Yeah, and then, uh, like I said, like every time someone has a 21st birthday, there's like an, an angel chime that goes off. So ding, yeah, man. Turn 21. So when that happens, when the heavens open that up, and shot go, ding, ding. that's it. Pretty much. <laughs> when, when there's a, like the world gong goes off uh, when you turn 21, you're welcome to come and join us. But 15 minutes later, you know, just have a have a Pepsi, have a Coke, something like that. Have a oh, fuck, have a Red Bull, apparently, uh, and then come and join us. Ladies and gentlemen, now that the kids are gone, now that we've uh, boy, I babbled about that for a super long time, uh, folks, uh, uh, thanks for hanging. Thanks for enjoying the, the, the show or thanks for, you know, hopefully you're going to enjoy the show. I don't know. That weird beginning of the show. All right. Let me readjust everything and hopefully maybe we can uh, uh, dial it back. Folks, uh, check out the Portland Cannabis Tasting Society's uh, photo contest. Uh, we started earlier in the, the month, but uh, you have plenty of time still left to go before the end of the month. Uh, what's the official? I haven't actually announced what the official end of the show or end of the contest will be. Actually, it might be the 28th. That's a little bit disappointing. So usually it's like the 30th, the 31st, whatever. This month, it might honestly be three weeks from today, pretty much on the 28th. We could do it on Wednesday. We could honestly either do it on Let's see. This is weed and whiskey. So that would be weed and whiskey. That would be a trivia night. So actually we could do it on that. Why don't we fucking do that? Let's do it on that. We'll do 29th, uh, 29th of September, pending any massive things that I don't know about, like a world series game or some shit. I don't even know. Anyway, pending any kind of weird things that I haven't thought about the 29th is going to be the end of the contest. You guys can post something every day until then you can post one uh, uh, thing every day until then. Tag me at Portland Cannabis Tasting Society. It has to be a new post. It has to be also something that you made or created in some way substantially. Uh, this actually came up that someone took very nice photographs, actually, of something they did not take, um, they didn't make, and they didn't really modify the thing all that much. So I was like, ah, oh, it doesn't really apply to the rules. So I basically didn't allow that one, even though they were great photos. These even say the same thing. Uh, and, you know, the person was super chill about it. So uh, if you do a little bit more work, I don't know, like, I, I, I don't know if you guys... Uh, I, mean, I don't want to shout the person out because I don't want to say like, oh, you fucking made a mistake or some shit. It's not like that, basically. Uh, but uh, if you guys want to ask like, uh, oh, who was it? Can I take a look at the post or something? I'd be happy to show you because uh, it was pretty obvious. And that's it. I'm babbling like crazy today. <sighs> Backing up, ladies and gentlemen, you have to make the thing that you're taking a picture of. Take a photograph of it. Take a reel. Send it to me on Instagram. That's all. Why do I babble in circles like that? Okay. This is not going to be one of those shows where I talk. Hopefully it's not going to be one of those shows where I talk in like freaking circles. Richard D. Welcome, my friend. Uh, what's going on? What else am I forgetting? I'm forgetting something super freaking obvious. Uh, if you guys want to check out the podcast, go check us out at uh, iTunes, Spotify, uh, you name it. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Google Podcasts, on and on. You know, what? I'm a little bit distracted, honestly, because I have to leave in like maybe 15, 20 minutes for like five or 10 minutes. So we'll see how the show goes. There's like another meeting that's going on right now. And I, I kind of have to go and say hello. So I'm like, oh, fuck, when do I step away? That's probably why I'm distracted right now. Anyway, uh, Andy, by we're trying to do a new contest every month now, basically. So uh, every month that rolls off, we're going to try to do another uh, photo contest. So uh, congratulations, T.O. in the chat. He's probably going to show up here in a second. Uh, one last contest uh, last month. And uh, good luck to you guys uh, this month for the next one. 
I'm forgetting something super obvious and I can't remember what it is. So I guess I'm just going to move on to uh, ladies and gentlemen, go check out my website, fumidoro.com. Uh, the Labor Day special is actually still going on, uh, still going on until I think the 12th. So that's another couple of days here. What is it? Another five days from that until Sunday. Uh, it's actually a surprisingly generous uh, a sale maybe for the next couple of months. So until maybe Black Friday, you might not see a better deal because I was a little bit stupid. and I just did a blanket wide freaking discount. So in the future, there might be a little bit more targeted discounts but right now it's pretty much 25 percent off everything uh there's like three different codes you could use uh, there's the disrespectful code i was like oh fuck everyone heard me say that and then i deleted it so i, I basically put it back so there's a, a couple of respectful codes like your mother and then also respect <laughs> and then also your mama they're all actually the same code though like they they have the same discounts 25 percent off basically anything on the site so your mama respect or uh your mother you can pick your pick your poison <laughs> Uh, I need to smoke something in a second here, Bugs. That's part of it. I need to stop babbling and freaking uh, 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 smoke more. Justin Bean, welcome. She says, uh, or they say Babylon. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I move on here in a second. There is, damn, there is something I'm thinking of, and I can't. I think they mean Bundung Babylon. Yeah, but, man. Uh, I can't even pronounce that. Bundung See, I'm Babylon. Not high enough yeah. to pronounce that correctly. Yeah, man, that's uh, what I said. It. Damn it, I cannot think of what I'm trying to say. All right, we're going to move on. We're going to say hello to the gentleman, and perhaps uh, in a little bit, it'll. Uh, uh, come to me. Uh, thanks, by the way, everybody for tuning in. We just uh, turned, we just rolled over like 5,000 listens on Podbean. So that was kind of fun. I was like, yay, holy shit. Like a lot of freaking people listening. So thanks folks uh, from like Chile and freaking South Africa and a few other places, Indonesia. We've had a few listens. Uh, who else? Um, yeah, like basically everywhere except for Antarctica that I know of. So like uh, everybody else, like uh, all the continents at least have been represented. Brazil, we haven't gotten a ton of people listening, which is kind of surprising because they got like a lot of bunch of, a lot of weed there, but I guess we don't say like I enough, maybe I don't know, or go. Maybe we need to say go more or talk about oh. football. I don't know. We have, we, we have to figure out how to target the Brazilian audience more. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, thanks for hanging. Let's see here. D what's going on, my friend. How's the brain situation? Is it fresh? Brain. <laughs> <laughs> what's going on, everybody? Hello, chat. Hello, panel. I'm just hanging out. I am smoking on. Oh, yeah, some pink. Gelato. Oh, yeah, thank you, dear. Mrs. D says pink gelato. And I also got some. Ah, she didn't respond that time. Something else. But, uh, and I got some chatter. The plants are doing good, they're coming along. Um, everybody get in on that photo contest. I just posted my picture for the month. I'm only usually post once. Maybe I'll post again. Uh, I don't know. Anyways, cheers, everybody. He always posts once, but they're always strong contenders. So he's always mic dropping, man. It's always a fucking boom. There's a deep post, man. Gotta watch out. Uh, Smash, what's going on, man? Uh, we, we were, uh, didn't realize you were Egyptian. Oh, we're not supposed to say anything, but uh, yeah, pharaonic, right? Uh, it totally looks at, uh, say no more, say no more. Uh, Smash, what's going on, man? Welcome. Just take it out. Hope everyone likes the background. I seems it up a little bit. We do a lot of backgrounds. It does look nice. Inspired yeah, off backgrounds. of Tara Lee Live. Right. Oh, she has, yeah, it's going to be hard to compete with Tara because she has pretty much oh, the, best, the best freaking set. I just got to start painting. I'm going to paint it black and stuff, but I just figured I'd get the lights up in there background this is like my style it's got a skull with a mushroom hat and the third eye nice and it's spitting out its brains 
Shout out yeah. to, uh, oh shit, of course, now I can't think of his name. Charlie Watts, right? Uh, drummer for the Rolling Stones. Freaking oh, yeah. Black. Dude, Omar died. The fuck? Did you guys hear that? Freaking uh, Michael K. White, I think is his name. Fuck. Yep. Uh, Omar coming, man. Shit, that was yeah. like the best character, one of the best characters in all of television, honestly. Like the, the, the moral thief. Uh, he's a drug dealer thief. He was like a th- the armed drug dealer thief. Fuck. One of the best scenes of TV, too. He's basically uh, uh, on the stand, basically ratting out this total drug dealer. And uh, the drug dealer's lawyer is interrogating, like, why are you doing this? You're a piece of shit, too, basically. And he pretty much said, uh, we're the same, man. I've got a gun or a shotgun. You got a briefcase. That's a fucking great scene. Uh, anyway, uh, welcome, Green Ghost. Cheers. Uh, let's see here. Who's up next? Ozzy. What's going on, my friend? Welcome. Uh, all the way from... Uh, well, I was just saying all the continents are represented. Like uh, we always say that the kangaroos are down under, but uh, are they really like, what if they are, what if we're down under and you guys are up above? Have we ever thought about that? What if the kangaroos were there first? Hmm. <laughs> Philosophy. Deep thoughts. Deep thoughts. <laughs> Hello though. Hello. Fumi and smashed Wes and D and oh. on your for putting this together so props really? i think he's got a patreon too so props to him for doing that and i hope everybody out there in chat's um feeling nice today and if you want to hang somewhere another weed place um i'm at weed nerds through the week and you're welcome to join that's um it's on like it's a zoom thing there's a few few people there it's not bad it's you have to get on to weed email weed nerds at protonmail.com and it's yeah, mainly for the growers. So um, if you're into growing and learning new things about the tech area, um, you're welcome. And also, too, if there's anybody who's struggling and they just don't know where to get that seed but, and you're in a legal spot, well, send me an email and who knows if it's a good sob story, you might end up getting some. <laughs> and what else? Hey, oh, actually, Ozzy, I have someone in Australia, Australia that's looking for some stuff. Um, flowers, oh, not, not anything and, serious. Flowers. Well, if it, Australia's pretty much illegal, so I really don't want to sort of fuck with any illegal shit because I've had some problems mm. in the past. That sucks. So I can probably, that doesn't sound too good, smashed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got to try and do the right thing by law, the fucking law, you know. They, that's the law. So. And anyway, another thing I was going to say, one thing I've enjoyed this week is um, the I'm on actually at the moment is soil chemistry and it's the radox. And I've got five lectures on radox this week. Two few weeks ago, I had five lectures on CC, but this is just to top it all off. So it's something good just to, I don't know, puts it all into context, I suppose. It's, it's enjoyable. I'm actually nerding out on that. So, that's, so yeah, it pardon is. my dumb ass. I don't even know what radox is. What are we talking about? That's um, it's electrical potential in the soil. It's okay. Um, yeah, it's real. We haven't even said hello to everybody else, but that was the end of my spiel. So I've been enjoying my week in that sense. It's a good subject to talk about. Yeah, I got it queued up here in a second. Maybe we can talk about it in a second. Maybe Kud will come on or something. Uh, West Engine, speaking of people uh, hopping on, what's going on, my friend? Welcome. Oh, big up, Fumiror. Big up, Smash. Big up, Ozzy. Big, big up, D. Big up, everybody in chat. Hope everybody's well. Hope everybody's uh, doing great. Uh, ready here for another one of the most interactive shows in cannabis. Wait, uh, one of the we most? Get some... The fuck? Who's the more mo- interactive sorry, the, than us? The most interactive show in cannabis. My apologies. <laughs> my apologies. Fumiror. You see, shit. Uh, 
Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Well, back, everybody. I uh, hope we get to meet some new people on. You guys know the rules. Don't be a dick. Don't show your dick. Uh, smash. What are the other ones? Um, smoke a bong. Don't show your dong. Mm. We got any more out there, guys? Come on. I think we do. Yeah. Uh, come hang. hang something. Uh, no. Drink tank. Come hang. I can't remember. No, it's something <laughs> like that. It's come hang. Bong. Don't show your wang. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. Don't rock wang. Yeah. Charlie's farm is supposed to be jumping on. We've been talking. The moment he's going to come on tonight. Nice. Charlie's farm is always cool. He's got Damn. a big old garden. He's always run through a lot of cool stuff, too. Uh, he has a lot of experience with uh, all kinds there. of fun stuff. Yeah. Uh, what was I going to say? I guess I was going to say like two or three different things at once. Uh, I just harvested um, uh, swine flu from uh, Family Tree Seeds. And I only had like, well, I, okay, I had a couple of plants, but I, I only basically uh, uh, ended up with this. Uh, um, well, basically a real nice, a real nice, uh, uh, honestly, a keeper. I've, I've kept it around very, very, uh, fuely, honestly, very nice fuely plant. The one downside is unfortunately it was a little bit, uh, like uh, spider mite prone. So I basically posted pictures on Instagram today and I was just thinking to myself, like, all right, do I not post, do I not take these pictures? Do I not post these pictures? Do I, well, what do I do? And I was like, oh man, fuck it. Like people know, like I've had fucking spider mites now for like seven months or something so it's like oh whatever here they are actually the plant looked pretty nice like it was pretty uh vigorous and everything else even though it was you guys see like uh fairly fairly good uh spider mite infection but uh it's a pretty healthy plant yeah i'm gonna have to do quite a bit of trimming before i smoke any but fuck i have the spider mites you like a good turp, like a turp profile from it does actually it really does it has a great turp profile actually uh very uh okay granted i just you know just harvested it so i can't say that i've smoked it or anything else but very very fuely easily the most fuely thing that i've got in the garden right now so i, I haven't had any um uh gave up my oat my cali sour a long time ago i haven't had uh let me think yeah i haven't had anything really fuely for gosh it's been at least a year like at least at least at least a year so it's actually kind of refreshing to have something nice and fuely go ahead that's what they were saying. That's the growth differentiation balance hypothesis and the difference between organics and the conventional. And it's just what you were saying. And that's the secondary metabolite production. So the conventional has too much easies give you, here you go, where the organics, it's got to work for itself. Work for its nutrients, work for its its environment, that type of stuff. Put up with the elements, not in pesticides, etc. So that's what um, that is. So it's just the yeah, the growth differential balance um, hypothesis. Over. Uh, and I'm always um, I don't know how do I say this without making it sound like I'm trying to brag. I'm not actually trying to brag because I don't want these uh, spider mites here anymore. Let me see here. I want to show. You're trying to breed with this under these conditions and create a spider mite resistant. Uh, I have actually selected. So by the way, that that, that has been useful. Oh, sorry. I forgot (laughs) about the lag. Go ahead, Ozzy. How was it? Oh, right on. Um, I have called some stuff that was spider mite prone. You know what I mean? I've, I've called some of, honestly, a couple of my favorite uh, uh, phenotypes of Morgana, for example, because they really didn't react too well to spider mites. And as a, everyone's told me, spider mites are one of the most common freaking problems that people are going to have, right? I was lucky for the longest time and didn't really struggle with spider mites. And people have laughed in the chat. They were like, they heard me kind of being cocky about spider mites. Like, oh, I'll get rid of them. There's fine. You know, they're not like rust mm-hmm. mites or whatever. 
they're annoying in this other fractally different way. Like all these different pests are annoying in their own different ways. Right. West engine is laughing, fucking laughing and laughing and laughing. Like you think that you've defeated them until week eight. You know what I mean? And then basically your wonderful crop just goes to shit. That's when you think you're out. They pull you back in. That's it, man. That's it. (laughs) And you don't see like in my case, healthy plants, man, I didn't see any stippling or anything else. Like, and I've learned enough. I've already changed a lot of my gardening practices. I don't Mm -hmm. mulch my leaves anymore. Cause I was basically like reintroducing spider mite eggs right back into my garden by just pulling the leaf mulch right off and putting it on the soil. So no matter how many times I would spray or anything else, I was just still reintroducing eggs right back into the freaking garden. Uh, so I've stopped doing that kind of stuff, but even still, like you have to be so assiduous and you guys are right. Like they develop resistance incredibly fast. So if you basically allow even a couple of them to survive, those survivors basically have resistance to whatever they survived and they'll breed that resistance. In the future is fucking maddening. It's absolutely maddening. So I think knock on idiot wood. I think I may have finally found the way to murder them, but it's going to take a couple more weeks and it wailed on the plants too. The worst thing is that I had to wail on the fucking plants. Well, that was unfortunate, but whatever we'll see. So as this harvest goes, basically I can finally just completely wail on everything and then, you know, hopefully start over. Jesus. <laughs> enough's enough with the fucking spider mites but yeah let me show this that here this one well actually i don't really have to show it i just thought i was going to show okay go actually, it later it's not that big of a problem. i ended up having to just, just take clones and fight fight it on the cl- fight these spiders off the friggin' clones that i wanted to keep and shut <laughs> everything else down and just let it cycle long enough that that they were gone let me find some it's a nice plant though um, I don't remember the cross on this. The bacon, wait, bacon grease by Pam or by Orchard Lady? Fuck, I don't remember. We should ask uh, Family Tree Seeds. Yeah, I don't really have to show these pictures right now. I don't know why I'm so obsessed with it right now. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you guys like to stop on and uh, hop on and talk to us, we don't have a guest this evening, as you guys can see. Uh, we're, uh, I don't know, free balling it, I guess, as they say. So, if you guys would like to come on and uh, don't show your balls, we come and free ball with us. Uh, that's probably puzzling, but uh, ladies and gentlemen, come hang. Uh, don't show your wang. Uh, you're welcome. Uh, just be chill. Cannabis flower, for example, is welcome to come hang with us. Uh, did I interrupt you, Ozzy? I feel like I may have just interrupted you as I was talking about random free balling, whatever else. I was going to throw in just to say about your spider mite thing. Um, I had a perfect run. Everything was sweet right up until day 41. Back corner of the room. This is in Canada. Back corner of the room. Uh-oh. Yep, I just saw it just starting on the top because there was no fan. Like, it wasn't as much airflow in that corner of the fucking thing. So I was pretty upset. So I didn't want everything else to get stuffed up. So I just pulled it out. And I thought, well, I'm not going to destroy it because it's looking chunky in that. So I put it outside next to um, a pretty... Um, like a tree that had um, a lot of bio life on it, and um, it worked to see. Free ball on it. I wanted to see if I could get rid of them outside, and I got a video of it, and it got rid of them. It was three days, and all of them had gone, and you could still see all the speckles on the leaves. So I did a video on it, and um, yeah, it worked, and I just let it finish outside. I didn't put it back in or anything, but it was it was a successful run. Then the ones on the inside, I had to struggle with them. I didn't wipe down leaves like I have in the past. I just I think, what do I, vacuumed off? I think I did, I got the vacuum. I walked through and got the vacuum and just vacuumed off any webs that I saw. And that was that was it. And then harvested sweet. And then when I harvested, you put it upside down. 
and then on the on the on the rows and they're right they the spider mites go up to the top and then they crawl up the top so you go back about sort of 12 hours later and there's just there's big cools of spider mites up the top and you just fucking kill them with a big happy smile <laughs> over that's it St. Bernard's was saying that he goes around and just literally crushes them, which you can. You know, like in many cases, you can just walk up to the leaves and just squish them. You can do that with grapes one, too, by the way. I had one time where I did a whole crop. It took eight hours, and I wiped down manually with um, mm. a was it paper towel and soapy water and did both sides of the leaves. So it's on like one plant. Dun, 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 next plant. Dun, dun, dun. And yeah, it took a duration. And I was very happy at the end because, you know, I got a better result. But I'd probably never do it again. <laughs> Over. Then Ozzy, this whole panel's had shit luck. Like this last, our last grows. I had the uh, Sephora, Sephora uh, whatever, Sephora. Oh, Speaking of Lee Septoria, Potent just posted a primer on, on his channel. Uh, nice introduction if you guys are new to it. Yeah, so I, I mean, I can't lie. I'm impressed with how chunky that thing got. I mean, God forbid it went over 100 days. I, I, I think I pulled at day 117. Jesus. Probably could have still went. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, I gave it. You know, visually, I let it go, and I was looking, and then once it stopped making pistols and, like, growing like that, I kind of just gave it, like, two and a half weeks. Hmm. Oh. I mean, By I the time I was know. harvesting, it was like some branches wanted to touch the ground. They were just bending over so bad. Hmm. I just finished, actually, with one um, a hemp plant. And took it to day 100, and that was quite impressive as well. It was sort of fun. Over. Even though that thing was sick, I think it came sick. Like, that's my conclusion. I don't know, because nothing else had it, and that's the only thing that shows signs originally. I hope you got rid of that substrate and didn't recycle it. No, nah, I don't recycle any. Well, I do outdoors, but it would. it's going to go through a freeze before it gets gardened. And again, you know what I mean? So I'm going to throw, I throw everything outside um, when I'm done with it and like set up the garden out there with the, uh, if there's anything left in the soils and stuff, I just don't want to waste it. You know what I mean? Hmm. So I put in the cannabis garden outside, even like, I don't know. I figure if I even throw the stuff that the sick plant was in out there, it's still going to have to go through the whole winter and stuff, the rest of the summer and then the, re the whole winter. So I, I figured it would I mean, that's kill a good everything. one, actually. The, the septoria, does it spread on the seed? Uh, Potent, do you happen to know? Like, uh, would he have gotten that through the soil? Because that was the only plant that he knows and knows it was the only one that showed the signs. Uh, is it logical to assume that maybe it did get contained in that pot and it maybe came on the seed? Or is it something completely different? I'm sorry, I missed the first part of the question. Uh, he had smashed had a kind of a crappy plant or at least a plant that kind of gave him some trouble. And he decided that, I think we all kind of looked at it and we were like, Oh, that has some leaf septoria on it. It has those little spots that we've been looking at on your, your content. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. I originally thought. Oh, it was I remember. Yeah. That, so there's like, so there's a couple different species of septoria that will attack cannabis. And yeah. there's thousands of different species of septoria and many of them can jump across plant species uh, and genus uh, to other stuff that's similarly related. So um, it, it's quite a virulent um, fungal disease out there. But so is it I, fungal I, I, enough? 
to get into the seed. Like, I've never heard a seed transferred. Septoria, as far as I'm aware, is either transferred via soil or through spores that through the air. Uh, I have never heard of any documentation for septoria being. Maybe I got a bad bag of soil. Uh, uh, if you had a particularly wet, so usually what triggers septoria is 75 or 80 degree temperatures or higher, followed by uh, 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 like a warm up period and then heavy rains, usually, you know, two to five days of rain and then high heat again. Um, that's really what sets septoria off in terms of like a heavy bloom. I mean, we saw that exact case here in Oklahoma this year, and it was just absolutely devastating to a lot of farms. I mean, it was super, super widespread. Same thing in 2019 um, was another year where it was just really, really prominent throughout Oklahoma. Um, you know, over 70% of the grows I went to that were outdoors in Oklahoma um, in 2019 had septoria. So, so you know, what should I think? Because looking at my garden, I looked at it, like I pay attention pretty close. I look at every plant and it pretty much started exactly like you said, like I was in veg and I noticed a couple little spots. So I pulled them off and then it did okay for a little bit. A couple more showed up. I pulled them off and, but nothing else in my garden did this. It's just this one. you You might have one cultivar that's particularly susceptible to a given disease or virus or whatever. That, okay. Uh, uh, just hates your grow environment. You know, that's you're always going to have a small percentage of those cultivars, usually four to eight percent, that just hate whatever it is that you do for growing. It hates it, right? So if you're doing hydro, it wants soil. If you do soil, it wants hydro. If you, you know, it just wants what you don't have, right? So that's all. You're always going to have that small percentage that simply just doesn't want to excel with your grow conditions. Same thing with like, um, we're seeing this a lot this year in Oklahoma with people that grew runts. If you grow in runts in Oklahoma with this heat and humidity, like you're just getting absolutely completely tented with uh, botrytis this time of year because these buds are not airy enough to actually open up and get some some aeration and dry back out. So, um, you know, we're seeing that quite a bit with some of those more dense, you know, cush type cultivars um, and and things like that. In particular, runts. There's a lot of people that grew runts this year. I'm just picking on that because it's the strain of the month. Um, uh, for a lot of people, um, it really is just getting completely mauled in any outdoor or greenhouse setting here in Oklahoma, um, unless you're really on top of your, your IPM game. What though, I want, I wanted to say too, don't like, I'm still not, I'm not blaming the breeder, but I've also talked to a couple people now about this breeder and don't bother buying. If you see his stuff, I guess is the, is where I'm coming from. With um, I I create those environments to put resistance into plants and to test. And like Pope was saying, um, I got a new variety that I'm using the same substrate that has created that exactly same condition. And for me to get rid of it now, I got to let the put create its immune system, got to boost it up and tr- and trigger it. And I've got to make the conditions be reduced for what's favourable to those conditions, which is like a water activity level, which is above sort of 70%. Um, so I'll reduce the amount of, if anything, I'll let it sort of go dryish or I'll maybe drill holes in the pot. Um, and that, that really helps. And I'll also put a top dress of um, vermicastings on, which is also, you know, that's just a good all-round boost. But I've, um, I did that once. Yeah. <laughs> drilled some holes in the fucking pot to dry it out. <laughs> 
Oh, uh, Shredder. It was, it was allegedly uh, called Old School. It was supposed to be a UK cheese cross with a black domino, but yeah, I wasn't. <laughs> I mean, that's how you... God damn, I'm accidentally opening apps here while I'm trying to do stuff. Uh, that's how you determine genetics, really, more than anything. I mean, nobody has time to grow everything by themselves, so you basically get advice from your friends. You know, you, you're not going to get how do i put this you're not going to get like stone cold you're going to get like basically friendly advice you know so like your friend that likes toyotas more than you do like you like hondas more or something they're going to give you toyota flavored advice but even then you know like that's the only way you can get advice about breeders and stuff right like there's at least now there's not really any dependable like magazines or anything else to talk about breeders so you know if you talk to somebody like oh yeah man i've run their seeds and they were super legit they gave me really nice keepers and you know stuff was fire whereas on the other hand you'll hear like and I had almost nothing but problems. I didn't find a keeper on and on and on. You know, that's, that's how you pick breeders. At least I think so. It's hard because like, I'm not going to lie. The Instagram followers kind of led me there. Mm, yeah, that's common. And it's almost at a hundred K. So it's like his stuff can't be shit. Of course it can. Now you've and learned, then, you know what I mean? Now you've learned. Yeah. You can always That's why I really those, don't those, fuck with breeders. You can always pull his well, genetics out and cross them with the ones that you've got. So if he's got good lines with his flaws and his traits, you can mix it with your genetics and there's a good chance you can eliminate the problems that um, were originally there. Over. I'm thinking I already picked out, like, I'm pretty much shut down. The whole dry room's filled up drying that big ass. It still got huge. It was in a 10-gallon. It filled out the 10-gallon. Big ass stock like this broke through a fucking root right coop. Not a root right, a rapid rooter. Um, fat nugs, biggest nug, like probably vape size for nug size, like all the way down. It still got pretty big, but like, like I said, it also went over a hundred days. I wasn't expecting that. And I don't, I have to, now I have to shut down, I have to clean, and I got to figure out where this stuff came from. I have a little couple of autos going, so I don't, I mean, I just don't stop growing. So I shut down the big tent, shut the lights off, and cool down the basement a little bit. But in the little veg tent I have, I got a couple of autos going still. You know, like you know, uh, smash. Uh, fuck, Ozzy, let me finish this thought for a second, because I was just going to say, like, on some level, you might be better off smashed by thinking of things more kind of like Coot thinks of them kind of almost Buddhistically, just letting the, the river of life just wash over you good or bad. And just assuming that you already now have some of these leaf issues or you have leaf septoria or you have, I've said this before, like you don't really eradicate bugs so much as you ever control them. Let's say in a greenhouse scenario, you know, like a whole greenhouse is never really going to get rid of every single spider mite, but you'll get them under a certain level where they're effectively gone, for example, uh, at least with, with, with uh, good practices. So I guess I was just trying to say like, maybe now is the time to just kind of think forwardly about mitigation. And so a lot of, I've done this myself, a lot of newer growers or even maybe experienced growers will get into a sense of paranoia. where like, Oh my fucking God, I got to sterilize everything. I got to make sure every last corner is clean and this and that where did it come from where did it come from who gave that shit to me or whatever you know you get paranoid about like where did i drag it in my shoes whereas you'd be better off honestly saying you know what it's here it's there it's everywhere i'm gonna fucking deal with it 
I think I had this first realization, honestly, when, when bud rot first came into my life with cannabis. And then I realized, fuck, I live in the Willamette Valley. Like there's so many grapes here, especially in like September, October. That was the first time that I got bud rot. There's so many grapes here and so much bud rot that there are spores everywhere. And so basically like the idea that I could eradicate it from my garden was farcical. Like if I had tried to convince myself, I'll just scrub real, 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 real well, I would have never been able to get rid of it. Whereas if I make the plants healthier, and don't allow the conditions for bud rot to, to present itself. Like in my case, it was high humidity. I've never again had bud rot. So even though think, there are spores literally fucking everywhere, I don't have bud rot. It's not a, other, an issue for me. Go ahead. The other, thing to, the other way to succeed in that environment is to use competitive exclusion. So mm-hmm. making sure you have proper, you know, beneficial microbes on the plant that can, you know, even if you're going to have that constant onslaught, having something that can kind of sit there and defend against it when it does happen. And that's kind of the only way to really deal with it. Honestly, same thing with septoria on the outdoor, like uh, the biggest way to, to prevent septoria or botrytis really is to make sure you have a good, healthy soil. So the plant's got a good, healthy immune system. So it, it can fend it off better on its own. It's really the best way to do it. You can mitigate septoria in particular pretty easily. If you treat the soil before you even put the plants in the ground uh, with a good microbial inoculation, simply by increasing that diversity helps protect it because the spores land on the, the leaf surface uh, with septoria, but it's primarily um, bulking out in the root zone. Like it, hit, it hits the plant's leaf and then goes down to the roots. That's why the plant, that's why septoria almost always, uh, almost always, but not always, starts at the bottom of the plant and works its way up, starting off in the root zone. Um, same thing, another thing that people also do wrong that can increase your chance of septoria and botrytis both is not taking enough distance off the plants at the bottom of the plant. So there should be a minimum of 12 to 24 inches at the bottom of that plant between the bottom of the plant and the lowest leaf. You do not want splash when you have rain or watering or anything else splashing from the soil back up onto the bottom of the plant. That is a great way to vector uh, botrytis or septoria uh, onto the plant surface that can then lead to secondary infection. Um, but if you can, you know, help prevent that and clear that space out and allow better airflow at that soil zone, even and a good cover crop, you're not going to have that area that allows that to breed. Like, right. If I take a bunch of milk and pour it on the floor in the middle of my garage, it's going to stink like fuck because the bacteria are going to, you know, immediately, uh, uh, you know, sulfurizing bacteria are going to make that reek, right? But if I take that um, same thing and pour it into a nice living soil, it's not going to have that effect because you have things that are there to, to kind of break it down and, and turn it into other things that are not necessarily sitting there and rotting, right? So that's why having <laughs> beneficial microbes, you know, can, and, and having uh, a cover crop really can help uh, facilitate a lot of those secondary microbes so that you don't have those bare patches of soil that can kind of lead to a similar scenario of like leaving milk on my garage floor. It's not, you know, it kind of creates that type of scenario where you have lots of food with nothing to feed on it. So it feeds the wrong thing. I just feel like, I don't know, I've always just kind of cleaned things up after it grows anyways. That's just kind of what I do. I just wipe things down and clean the lights, and the fans, like, like take them. I didn't mean that. I didn't mean not to clean and just, you know, live like a pig or something. I mean to say that, um, the idea that you could like um, find the one true and I'm not even necessarily talking to you about this because honestly, like, I think it's a very common, I've definitely thought that way too. Like, Oh my God, 
like with russet mites, I think was the first time that I thought that way. I was like, I'm going to have to clean literally every single thing. And then I realized at some point, like, no, no, I'm just going to have to manage it in terms that, how do I put this? Like, uh, I will have to clean every surface the russet mites could be in. But then after that, I'll just basically have to mitigate them like they're freaking. Yeah, it's going to be. I there. honestly don't remember what I did at the time. But anyway, the point is like, uh, I didn't have to like get on my hands and knees with toothpicks and microscopes or something. You know what I mean? Like I was, I was, um, I, um, what am I trying to say? I'm babbling like an idiot today. I needed to, well, I needed to practice IPM is what it was. Basically that's, I, I've said this before that having russet mites and root aphids in one year taught me fucking IPM. Like that's probably a stupid statement. Everyone's laughing right now, but I mean, nothing better could teach you to, like ongoing IPM than getting, in my opinion, two of the worst pests that you can get in one year. Uh, and then like, you know, surviving that crop, you know what I mean? I didn't kill all my plants or anything else. I actually survived my way through it. A lot of folks told me, burn your crop down, start over, blah, blah, blah. But I thought to myself like, well, fuck, somehow I got these because they came in on outside plants. Uh, somehow I got them. I'm going to get it again that way. Like it happened once, it's going to happen again. So if I don't know how to deal it now or deal with it now, I'm not going to know how to deal with it in the future. And if I have something at the time, I actually... I did have some stuff that I was, you know, I didn't really want to lose. Like I had my Ruby Jack number three that I always talk about or often talk about. I had a couple other plants, but I didn't have anything like life ending, life changing, whatever that I couldn't live without. So it was a, a decent enough time that I was super sad. I'm still sad about some of the plants that I lost, but it was like, it was a time in my life that I could get away with losing, you know, everything in my freaking garden. And so I learned how to do kind of IPM then. I am babbling a little bit right now, but I don't know. It was important to learn that and, and practice like ongoing prevention instead of thinking like, oh, I've solved the problem. I can move on now. You know, I learned about quarantining my grow. And so I've been really fastidious about always changing my shoes, changing my clothes on and on, never going and walking into somebody's garden and then coming back and walking into mine on and on and on. I don't even have that, that chance. So that that's one thing I don't have to worry about. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, that's good. I get what but, you you're know, saying. As, though, like, as the freaking, the pandemic stops. Cause you know, I used to go to all the shows and stuff. Go ahead. These Ozzy, by the way, I, we, we interrupted you a long time ago. Go ahead. Oh, I can tell you what that was, but also if you're, you're too clean, um, you're leaving yourself open to problems down the track. You either, if you're too clean, you have to stay clean or you're going to have something that's going to come in and go, wow, look at this virgin territory. I can just go and exploit everything. I've got my beautiful carbon source. I've got my beautiful environment here. Yeah, it's open slather. Where if um, I think that's what Fumi was saying before, where if you haven't um, got, if you've got something to compete against, there's um, it's something can't settle as easily. And also that competitor might be knocked out because it might be um, overrun by something or it might um, not be, harmonious with it's not a symbiotic type of microbes that you really want over mm. well i think i i really want to start using lacto but i just got to get used to the smell like it really does make me sick did you know that um with that they've through the week on my organic sustainability agricultural thing they were saying they um one of the sprays that they make the pesticides is that they use cow milk and they put it in as a foliar spray for um for an IPM pesticide. They combine it with a few other things, but just to say that that's you know it's got your lactobacillus and apodophilus and bifidus and all that sort of stuff in it. But you were saying smash over. I'm just mad. I'm kind of mad that it hit this plant because I feel like like the way this plant grew, even though it had it was sick the whole time almost, like it, it grew itself out of it. It wasn't showing much signs of it for a while. Then when it went into flower, it started to really come on. Um, but 
it's still bulked up a lot. It'll happen. It was- you know what? That'll happen, Smash, because the, the plant was trying to reproduce. You know what I mean? So on some level, the plant was still sick. I'm not going to say that I'm I'm soothsaying the freaking life history of that plant, but I, I would say that I, no, I feel like that that's not super well, unusual. Like it looked okay. The plant though. will pull through because it's it's wanting to do its flowering thing, and the hormones and everything else give it a probably a, a boost of you know growth. And of course, it has the you know week one, two, three stretch. Maybe it was like a super sativa, so maybe it had like a crazy stretch that you know helped it out. But then fundamentally, the problems came back. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like whatever root root pathogen or fucking fungal issue or septoria, maybe a combination of issues. You know, yeah, it was a pain, but I mean, thing was, it was. I told you guys from the like popping the seed, it, it's growing like crazy. The thing was like fast, I'm like, huh? This thing is going. My papaya ended up catching up with it. My papaya didn't like they showed a couple spots on like on their leaves, but only a few. And they finished way before they finished at what I pull, I pulled at 60. 67 they lived next to this planet's whole life and they've never really shown signs of that until they got into flower they they got a couple spots on them oh they like did a get couple, a couple spots just a couple well so then every well but everybody is exposed then so everybody has yeah. it if you really right. so what that. that tells me is that you have that you, you maybe had it in your soil or whatever else somehow you had the the, the spores in the soil uh potent knows oh. more about that than i do That's for much. sure uh and then those uh strain those those particular cultivars were somewhat resistant what was i talking yeah, about spider mites? Some, some shit is resistant to spider mites and some stuff is not i've noticed you know what i mean some morganas have no spider mites on them and some have all the spider mites same thing with some other plants you know what i mean so I was thinking it might have been able to like i don't steve might be able to correct me but like when it's attacking the plant and killing it it's producing spores right like how does it work i mean that's part of the cycle yeah yeah conditions are right it's killing just because it's killing the plant doesn't mean the conditions are right the spore for instance um uh shoestring root rot would be a great example of this shoestring root rot and trees is what most people that do foraging call honey mushrooms right so you can have stuff that's highly pathogenic that also has that only fruits at very specific times now um septoria as far as i'm aware sporulates from the leaf tissue although i could be wrong um uh on that but um uh so i'm not you know, just because you're seeing the destruction of a necrosis doesn't necessarily mean it's gone to spore yet. So I think you could absolutely have a scenario where it is killing the plant and not necessarily being actively infectious. But most of the time with septoria, if it's already found its way into your grow at that point, you've already had most of your plants are already infected. They're just not showing it yet. And then, you know, yeah, some might have a little bit more resistance, right? Exactly. And, and like you're saying too, like, um, a lot of insects will avoid certain terpene profiles, right? So there's certain terpenes that like spider mites hate and certain ones that leaf hoppers hate, certain ones that white flies hate, right? That you're just never going to see it on the cultivar because it just hates that, that smell. In fact, a great example of this would be a product called garlic barrier. It's used quite heavily in landscaping. Um, you can also use it, you know, to an extent in cannabis for just prevention. Um, but it is garlic oil in the yard. Yeah, it's basically like garlic oil and thyme oil. And it just helps, you know, basically produce a horrible smell that they just fucking hate. I, I think there's lemonine in it as well. Um, but it's just a heavy, potent smell that helps, you know, repel the insects just by a scent. So, you know, I definitely see that being more and more of a, 
you know, thing that people focus on. But honestly, I'm kind of over all the oil sprays on plant. I kind of just kind of laugh when I see them now because I, why would I want to go spray a bunch of terpenes on my plants, right? Like, or a bunch of plant oils on my plants that I'm going to like potentially cause problems or some other type of issue. And there's, there's plenty of other controls now. I don't have to rely on that anymore. Uh, we have, you know, Bavaria Bassiana, we have uh, all these other wonderful things that will wipe out stuff at a far better efficacy rate um, without any of the change in flavor to my bud. Like, I don't like the taste uh, of some of these these protocols that people are using for IPM because it just changes the flavor and uh, I'm not into that. Yeah, so the papaya was fucking resistant as hell. I can tell you that the papaya, well, papaya rum cake, I should say, right? The papaya rum cake is resistant to it. Like, I only got a couple spots and that's it and it flowered perfect. Um, and that's kind of like that kind of shows me like um, now I kind of want to grow more of that papaya rum cake and it's good but I gotta say one really did smell like gasoline and the other one is sweet but it did cure to like a a, a, a rotten fruit cup smell with like a hint of diesel so I'm pretty stoked on it that's good by the way, folks, uh, hop on. I'm going to hop off in a second here to go to that other meeting for, I don't know, 10 or 15 minutes. Hopefully, I'm not going to be too long. Uh, it's just some friends. We're going to, uh, whatever, hopefully fix the other problem that every once in a while, I'm like, oh, my God, there's going to be this terrible meeting. But uh, that's the power of positive thinking. Anyway, uh, so, uh, folks, if you guys like to hop on, I don't know, shoot the shit, uh, come talk about uh, talk about spider mites or whatever else, come show off your grow or something. Probably going to make West Engine somebody here. I'm going to ask you guys who wants to be the boss, who wants to have the authority and be the freaking host. And they'll be the host. And if they want to ban you, I'm, I'm sorry, they're just then you're just going to be banned. But uh, I don't think they're going to do any bans. West Engine, you don't seem like the kind of guy who would use your authority. Maybe you would. I don't know. <laughs> I ain't banning nobody unless show their dick. Then, then, then they're banned. Fucking That's, media yeah, ban. Yeah, pretty much right away. Show yeah, my ball. Show my ball. <laughs> Wait, I got a baseball glove. One is permissible, I guess, oh, as long as it's yeah. Oh, ball is one of the time. I don't know who that is, but I guess I did say come on and freaking show off. So I, yeah, just don't show your freaking wang. I guess we'll, we'll, we'll hope this person doesn't show off any wings. We're all waiting. Pensively, show your wang, <laughs> and it's probably just like the nicest person, and we're just all sitting here waiting. Is it going to be a huge dick? No, it's probably not. It's probably a totally nice person. Would, it's going to be like a fifty-year-old really cat. Like, what? Be really funny if it was just someone that had it perfectly lit and centered on their dog. Like... <laughs> they just moved over from Amigo for a like, Dude, I don't know if it was art. Perfectly like, groomed, because they, they are stuck like, googly eyes on their dog. I mean, there are basically like free speech exemptions when it's like, you know, it has artistic merit. So I guess if it was like a dong with artistic merit somehow, it'd have to be a hell of a goddamn, it'd have to be like really well lit. It'd have to be like, there'd have to be like, cart. I don't know, it'd have to be like a scene. It'd have to be like a tableau, like maybe like a theater piece. There'd have to be actors and stuff. No, I'm still saying no. You just have to label no. it. You're fine. <laughs> See, that's a pretty high bar to set. You know what I mean? You, you can, if you can't do that, I don't think you can. Yeah, we're not gonna. We're not gonna allow any dongs. I don't if you know, got like Michelangelo level shit going on, then ask first. But even then, we're not interested in your dong. Yes, if you take a shit and it looks like Michelangelo, I want to see that. That's the one. <laughs> uh, toast. If you have any like religious figures that show up on your toast and or bagels, 
stuff like that. Enter it into the photo more contest. than the Michelangelo dong, honestly. Like I don't even know. I don't. I always have to be love like that concept. Opera. You have an omnipotent God that can create planets, universes, and he <laughs> his time putting himself on toast for some old Karen, right? Like that, that's what Seems he's going to waste his to time me. doing, yeah. right? Like, yeah, yeah. In the distant so, cosmos, yeah, there's, there's all these black holes and wormholes and everything else, and he spends his time showing up as Jesus on toast. That's what that's what. Oh, Tara, come on. You can come on. We'll stop talking about this. Tara's in the chat. Welcome. Come on, Tara. Um, Galaxy Note 10. Um, that's what your name came up as. So right. if you we don't know, we don't know who you like are. We hope you don't. You're not going to show off your dong. We great if you didn't. Trying to get the lighting right. <laughs> she put the bar pretty high. So with it, I think they're having an issue with getting their audio or something working. I think it's probably a phone. You got to hit yeah, the phone. Otherwise, it's Hopefully not. Hopefully, it's a work. phone. Ladies and gentlemen, if you are struggling, if you're uh, coming on for the first time, uh, a lot of times, normally, uh, I don't know, maybe your phone is a backwards Japanese, I don't know, I don't know, I don't even know, I don't know, some brand, uh, Toshiba or something, I don't know, it's a Toshiba phone that no one's ever seen before. Wouldn't that be cool if like someone shows up with like a Fujitsu phone or something? (laughs) Anyway, this is the rare... I don't even know. I don't even know. Nikon. No, that, that one. Kyocera. It's a Kyocera phone. That would be actually awesome because it'd be like, probably be like razor ceramic edges. Actually, it'd be hard to hold because you cut yourself. Anyway, maybe it would have like a fold out. No, that doesn't work. Be like a phone that you could also chop vegetable with. Okay, that's probably pretty stupid. It would be kind of fun though. Like you're sushi chef and you're having conversations. And you're like chopping, 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 chopping. You got to chop for like eight hours a day. Here comes Tara. Okay. Don't okay. quote me, ladies and gentlemen. That's probably not a great idea. Uh, it would definitely be terribly live. So I guess I didn't finish this. It's the bottom left uh, mute button. There's a little uh, microphone thing. There's a little arrow there that usually a lot of times when you have problems with audio or video, that little arrow is the source of many of your uh, uh, solutions. Basically, you guys don't think of them uh, telling the truth, but actually I am. For example, when you have audio problems, uh, Zoom will even like cycle through your microphones for you and stuff now. So it's it's pretty chill. Boys and girls, I'm going to let you say hello. Well, actually, I'm going to wait and say hello to Sarah because it's, it's rude to be like, shit, I'm out of here. Fucking the I am out. Has to say something. Yeah. <laughs> you guys say hello to my guest. Welcome, Tara. What's going on? We've been saying you have the best freaking uh, set in all of freaking like cannabis YouTube, I think. Peacock feathers. Freaking in all Ganesh, Weedlandia. I mean, in hey, all Weedlandia. All Weedlandia. Is this, is this? Let me see. Test, test, test. Nope. Is that your, you have a microphone that's covered with a, a peacock feather? That's awesome. Oh, I did. That's dope. That's, that's kind of like the rock stars that used to have like the handkerchiefs and stuff. You like, can't even tell on our camera. It's a yeah. mic. I want to kind of hook up my mic again. I'm waiting. I have, I'll have a second monitor again Saturday. And then I want to hook cool. up my microphone again. I want to get a second monitor one of these days, maybe eventually. Yeah, What's up, Robert? I hate, Cheers, buddy. I hate having chat like this big in the corner. Test, test, mm. test, test, test. Okay, there we, we can go. Hear you. We can hear you. Okay, it's I a thought little quiet, but we can hear you. Okay, sorry. Cheers, there. How y'all doing tonight? Doing well. Right on. Definitely. I like your new tapestry smash. It looks really good. Thank you. It doesn't. It? Cheers, Tara. Definitely. Uh, so Cheers. now that you're here, uh, welcome. You're welcome to to hang and chat and stuff. Uh, I'm gonna make uh, I'm gonna make Wes Engine the god of the show here. Yeah, I'm on. I have to be nice Wait, to Thank him. you. I appreciate uh, it. 
that's it. Uh, so, ladies and gentlemen, uh, be respectful uh, if he tells you to get the fuck out. Just gonna have to uh, start out. banning people as soon as humor is gone. Man, we come back and there's like the whole like uh, <laughs> dictatorship situation. It's gonna be it's gonna be problematic, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, you see, I well, I, I shouldn't reveal my. I have a superpower. I have a superpower just in case Wes Engine abuses his authority. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to be back in a little bit. Uh, I'm going to just go to this other meeting for like uh, five or 10 or 15 minutes. Talk amongst yourselves. Don't show any wangs, please. Uh, but uh, welcome to come and hang. Cheers, guys. Seacrest, out. Yeah, man. Yeah. What are you dabbing on, Tara? I know you got something good over there. Um, I was trying to decide what I even wanted to go in on. Um, I'm thinking, what did I grab? Let's go in on this one. Duct tape. We're gonna finish up the duct tape. Duct tape's a good strain. I heard like I hear a lot of good stuff about that one. That baby. Um, who bred that one? I think Jinx, right? I have no idea. Honestly. Chat. Chat. Try to. I don't. I want to look Google it. So who who bred duct tape? What's that one? Mine. Mine's labeled as Sasquatch Diesel, and it's pretty fucking good really like nasty for sure Huey's gone what? show a page of wangs Steve, you got anything? What are you dabbing on? You always have something good over there, too. Uh, I got some more bubble rosin. My friend. There we go. Hopefully you can see I that. I kind of just refill it. I, I use this little container, but I kind of just refill out of these bigger containers. <laughs> just like having the glass little container because it doesn't stick and get all weird. I know. I want, I've always thought about like if you scraped up all your like extra jars, <laughs> like all the little little leftovers in there, you're like fuck. I'm trying to figure out what D's doing over here. Cheers, Living Organic. Organics. Welcome. Oh shit! Oh, oh it's the guy. It's, it's, it's that guy. Himself. It's that guy. He's muted. He knows those guys. There we go. You're muted, there, Jim. Okay, so here's a story. Way back about ten years ago, on icy mag on a, a social media one night or thread thing, and you know, pre- we didn't have Facebook. We were simple people. And uh, so anyway, I made a joke about we were trying to come up with something that would be, you know, have a hook, a, a groovy name, you know. And so I dick around and said, well, I know. How about living organic soils? That's uh, pretty stupid. And so later, uh, a guy who now is known as uh, Swami Kushananda, uh, Swami Seeds, not the guy, the guy up here in the Northwest, he's sells uh, knockoffs of uh, seeds that I gave him. And uh, anyway, he and Jeremy went into business together and they had a, pri- a private a private forum. That's what you want in cannabis is a private forum. You know, do the 
you know, the bunker mentality. You got to do it, do it right. Okay. And it was called Living Organic Soils, which you had to join. And uh, anyway, I wasn't qualified. So later, uh, Jeremy, this is Build the Soil, Jeremy. So he decides that, you know, this is BS. I'm going to go do something else. And then that's how Build the Soil got started. And so he left it with AJ. And AJ didn't pay the bill on the name, domain name. So it came up for sale. And Tad Hussey at Kiss, this really a good story, Kiss Organics, he bought it. So about two years ago, these two uh, Jamokes getting a big pissing battle over who owns it. And I'm laughing about the whole thing. I'm just, I didn't even participate. I couldn't, it was too stupid. <clears throat> so then I'm thinking about, you know, I bet you neither one of these guys are smart enough to put an S on the end and get that. There are, you know, why didn't you just put an S on the end and go get, you know, living organic soils. So I went and checked and it was available. So <laughs> looks like I grabbed it. And then, so anyway, long story short, so I did uh, over at WordPress, they were 50% off. So for 48 bucks for the first year, I got a blog and uh, living organic soils just to annoy if nobody else, just those two. Because they couldn't, uh, <laughs> they weren't smart enough to figure out how to play the game. But anyway, so are you going to institute on the end? You know, something like that. Living Organic Soil Institute, or uh, let's see, uh, seminars, or you know, some stupid shit. You know, but anyway. So that's I. Anyway, so I'm going to start with Swill of the Week. I've already got 30 candidates, and uh, here's a nice, huh? Cheers. Oh, shit, cheers. Yeah. So uh yeah, you know, uh there's still clicks though. Like it's like that still. It's not gonna change. Oh, I know, but that's cool. Because you let each other let them piss on each other. Yeah. You know? No, my crap is better than your crap. No, it isn't. You know, so anyway, uh you know. If somebody wants to argue two plus two is five, go, yeah, that sounds groovy. Yeah, it sounds cool. No, two plus two is a window. Yeah. Right? <laughs> or like or I told one person today, hey, go, well, you know, you're going to have all that, you know, feedback. And I said, no, I'm not going to have comments turned on. This isn't a dialogue. This is a monologue. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't give a shit what, you know, some cowboy and, uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma, you know, he's got three grows under his belt. You know, he's got those microbes working. Well, what microbes are those? I don't know, but it's right here on the bottle. Right here, it says right here, microbe. See? <laughs> and uh, so, uh, yeah, sure. This this should be fun. Maybe I can get a job at one of the catacons, you know, as a, a what do you call Wait, it? We have, we have one court, this weekend, I think. A, yeah, court jester. Yeah, that would be good. I think I'm going to work the Harvest Cup just to go to the party. <laughs> yeah, that's what, I want. that's what I want to do. I want to go to a, a, a Canacon in uh, Bug Tussle, Mississippi on a Saturday night so I can go to a country western bar and eat Q and do shooters at tequila. Right, sign me up. Man, it sounds like <laughs> a great weekend. Uh, you know what I want to do? Like, I kind of want to go axe throwing. I've been like thinking about that. You guys know those new bars popping up that you can throw like axes and shit? We got one not even an eighth of a mile from me. 
and everybody in the parking lot is driving a pickup with a rifle rack in the window, back what? window. Oh, yeah. It goes better with alcohol than sharp objects. <laughs> than exactly. throwing axes. Throwing, yeah. Throwing axes. Yeah, it's like going hunting with drinkers. Yeah, this what can go wrong here? My, my favorite part is my favorite part is places can legally have that going on and have a liability wise. Yet lawn yeah, darts yeah. are illegal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> How can you think like what do you think they said to get those in? Like we're gonna make sure there's only two drink limits, and yeah, that's it. Anymore, they can't throw axes. <laughs> Hey, today we were over at the Oregon coast in one of the smallest towns on the, and Oregon is not, uh, uh, what do you call it, populated at all, especially the coast. I mean, you, there's cities over there with, you know, two, 300 people. And so you come to this little town, there's not even a, a blinking light yet, you know, stop sign. There's a, there's a stop sign, but not a blinking one. That's how, you know, a nondescript uh, intersection. And there's a, a a dispensary on both sides of the street on the corner. I mean, it's just amazing. There must be a lot of sick people up there. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I like that. Uh, it's out by ocean. I think it's Oceanside in, in Oregon. There's a, and I'll never forget this till I, till I die. There's a combination gas station, liquor store, dispensary, gun store, video yeah. rental and cafe. Right, yeah. so you can get videos, weed, yeah. alcohol, ammo, your gun repaired, and a sandwich, <laughs> and something to watch when you get home. Right, like you wait. What more do you need yeah. in life, really? Hell like yeah. as long as they have dog food, you're good. I hear banjos. Well, we're heading over to the uh, as we're heading over to the coast. There's a small town. There's a Dairy Queen, and then right adjacent in the parking lot is a. a Dispenser, and I said, "Boy, talk about good cross merchandising." You know, it's everywhere. Go, and some, yeah, go and get some weed, and then go next door and get a, a chocolate sundae or something, you know, or whatever. They, they put a dispensary right next to a liquor store, and then right next to the liquor store is a, a KFC Taco huh. Bell co combination. Yeah, we got a literally car. like walking distance. I look forward to I look forward to the day when you can get like infused stuff as an add-on, and I can go to like a fine restaurant and get like medicated whatever. You know what I mean? Like and have like gourmet medicated food. Like I really hope they allow for that long term. You that probably listen if you had enough money and you rented out the restaurant and provided them with the flour. I bet you they'd fucking cook with it. Oh, I've done stuff like that in San Fran already. There's a lot of chefs that do that privately. In fact, there's a lot of them doing it in Oklahoma now. I've been invited actually three times for people to ask me to do it in Texas, but I ain't about to do that shit. Oh, fuck all that noise. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's scary. I don't go to Prohibition land and do things like that. I'll happily go talk to them and tell them how to grow, but I ain't about to start fucking selling anything in Prohibition that's land. Yeah. Uh, I've gone far too far in my, com my, my career at this point to risk doing shit like that. I, dude, I hope Texas actually find, like, gets legal, though. Oh, know. yeah, and it's going to happen. But, you know, I, I'm kind of curious to see how the South handles it long term. Are they going to all be like Oklahoma where they're a little bit more open? Are they going to be a little bit more restrictive like Florida and set up monopolies? You know, I, it's really going to be kind of curious to see how that goes. And then how is the federal change in regulation going to be that? And then is the federal legalization 
going to finally be the thing that kicks uh, through like Frenchie's um, uh, talked about so much, the terrars and then the individual regional uh, production and branding around regions. Um, that might be the thing that finally gives the kick in the pants that kind of forces the industry to move in that direction for outdoor because, you know, what hope do some of these, you know, out of popular market states have otherwise? They, you know, they're not known for good production of cannabis. They don't have unique cultivars that do that. If they don't have some type of other form of branding, you know, good luck. Um, kind of curious what Coot's thoughts are on that. On the whole terroir and regional well, before long, 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 long before uh, you're going to see legalization per se. What really has to happen is for to rescind or override Nixon's '71 uh, edict, putting uh, cannabis as a uh, Schedule One, meaning no value whatsoever, which prohibited research get rid of that law and then let the states because it's just a it's a political bomb to try to uh, pass a legalization and then get then you're really going to have politics this way isn't my way but it's the best way is what's happening now states are as usual going to victimize uh you know and use the patient argument to get a law passed so they because they want the 25 percent tax i mean think about it. oregon doesn't even have a sales tax of any kind as I said before, you can come here and buy a $50,000 car and not pay a dime in taxes. But on, on cannabis, they're getting 25%. So you go in and buy 100 bucks worth of whatever. Uh, yeah, $25 hit. That's a lot. This is my book. It's weird because I like Steve's right. Like we do see two types of states opening up. We see states like Oklahoma and states like Florida, Massachusetts, stuff like that, where you can't like everything is pretty much capped and owned. Yeah, big money came in for like my states, but Steve, like Oklahoma, let in. They kind of just said, "Let's go." You know what I mean? And I get that, and that that isn't the, the norm is what I'm saying. It, the norm is you got to pay big money to play and the politicians are, are allowed the, uh, what do you call it? The, uh, the uh, representatives of the companies, the political action committees to write the goddamn laws. So they benefit a very limited number of, of steps. It's not the wow. grower that's making the money. It's the broker. And on the other end, it's the dispensary. And everybody in between is just scrambling for, you know, scraping for dollars. I mean, the prices for a pound has just gone to nothing. Yeah, the prices of pound in California have dropped, yet Illinois is raking in record tax revenue at astronomically offensive prices for their, sure. for their market. Um, yeah. and, uh, you know, and, but you have places like Oklahoma that kind of use it as a, you know, a windfall because the state, I mean, Without cannabis legalization, Oklahoma would be a, a, 10 times worse than it is right now. It's basically single-handedly right. propped up their entire economy. I mean, literally without cannabis, this whole state would be bankrupt completely. Um, they, right. they have the, uh, uh, you know, look at the housing prices have over doubled statewide since in the last three years. You know, right. that didn't happen not because of weed. That happened only because of weed. Right. So, 
You know, and it makes me wonder, are these other red states like Kansas is a great example of one that's completely broke and it needs the tax revenue. Are they going to end up being more like Oklahoma? Are we going to see For the sure. bankrupt I think they will. Uh, Republican states kind of all follow in line with Oklahoma model in order see, to kind well, of make money or what? The best political uh, argument, and I, I'm not making this argument, I'm just saying, is the hemp uh, deal. Because uh, politicians feel they have cover because it's a, not, a non-psychoactive, you know, the, you know the argument. And so it's always about steps. I mean, I was shocked when Oklahoma went wide open because even in Oregon was one of the early states to do the medical thing back in the 90s, late 90s. Um, still, there when they went this uh, rec thingy that they did, and you had two licenses, a 20,000 square foot and a 40,000 square foot, that was it. And then uh, whatever. The license fees were in the stratosphere to the state uh, and they put it under you ready for this the uh, oregon liquor control commission now there you go uh, let's just call it what it is okay a, a revenue stream it didn't fall under uh, department of human services right no 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 we're going to put it under the oregon liquor control which uh, they dictate all prices for alcohol in the state of oregon you can't it's not an open market you, uh West couldn't uh, come to Oregon and open a liquor store and say, I'm going to discount. It doesn't work that way. You have to buy it from the state. So everybody's paying the same exact wholesale price and it's in the stratosphere. But this uh, cannabis thing, yeah, I mean, 25%, it's just a big uh, revenue stream. It, it used to be that they, they were uh, feeding off the medical patients on their cards. They raised the price from a hundred to two hundred dollars a year for a license, and you had like tens of thousands of uh, what do you call it uh, card holders. It was a big revenue stream, but this is better. Yeah, remember how bad Nevada botched that one? They had to declare a state of emergency the first day of legalization because oh, they, yeah, uh, Nevada. the liquor the, the liquor transport board gave four vehicles for transporting the entire state of Nevada's cannabis supply. Yeah. Um, uh, on the day of legalization, they literally had to declare a state of emergency to overturn the cannabis law and, and open it up to allow supply to simply get it to the stores. Yeah. It's funny because like I think. I heard when California opened up, I mean, it might have been costly to get your license and stuff, but you physically, after, like for a while, you could go in and sell your cannabis to the dispensary. No, you could, right. but here's the problem. You, uh, we, I applied for a license in Half Moon Bay. 88% of Half Moon Bay in California voted for, the, for legalization, yet they denied us a license and said you can't have cannabis in our town. The, the the local control shit needs to be uh, completely exterminated. Uh, no community should have any remote right to tell me I can't have a business in their town. Go fuck yourself. You know what? When did I get to vote on the, the opioid dispensary down my street? I never got a chance to vote on that. I want to vote them completely out. I want to make it so someone has to drive 300 miles to go get any kind of pain pills. You know what I mean? Fuck you. You know, don't tell me what I can and cannot have as medicine. Certainly have no right to tell me I can't put that anywhere I want to put it. You know, I and, and we literally burned a million and a half dollars in that venture to try and get a license, work the whole city council, uh, work the local environmental, the, the, the fish and game wardens and all that shit. I taught a free class for any state official. I wanted. we had 40 people there from the state or local officials and, and they completely shit all over us. 
You know what I mean? So they, they have to exterminate the stupid local control bullshit. They have no fucking right to tell anybody anything. Uh, and then you get the fuck out of the way of progress and let people just have their own goddamn businesses and run their businesses like a normal thing. We're extorted. We're bent over. We're, we're, we're far things worse than that even um, that I don't, you know, if you want to go there, but you know, no other industry gets abused and used like we do. And, and 25% tax rate on this federal bill, go fuck yourself. That's, that's bullshit. Show me one other industry that has to put up with even half that level of taxes. It doesn't exist. Gas and oil is not that high. Tobacco is not that high. Alcohol is not that high. So fuck off, dude. Like, like we have to have a level of it it's a commodity. It's a plant like everything else. We got to bring sanity. We got to force sanity to it. And same thing too, like uh, organic producers. I'm seeing a lot of people kind of banding together and saying, look, <laughs> this is the minimum price for soil, <laughs> living soil, sun-grown cannabis. And we're not accepting anything less than that. You got to put a floor on this or you're going to have, a, <laughs> you know, people trying to sell $2,000 weed for $200 a pound, you know, and there's no fucking, there's no reason for any of that. You see it all in every market, man. Think about like, even you want to say cigarette markets or tobacco market. My, like my state, New York, New York city, you can get a pack, what over $10 more towards Florida. You're getting them five, four bucks. <laughs> it's like, depending on where you are how much like i don't know it just kind of sucked because like i can't right now there's a flavored tobacco ban so they took away menthols they took away like flavored like juice like like uh vape juices and stuff like it's just weird all like flavored uh dip for people like i mean i know a lot of baseball players and stuff they can't even get that stuff in like anymore that's another thing. Like they need to fuck off with the whole, Oh, we're saving the children. George Carlin said it best. Fuck the children. You have, you have a right as an adult to make your own damn decisions on what you put in your body and, and what tastes good. Right. Just because a child thinks that tastes good. Doesn't mean that you shouldn't have the right to have that product. We got to nip that in the bud too, because it's getting out of control. Someone tell that's me what it. the worst thing that's going to happen to one of my kids. If he gets into my stash is, is going to sleep a bit. Like, it's right? not like, the like it's like the, we that, don't like, have I can't get my jarum cigarettes in 20 packs anymore. Like F you. I gotta buy them in 10 packs now. It's more expensive. I don't want to pay a lot well, of I tax. think it's <laughs> I think it's absurd that like there's there's all this child safety on the weed, but yet there's no child safety on alcohol. Like you can the top of alcohol bottle can just be spun right off, like no problem by a kid. And a couple shots of that uh, in a kid into a kid can poison it in, in no time flat. It's a lot more dangerous, but yet we're 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 focused in on this one little thing for no reason. Uh, yep, kids. I, I, I get the. Car, I don't know. Some of the stuff pushes the limit a little bit. Like I get like. Okay, cool. No, we're just saying, it still comes back to taxes. Just consider a second the number of cans of beer or that volume, okay, that are sold every day just in uh, America. Forget the Western Hemisphere, just in America and think what the tax is on each. It wouldn't have to be anything and the money would be astronomical and it is. Alcohol produces big revenues before you even get into bars and taverns. 
just the beer itself. Um, Anheuser-Busch didn't get big because they made good beer. Anheuser-Busch got big because they could produce a lot of beer because people drink a lot. There it is. Like McDonald's, you don't have to have a good hamburger. Just sell the most. So that's come to cannabis. And like it or not, that's the way it is. So if you want good cannabis, you have to grow it yourself. And, that is uh, the truth. It is. I mean, I, you know, I, I grow weary of even talking about the dispensaries. It's a joke. How can you? How can a dispensary sell a goddamn ounce for forty dollars? What did the, What did the grower get? Uh, you know, I some, saw thirty dollar ounces in Oklahoma City this week. Yeah. Wow. We got them all yeah. over Portland. Forty dollar ounces. Or, I love this one. Two dollar pre rolls. Yeah, please. That's what I, I want. I want. I want some shake. <laughs> yeah. I want some shake in it. Oh, it's a PM shake. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, uh, it makes no sense. Because all the thing is, you guys laugh about it, but that's like sells. That shit sells. The number one item selling in dispensaries is pre rolls. That's right. She's right. I mean, hey, I bought look. a pre roll the other day. <laughs> Hey, all, all this, you know. And guess who the, the guess who the average person and average age of the person coming into the washing dispensaries are? Twenty-four. I'm gonna give Chad a minute to figure out. Guess get what? Guess who? And uh, guess if it's male or female, and what age is coming in? Smash! Male. I'll let you go first. Over forty, female. No. Who's next? Go ahead, Wes. I don't know, 35 males. It's got to be males. Males coming two to one. Males, 20 to 25. All day long. Yeah, probably. You guys don't understand how many... You got to guess, I see a lot of... Like, I see a lot of ladies. I see a lot of fucking ladies. We We got a couple in chat, too, so... Okay. So Lars is actually the closest in chat. It's actually 61-year-old female is actually the number one customer of in the, Washington in Oregon? dispensary. Washington, Washington. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah. Washington dispensaries. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, around here, I see a lot of, like, older ladies um, going in. It's a pretty good mix, but now hit the old ladies up if y'all are selling, man. They need they need somebody. They need some good weed. Yeah, I can't. <laughs> I have I already have like one my one patient. I'm only allowed so, one. You're not so gonna get anything I, good at thirty dollars an ounce. If you're getting thirty dollar ounces, it's probably something in the eight to twelve. We're not even at the point of that shit though. Like we're still there's they're still upping prices of eighths, not bringing shit down. Like we're just starting to get hash. I already I'm have one medical shit. patient. Yeah, I've been growing for it for 42 years. So I don't need to take on <laughs> <laughs> any more patients. You know what I mean? So uh, Grayson says we need to stop buying from dispensaries. Well, you know, it I'd I'd love to buy from somebody else, but no one else is offering me solventless what they offer me. Oh, yeah, you go to the dispensary to buy your hash. I do right now until I produce enough of my own, which hopefully this year we'll see. I don't know. 
I'm about to do a run of hash. I have a I bunch of. Got my trash. freeze dryer. I got my pre- I got my rosin press. Oh, now I just jealous. need So there was an article in the local paper, Oregon paper, a bust over in Deschutes, which is Eastern Oregon. We're not talking Southern Oregon now. We're talking high desert. Uh, 20 people. uh, I forget how many thousands of plants, but they had 2,800 pounds dried, cured, and ready to ship. They're sitting over almost a ton and a half. I mean, and I can tell you just from experience, if they busted one, there's nine they missed. This isn't the only one. We're talking indentured labor. They already had a big bust at Southern Oregon two weeks ago. I mean, we're talking tens of thousands of plants on a scale that this has nothing to do with 40,000 square foot license. I mean, no, you can- that's a lot of like. It's just, no, this is cartel. This organization. Is, no, yeah, yeah, it is. It's, it's organized a lot crime. Of it's organized Asian crime. Yeah, we're seeing that a lot in Oklahoma City. In fact, yep. Shit, if you look at almost all the large big busts, that they're also involved in, in human trafficking out here, and they're right. always, you know, illegal. Let's say if they're not American working at a farm, and yeah, if it's like a kind of crazy farm like that they're kind of stuck there yeah like out in the middle of nowhere and stuff you're they right don't really exactly. leave. no like they they, they live no. there and then when the cops are they set up around the traps and when the cops are coming they try to get out and I, i've seen a lot where they get out in time but clearly there's some obviously times they don't but it's like it sucks because they're kind of being forced to do these grows too yep yeah, it's uh, this isn't Woodstock, you know, at all. It's just hardcore crime, criminal. I tell uh, people, I tell people that all the time, Kuda. I'm like, yo, a lot of the time, like your mylar bag that you're getting is just some reject weed from Cali or just something that was produced yeah. by an organization that yeah. doesn't really know. Yeah. yeah all hard nug shit like every time like I, my our black market's filled with the city like it looks exactly the same every strain could be a different strain it just looks exactly the same um i mean sometimes there's rare different like occasions like i mean now it like you see a little bit of difference it'd be like it's an og or da 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 but they all look the same you know even still like let's just do the arithmetic together so they had 2,800 pounds dried, cured, you know, ready to go, ready to ship. So let's mm-hmm. say they just sold it for $1,000 a pound. That's 28, $280 million. That's a lot of money. Yeah, and of they course got, it is. And they got another, what was it, 4,000 plants? You should have seen the flyover. Really good drone work. I was really impressed. People don't but understand how much money goes over these borders and they're trying to catch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you get, you're getting bullshitted. That's what you're getting. Yeah. These guys have been working at border for 60, 70 years. I mean, just get real. And, they catch uh, a, they catch a shipment and there's 35 others. That's right. And at same the with same this. time, 
Yeah. There are, and it's all over California, Northern California. You have uh, illegal grows, black, whatever you want to call them. You know, it's just nothing's changed. There've been illegal grows in California for as long as I can remember. And uh, yeah, I, I watched that Murder Mountain documentary. I mean, they they exaggerate. Like, aren't most of those not those not? They also filmed a bunch of people against their permission who explicitly said, I don't want to be on film and put it in that documentary. They're assholes. Like, oh, the what documentary is that? A bunch of people got Murder Mountain. Yeah, there's a, a big oh. controversy about that yeah, humble Redway in particular. Yeah. But those were like home growers that have been there forever and ever. Like, we're not talking about like those kind of grows. Like, I respect people that have like, been in it and like growing in the same spot for years and years and then maybe have a big ass garden you know we're talking about people that are popping up grows and pushing yep. out product that they don't really care about well you know in spite of all the barking and no no it's not like that it is if you're if you're, you're looking at something that's in a dispensary the quality isn't going to be there period you know, just the way it is. It's and all grown with the same using the same chemicals. Yeah, you know, uh, yeah. I know phenotype's really important. So is genotype. Yeah. So, um, I stumbled on one of these type of shows. I, 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 it doesn't matter who it was. And so somebody brought up the word microbes. And that, that's a buzzword now, microbe. Couldn't tell you a fucking thing about it. But, well, I know this product. It's got microbes in it. Well, so does your fingernail. You know, stick your finger in the soil and go get it and stick it in a bottle of water and shake it around. And you could legally say it's got enzymes. All right? I mean, so what enzymes? What, what, what microbes? I don't know. I can't tell you. It's proprietary. Okay, go away. Run they away. They say that. You, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> I've heard that. We heard that a long time with Optic Collier. They can't tell us. They couldn't tell you what's in it. They can't tell you what's no, in it. No, can't. No, no. It's top secret, man. It's got top shelf and stuff. Yeah, so I just want to say hi to everyone in chat. I see Family Trees joined us. What's up, buddy? Everyone who's chilling with us. Thank trees. you. Um, oh yeah, we haven't said this in a while and we freaking, we should say it more. It's just because we're sonars and I'm not going to say, I'm sorry. I'm going to say you're welcome. <laughs> um, don't forget to change from top chat to live chat. <laughs> You'll have a better chatting experience. And welcome back to your own show, Fumidar. <laughs> Cheers, Sarah. How you guys doing? Hi. Our leader. I wish, I wish murder was legal, but whatever. Uh, we're not going to get into it, but uh, wouldn't that be nice? Sometimes I don't know. Just once in a while, you get a pass for just like occasional murder. It'd be awesome. Oh fuck, whatever. I'm not yeah, but I divorced her. Yeah. But I divorced. No, this her, is something so else. It's, it's same. I don't know. Probably same level situation, but yeah, whatever. Yeah. Oh my fucking god! Some people. I think it's stab time. That, that that what's everybody smoking on in chat i don't know if everybody said that out there what's going on what are y'all smoking on tonight yeah what are you smoking on 
Coop. Oh, me. I'm sorry. Yeah, I got uh, <laughs> the same same one. I'm really boring. You know, I, I smoked the same one, so I have for years. Um, yeah, I just, yeah, never mind. So it's, it's not any good. You know, it's not, doesn't have a cool name or anything. You know, it doesn't say Kush or Wedding Cake or somebody's underwear or, you know, whatever. No, no, this stuff's really good. So Boy Scout Jockstrap. Oh, okay. Well, it's better than a Girl Scout cookies, I suppose. Huh? So, and that's that level of humor is what I want to bring to living organic soils. Like I said, we'll start off with swill of the week, an in-depth analysis of the worst way you could spend your money, possibly spend your money would be to buy a bottle of this, you know, whatever that might be. And I've got really some big, you know, it's going to be tough narrowing it down to one. Anyway, there you go. So I'm smoking the wine, as it's called. So I had a chance to go to a, uh, actually, I was speaking at the Lucky Leaf Expo here the last uh, Thursday and Friday. Uh, and that was a lot of fun getting to hang out with people again and, and doing the in-person thing. But what I noticed was there's a new plague of, uh, and this is the first time I remember seeing them at a convention, um, people out there trying to sell SOPs with no fucking grow experience. I'm sorry. How did you write instruction manuals for a grow facility when you obviously pretty common. Uh, describe the situation. Idea. Like describe this for people who are unfamiliar. Like what is what is an SOP? Why why are they uh, oh, hey, they're walking in point. with like a cookie cutter SOP, right? Yeah, so basically it's someone that like copy and pasted the standard operating procedures, basically the instruction manual for a grow. They copied it from some other consultant and now they're trying to re-monetize it in a way that they somehow think is going to work. And they have no fucking idea on, on how to address. Even, I actually started poking. I met two of these guys over the weekend. And I started poking them and asking them some just like pretty softball grow questions. And, and just the answers I got back, I was like, well, I don't have to worry about you. Um, like, just like, like what fucking planet are some of these people think that they're going to be out there selling instruction manuals for grow facilities and they can't answer a single grow question. Like if you actually give them a mic, they have, they have no idea what they're talking about. I really, I don't understand what, where are they coming from? And then who are they copy and pasting from? And, you know, sucks to be those people, but like, and this is a whole new thing I have not seen yet before in Canada. I'm sure they've been around for a while, but I've never seen like a bunch of them. You know what I mean? Um, I, I keep going back to the same topic, but I think it's, it's very, uh, well, enlightening. How's that? That Alabama is going to allow some type of medical cannabis, but it'll only be in the form of suppositories. Now, I don't want to participate in that type of a grow, but what I would like to be allowed to do is designate which of these alleged, uh, and I want to underline that word and put it in bold, alleged uh, consultants that I would be the one to interview and then pre-qualify them to take the position. <clears throat> and I would let them know that one of the requirements of the job would be to field test each and every suppository that they're going to be licensed to produce. And uh, film at 11. We want to get well, that on I video, archive it. So All they have to do is ask a cannabis professional in San Francisco. I'm sure they could find one in five minutes. You're right. <laughs> hey, I don't know if you have chat up, Coop. You got to test it for the local name. market. Why does this not work? No, like we can hear you, sorry. Can you? I can't hear myself. Oh. 
Um, I was just saying the Castro you, district. Do you have chat up, Coop? No, you're muted now, Coop. What you mean from the uh, YouTube board? Yeah. No, it's too brutal. It's like I call. Um, I told a few of them I call it the mosh pit. Yeah, so, so Captain Four Twenty, um, the gentleman that was from Thailand, says he yeah. has some some Thai seeds if you want them. Absolutely. There's a long story. You know Bodie. Yep. Okay. <laughs> uh, anyway, there's a couple of them. There's Green Bodie and uh, Bodie seeds. Bodie seeds. Bodie. Bodie seeds. He's got his yeah. heavenly hash is really good. Yeah. Um, we have some. What do you call it? Common interest with regard to uh, old genetics. You know, the good stuff that isn't any good because it's got a full array of terpenes and terpenoids. It doesn't just have one or two. That's what you want. You know, so it ends up smelling like arugula and uh, radicchio or something. No, really, I, I went for that. I really did. Took me two years to perfect it. Well, you've perfected it. I, I've never smoked anything that smelled like radicchio and uh, arugula. You, you get an award. So, pure radicchio. Well, I mean, come on. Man. Don't be radicchio. Hey, you know, this, yeah. The thing <laughs> is with with Thai seeds, there's a lot of. Never mind. That part doesn't matter. Um, Yeah, definitely the best sativa that ever landed in America. No question about it. Seedy as hell. Yet. What Seedy about you? Yet? As hell. What if the best sativa has yet to, to land here? What if it's from... Uh, Some of the African the ones knows? are pretty fucking balling. I'll tell you mm. that. Well, they are. And, and you can... If you want to look at the history of it, Steve, Look at that port uh, from the river that flows out of Nigeria into the Atlantic. That has been a trading point for about 4,000 years. And India was trading with Nigeria uh, like 1,500 years before Christ. Or we what talk- we reckon. And so we what I'm about saying it? Go ahead. No, what I'm saying is that they were right out of Kerala. The boats, the trading ships, the agricultural commodities. And so seeds, you got to know that sailors are bringing seeds with them, even if it wasn't official. You know how it works. Yeah, and I was just going to say that uh, it was part of the boat repair. You always had pine tree seeds to grow new masts, and yep. you always had hemp seeds to hemp grow seeds new rope and sails. That's right. Yep. And it's my belief, having smoked, uh, I, I got lucky, a man that uh, dealt in uh, uh, exotic uh, cloths, you know, for like a tribal situation where you could only buy two or three bolts or something. And so he went to Africa and collected all these fabrics to sell to designers in uh, Beverly Hills, New York, and Milan and what have you. And so while he was roaming around Africa, he collected a lot of buds. The mistake I made, he had them all tagged and everything. And I just used to keep my weed in uh, two... Uh, uh, frisbees, one inverted on top of the other, and that's because it was real common to have frisbee in, if you were living at the beach in uh, those days. So to have one in your back seat didn't look, you know, worthy of investigation. So I had these all these buds in there, and 
I just break them up and smoke it. And the seeds, we just got all mixed up. And then when I realized, well, this wasn't too bright. Because I don't know, like, is this seed from Malawi or, you know, <laughs> anyway. So I just call it the, uh, dark, the DC series, Dark Continent, which was the 19th century term for Africa. Yeah, there was some really good stuff. Uh, but, but as far as bag appeal, you couldn't give it away. If, if, uh, if your sales depended upon how it looked, you would never be able to sell it. But man, was it good. Really good. And I think it was from India. Because they had a lot of the same, what do you call it? Undertones like the stuff from uh, Kerala and the stuff from Sri Lanka. That was, anybody from that era will tell you it was probably some of the strongest cannabis that, you know, it's ever been produced. It wasn't commercial, you know, it's like guys are bringing back three or four pounds of it in their surfboards. That's how the whole thing got started. 66 surfers. Because they always carried, uh, what do you call it? All the equipment necessary to patch a surfboard because they got dinged. So it wasn't even, you know. So yeah, they just open it up and dig out some foam and sticks and whatever. Some uh, packs of uh, weed in it and uh, go right through the airport. But uh, Coot, uh, if you're interested uh, on Instagram, if you're on Instagram, uh, Ohio's Captain Dank, uh, hit me up and I'll send you some of these uh, Thai and Asian seeds that I have here and then cool. giving out in Michigan. <laughs> That'd be wonderful. I really appreciate it. I have it. <laughs> uh, Northern Highland strains. <laughs> Lowland strains and strains from the mid of the country also. Uh, the only experience I have is, which I'm not saying anything other than that, that that's all the ones I have experience with, are from the Highland. Uh, what some people in, in this part of the world, uh, at least, I mean, Northwest, referred to as Oregon Blue Tie is one name I've heard bandied about. Uh, I know that uh, DJ Short was using a lot of Highland ties in his uh, road to uh, creating the blueberry strain. So uh, those are the ones I have experience with, but that doesn't mean, oh, and uh, some of the ones from the lowland, the so-called chocolate ties, the darker, uh, more, well, more chocolate flavor, I guess you'd say. The or, chocolate is more northeast in Thailand. Okay. By the Lao okay. border in Vietnam. Okay. Uh, most of your cannabis that comes into northern Thailand, where I'm at in Chiang Rai, uh, is coming in from Miramar and Lao, not actually Thailand, because the Thai people, I can say this, I'm out of Thailand now. Uh, they're too fucking stupid to finish a goddamn plant. Yeah. They cut it way too early. The seeds are really immature. Mm. And the flower, there's nothing there. There's no high. And you're looking between a 7 and maybe 11, 12% THC. 
But right. the big thing is, is the THCV that's in the Thai weed. Right. So, but it's I all, would, it's I, I all think your mango, really your good. limes, your lemons, your yeah. strawberries, your blueberries, your cherries. Right. It's all in the Thai. Right. And I, I got would, a Thai pineapple for you. I would like to, if somebody that really was, and you're, I'm old, so they were older than me, so they're probably dead. But the whole story on how the tie sticks of the mid-70s started and ended, because it was a quick run, like maybe a year and a half. And later, you could see it was being copied in Mexico, and the easiest way to tell that you were dealing with Mexican tie sticks he said, instead of using silk string like they did in Thailand, these were like the kind of uh, thread you'd get from a sewing, uh, in a you know, a sewing shop, a place that sold sewing machines and fabric and stuff. Those uh, those spools of uh, you know the colored thread, they weren't the like really fine, uh, delicate silk strings that the the tie sticks were tied with. And then, for example, also the uh, uh, bamboo uh, sliver was cut with precision. I mean, somebody really took the time to cut these things equally. And the ones out of Mexico, man, they were like all over the board as far as uh, what part. Anyway, you get the idea. It was like a Hyundai versus a Mercedes as far as build quality kind of thing. So, yeah, the Thai uh, villagers really had it down. And man, I just want to repeat, man, was it seedy. You have no <laughs> idea how much fucking seeds. I remember when we used to get good stuff with seeds in it. For a little bit. Well, no, never mind. Everyone has everyone has their own experience. It was better than Brantley. Well, I would put the two most highest impact. You know, I mean, really, like you took a punch to the forehead from a professional boxer, and both of them were sativas, and both of them were loaded with seeds. So many seeds that you most people start griping, like, so how much weed are we paying for here? That kind of thing, you know. So. I think it'd be a good experiment for you, those uh, people involved in making uh, extracts and what have you to work with a seeded plant and let it go to maturity, complete maturity, let it produce to the very end until as the uh, Mexicans uh, taught us until the seeds rattled in the calyxes. Until yeah, you could pop out. Until you could hear it. If, if you, you know, you shook it, you could hear the seeds rattling inside the seed uh, of the calyx. And uh, I always did it that way, and and we got extremely good germination rates without you know a bunch of trickery and you know, doing it at midnight or, the, you know, the third week of June or, you know, I got some. 
That's the way I like to. I like kind of like letting the seeds go as long as possible. Yes. I mean, it's about look at any other plant in your garden that you want to allow to go to seed. Let's say you have a really a good mint plant, and you when it starts to bolt, and as all plants will, and it begins to produce the seeds, you want that seed to last as long as possible, or you want it to remain on the plant and harvest it as late as possible, because that's going to give you a seed that's fully mature and is ready to be germinated next season. Yeah, and it could be stored proper. I think it gets a better storage that way too. Absolutely, it does. If I do a early pollination, like I'll pollinate and pistils come out like day 18, day 20, um, I'll tend to pick about day 60. Look at that, about day 60. And um, if I do a late pollination or a mid pollination, which I tend to do sort of more often, I'll, um, I'll let it go to day 70 just to guarantee to make sure that the seeds are going to come out mature because nothing worse than getting like white seeds or seeds that aren't quite there. I don't do that anymore either. I always think you, even if I let it go and naturally like kind of pollinate itself, I, I still get a couple of those white seeds here and there. That's because it's pollinated late and, you know, it takes me about, I reckon, 20, 25 days between that to produce the seeds on an average. It might be strain-dependent, but that's from my experience. I was going to say, uh, I think it only takes like three or four weeks for the seeds to mature, really, honestly, you know, like from the time of pollination until they're just nice and brown and whatever and don't have any green on them or anything. It takes about maybe up to four weeks, but it's probably somewhat strain-dependent, you know. Does it, does it get pollinated more than, well, is it just one big pollination or does it continuously get pollinated? Depends on how you pollinate uh, it. If it was in a field, it would be over and over again. You know, there'd be different males. You need the, you've got the, your pistol sticking up. You need one pollen yep. grain yes. to come out and it, it starts at the top and it sprouts and it puts a tube down and it hits the ant up and that's when it starts to produce the seed when it fertilizes it. So, and inside of that, those pollen grains, there's like thousands inside of a banana and then there's like 10 or 12 bananas inside of a pollen sack. So you've got the potential for millions of, um, you know, outcomes from the sake of only a few pollen sacks. Over. And then don't forget the, the, the female plants produce pistils even when they're pollinated. Usually they'll have seeds, but then they'll still produce a few pistils here and there. So probably to accept different pollen donors, you know. Some breeders actually breed with multiple males, right? Like Cannabisian, he likes to use two or three or four males. That's pretty true. Oh, I only use female pollen only, so I get female outcomes. Yeah, I'm actually going to do my actually- first. Is Good. it actually yeah. called a pistil or a stigma? The stigma is the male bit. No, the stigma is the female bit and the stamen is the male bit. And the pistils is the actual, those two looking. Um... Yeah. Correct me, someone. <laughs> I don't That's what I thought. Because I remember uh... stamen is the man bit. And then the stigma is the female, so it has to be the female bit because the men is like, you know how you got quick, easy words to remember like different um, technical sayings? That's one of them. The statement is the men bit because it's the men. I think you're right, but let's show it. Okay, I didn't think that, but I, I thought that, I thought that was only on a female flower. 
Uh, the flower structures are broadly similar, honestly. Like uh, even I hate to say it, but even like mammalian structures are pretty similar. You know, like uh, I don't want to be grotesque about it, but honestly, the structure quite similar. So let's uh, try this one. That's a stigma. Let's see here, stamen. So doesn't actually tell us anything. Let's see here. All right, please hold. Yeah, I don't really. Uh, I, I want to say like I was just about to say like I might actually hop off for just a second again for a couple minutes. Um, I'm going soon, dude. This home is currently being invaded by underwear gnomes. He must defend the castle. <laughs> so the here we go, you, Ozzy. You were right. Uh, the stamen is the. Oh, I didn't show the limited portion. Well, anyway, I guess I'll just read it. The stamen is the pollen-producing reproductive, reproductive organ of a flower. Collectively, the stamens form the androecium. So andro is man in Latin, so I guess that would be the man parts, probably. Uh, let's see here. What else in here? So you were right, Ozzy. The stamen typically consists of a stalk called the filament and an anther, which contains microsporangia. Most commonly, anthers are two-lobed and are attached to the filament, either at the base or in the middle area of the anther. The sterile tissue between the lobes is called the connective. A pollen grain develops from a microspore in the microspangium and contains the male gametophyte. Isn't that cool? The androecium can consist of as few as one half stamen, as in canna species. Really? Oh, no. Canna lilies. <laughs> I was like, wait a second. That would be way too convenient. Uh, all right. Never mind. I'm probably focusing on something else. Never mind. This shit's interesting, you know, like, and how would I put this? People always think, oh, well, that's not a weed book. Dude, these are the same things. Like, weed came from plants. It's a fucking plant, man. Like, like all of this stuff is the same thing. It's horticulture and gardening and everything. Like, these are not different creatures. You know what I mean? You don't that's raise a cow the, differently than every other animal. Weed, the weed is simply a plant that the human race ha hasn't figured out a use for yet. And what's... what? We're constantly a, trying. I know. And what's a grand plan in this culture is a, a nothing or not even considered in another culture. So, um, some plants are universal. I mean, like aloe vera, that was of the most ancient plants used uh, by the human race the egyptians the very the most ancient of the ancient egyptian uh, kingdoms were using uh, aloe vera as a skin treatment and even including a preparation of the corpse for uh, Eat. uh for being uh, entombed or whatever the term is where they turn into a mummy mummification mummification it was as we used uh, not the concept of bacteria, but what was happening is that it was when they would wipe down the uh, a body with the aloe vera gel, it would sterilize the skin, and that would preclude uh, the outer body from uh, rotting from the outside in. Oh, Fiona's not here. I sorry, I was reading this. Fiona left the building. 
I was just looking something up. Um, I want to do my first reversal. Uh, fem- make female seeds. Mm-hmm. Like that's something mm-hmm. I want to be trying soon. Good luck. If you go, I've got a video on it that might help you on my Aussie CC YouTube page. If you're interested, details gives you two different ways to do it. I was just talking with Seven Ten about that this morning, and there's a new product out that is a one-time spray on. That's it, one time. Wow, and he says crazy. it works really, really well. But I can't remember what the name of it is. And he was in chat earlier, but I don't see him there now. So, um, yeah, I'll have to find that out and let you all know. Because I have only three seeds of my Alien Rock candy left, and I want to keep one. Or I want to make seeds Good. of it for myself. Is it silver thiosulfate? That's what I was thinking of doing. It's a brand name. I don't actually know, Poten. I don't. No, there's. I really don't remember. Poten, there's one that they use on apples. I can't remember what it is. I'd have to look it up. Um, There's one they use on apples. It's just a. uh, uh, It just it's a ball. It's a blocker. Can you get? So my understanding is that apples are like schizophrenically diverse when it comes to the seeds. Do they actually get some amount of uniformity by backcrossing the the like selfing the the apple trees? I thought they still get that kind of you know crazy pheno hunting with the seeds. That's I, that's one of the things that's really fucked about apple trees is that they're all cloned. Yeah, the uh, yeah. The, I don't know. I don't know if backcrossing gives the diversity, uh, Jim. Okay, uh, maybe Coot knows more about this. Here's the uh, the skinny. Like grapes, the American growers in the Northwest, Washington, Oregon, the big apple uh, districts, they uh, found that trying to grow cultivars was a non-starter. They lacked uh, hybrid vigor, the resistance to pathogenic nematodes in the soil. You know, the list goes on and on and on. So they're all planted on wild root stock. So everything's grafted. That's why for homesteaders, it's not unusual to find trees that have five, six, seven varieties grafted on one tree, which for a homesteader, a family situation, you had your cooking apples, you know, you get the idea. Um, Actually, it's the best way to preserve strains is the... uh, grafting which is far 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 different than cloning and uh it's also well honed skill here in the northwest because if you're going to work for an orchard that's like a basic skill what do you mean you don't read and write you know kind of thing so and all the uh, even the community colleges that offer any kind of horticulture classes on the uh what's called hardwoods, hardwood plants, uh, getting your hands really involved and deep in the process of grafting was a basic uh, part of the curriculum. Trying to do it with cannabis is, uh, never mind, challenging, I'll leave it, I'll be polite. It's challenging, a waste of time, but you know, it's interesting to say you tried. You need some skin, like on a, uh, usually a perennial, the bark, it doesn't have to be like a tree bark, but you know, the outer uh, skin of a perennial plant 
has a harder density and then you can use that to cut your lips to slide the new cut in and then you tape it with the the special horticulture tape and what have you you line up the parenchyma cells with the other parenchyma cells otherwise mm -hmm. the dead cells are called sclerenchyma they're yep. the ones that have the edge ring a bell yeah yep Yep, uh, almost all the orchards up here, the uh, pears, which is a big industry. We have our, our winter pears, our spring pears, summer pears, all different cultivars. Those are all grown on wild rootstock. The whole wine industry is all wild rootstock. Um, yeah, the, you know, the, the uh, rootstocks that are traded between France and the United States, it's pretty profound in an attempt to develop stronger. Uh, rootstock to an uh, order for the grapes but that allows the vineyard to ship grapes if this uh variety isn't in demand then you can shift over to one that is that's the business or that's the industry my my understanding is that pretty much all the the apple varieties were pheno hunted. That there really isn't anything that's particularly uh, GMO or otherwise. I know there's one or two GMO ones, but most of them are mostly just shotgun blasting a shit fuck ton of seeds and seeing when it comes. Pink lady, oh, yeah. and, and the two countries that produce that's for from America, Australia. Yeah, well, Australia and New Zealand. And the other country is Germany. Your Honeycrisp, the one that took over America several years ago in price, Jesus, and but flavor, it was really a flavorful apple. That was a German, uh, there's a big show in, in uh, Frankfurt every year, the International Fruit Show. And that's where the big time buyers show up to meet the, there's a handful of houses in Germany that do the uh, the cultivars. I mean, it takes years. It's not like cannabis. Oh, I'm going to have some seeds next month. There, you know, these are like 10, 12 year projects. So, I really, really want to do uh, almonds or like pistachios. Mm -hmm. Like, I really want to get a couple of like pistachio trees. Or vines, or oh, I was looking at two sorry. trees for like nuts, and like you need a female and a male to actually okay, work. So when you go down to California and you're in almond country, it's called almond. They call them almond trees, almonds. But now well, it confuses me. The hell, I was like, I've never heard anybody call them almonds before. They call them almonds. Most of those farms now, they cut down all the trees and drag them over by the road to whine about water while they're growing crops that have no place to be grown there. Hey, Smash. The uh, fresh for... almonds are amazing. They're really good. Like, fresh. Like, hmm. Look for a plant supplier in Portland, Oregon called Green World. He has really exotic plants, uh, nuts, fruit trees. I mean, like really wild stuff from every continent around the world, green world uh, nurseries or whatever. I would hope like they would survive here, you know, almond trees. 
Doomy's back. Quick, show some wangs. I'm back. Yeah, show all the wangs. That's it. Wang Chung. <laughs> I know they're in California. That's like the real heavy area where they're at. I have, and I don't, there's some other type of nut trees that we have here, but I know walnuts are really big up in this area, but I'm not sure how almond they, trees are. We would have to deal with a winter, like an actual winter. Like that's the only thing I'm Trees thinking. Different. About. Yeah, almonds uh, they actually uh, take uh, hotter weather. That's one of the reasons why they grow them in California. Unfortunately, they take a, a shit ton of water, like an absolute shit ton of water. They really don't belong in yeah, California. That's, a, that's uh, a bad problem. You're exactly right. They did the flood and drain for a long time. Is how they irrigated them. That's why they took a lot of water. Are they from Spain or France? I don't remember where they're from originally. Somewhere where there's probably a lot more water. Um, I mean, tons of nut trees actually grow really well here. I don't know. I, probably cut the tail end of this like here in, in the, the uh, hazelnuts filberts walnuts we got tons okay. of nuts here yeah. basically like uh, hazelnuts are the big one uh, i think hazelnuts. Like okay 90 percent of the world's hazelnuts i think come from like literally like an hour away from here like hood river area i don't know why that area grows so well but no the other direction if you uh, leave aurora and you're heading west towards the pacific oh is it that way it oh well there's I, another but there's a huge, and a lot of them are uh, stopped and buy direct from the producer, which is pretty cool. Mm. And the shells, which are good to lay down in your garden as a mulch, because the sharp edges cut uh, certain uh, crawlers in your garden that eat your plants because they're, they're skin. But uh, yeah, they also for mushroom growing, they're really good to use as a for hardwood uh, mushrooms that grow best not on grains, but on uh, wood. The things that have a lot of cellulose, a lot of uh, polysaccharides, what have you. St. Bernard in chat says the apple industry moved to Washington long ago, but New Zealand or no, England region still has the best variety. Yes, they did move to Washington, but I've never heard of that. Cool. Good to know. Uh, pretty big the, apple industry. The biggest apple, apple producer in the world is, uh, excuse me, China. I mean, the numbers are astronomical. What we do here in America is really what you'd call boutique. <clears throat> I mean, <clears throat> to compete on the international market, to go up against China with slave labor, uh, Good luck. Yeah, so, and then you do a nutritional test and you find out there's um it's just got one element, you know, like carbon in it and a <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Cadmium and mycobutanol. <laughs> Hold on, cool. I'm gonna put a question in our chat for you. By the way, if anybody doesn't know what hazelnut orchards look like, this is them. Oh shit! Yeah. The microphone is cutting in and out today. Oh. Uh, I, I don't even know why this is so fascinating for me. I like hazelnuts. I don't know. I grew up next to a bunch of we called them filbert uh, trees. Filberts are like a varietal, right? Of hazelnuts. Right. I just, like, picked them off the ground. They're delicious, by the way. If you guys don't like, if you've never tried hazelnuts, holy fuck! If you're shit. talking to Brits, yeah. it's uh, Nutella. Yeah. I was raised on Nutella. Right? There you go. 
So wait a second. So if we have all the hazelnuts, where does Nutella get their hay? Do they get the hazelnuts from us? <laughs> that would be funny. No, hazelnuts are native to North America, Europe, and Asia. They all have their own species. So it's, it's about mm-hmm. 18, 14, 18 species. Like a dozen, I don't know, something like two dozen species plus minus. I mean, there's two dozen species of what is this? Okay, I can't stand how we have to always accept all cookies now. Um, Some of them are poisonous too, actually. Well, I was just gonna say, you know, just because there's a bunch of species doesn't mean we eat them all. Uh, so Nutella is saying that uh, discover where we source our hazelnuts. Ferrero Rocher, they come from Turkey, mm-hmm. Italy, Chile, and the USA. Okay, so they probably do come from Oregon. How funny is that? Mm-hmm. Turkey is a, is a really big, big, big player in the international uh, hazelnut market. Hmm. So I, who, there was a question. I just got a 50-gallon gallons of casting that was a friend of mine, mine's dad's worm bin. He passed away. It has some worms, but not thriving by any means. Just wondering what should I give them? Um, They're poisons. Oh, sorry. It's a quick question. Go. I would, uh, I would go to a home brew store and get some uh, smashed grains like barley and put that in there. And that's going to kick in the microbial action in the uh, bedding because that's what worms live on. They live off of uh, bacteria poop. Uh, and they, and they, they don't have teeth and they don't have a stomach. So you can't feed, they don't eat things. They just eat the manure that comes off of bacteria. So the fastest way I know how to do that would be to use uh, barley, malted barley, or any of the malted grains. doesn't matter. Wheat, rye, pick them. Just go to get them from a hungry store and, you know, you'll pay the right price and say, don't buy it from a, you know, online source. That'd be my suggestion. Probably uh, like per cubic foot, you said 50 gallons. So that's seven cubic feet, seven bags. Alcoholic. <laughs> Listen to this, Coot. Uh, so Alcoholic just had a, a dinner and opened his dabs and got some brown gravy on the dabs. So he's wondering, should he make an edible now? <laughs> so he might as well. He pretty much just did. <laughs> <laughs> Go in, man. Just rinse it off. Uh, yeah, right. Just rinse it off. Uh, it's not activated. <laughs> You're gonna have to dab the gravy. Yeah. Hey, Smash. Anyway, before I finish up, six eat it while you eat it. Of, I guess uh, six cups of malted grains to fifty gallons of uh, castings would act- reactivate them, bring them back to life. Midwest grown. That's what you should do. <laughs> and Ozzy had something to say. Um, if she dad, if she got some worms, I'd separate the worms from the castings because the castings, um, when they're really in casting form, they're poisonous to worms and they don't like it. You'll see them really going through it. So if you put them in there and they'll actually exit if they get, when they go dry, the dry castings, um, yes, I'd separate it and then feed the worms, give them some like food scraps, some manure, uh, Green, green manure, which is leaves and stuff from the bush from your garden. That'll um, have microbes and stuff, your natural microbes from your area. Um, and you can give it a kickstart with some bakashi. Uh, yeah, that's what I'd do. 
Vai lá. I don't have worms, so I can't even put any input. <laughs> Honestly, I guess I'm. I, why does this sound so freaking weird today? Uh, the sound is like cutting into my. You know what? By the way, ladies and gentlemen, I know this is a freaking annoying problem. Unrelated to uh, 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 this cable, I was doing something, but literally the sound is all garbage. I don't get it. Apparently, it sounds normal, but in my ears, it just like it comes in and out. Like I'll hear the voice of God, and then I'll hear it sounds like this, and then it sounds like this, and it sounds like that. I don't get it. Uh, my honestly, and I'm complaining now because they're fucking expensive. These like camera cables, these orange tether tools cables, the fucking cable doesn't work anymore. Like today, I noticed like my USB C uh, port doesn't work. I was like, that does, that's not right. That that's not supposed to happen. I restarted the computer and this and that. And I'm checking like, oh blah blah blah. You gotta I was doing be something else. You gotta be cable really careful with those cables and not bending them. And that other one that you put in the other mic up here, those you gotta be really careful because mm. they they short out really quick on you and mm. they'll just. Man, I know it's I have one. Because this is literally it's supposed to be like a tethering cable for like rough and tumble bullshit. So. Yeah, oh that kind of sucks annoying. dude i hate yeah. that i know because i travel with mine too and it gets to be a pain in the neck. by the way i guess since i'm babbling about this uh might as well bring this up if anybody has any experience with these i was looking and apparently the reviews on some of these tether tools are not good anymore because shit like mine has happened and so evidently i've never heard of these people until today so if anybody has any experience with area 51 tether co supposedly they're much better uh yeah, I'm, I'm definitely not going to buy another tether, tether Tools. Jesus, H. Christ, these are even more expensive. Holy freaking ball sacks. Oh, my God. That's about... But the Tether Tools are already like $55 or something. Like, you go there and your eyes bleed when you look at that. You're like, how much for a cable? Getting, getting connections is really, really hard, especially when they're really microfiber connections. To get a good lock is really, really hard and a good seal and make sure that oxygen gets in, no vibration, stuff like yeah. that. It's soldering it's really really good if you can get to do that opportunity because it just forms a bond but um yeah otherwise it's really hard and expensive so it's little, even to buy a little connectors you might find it 10 bucks from the wholesalers then you've got to try and get the crimping tool to put the applicator onto the cable then buy the cable it costs so then to buy an actual one that's pre-made up they're not cheap like you're finding over annoying yeah i expected my cable to last longer than this i mean i i don't think i did anything wrong to it I put some um, some of my little like the USB ones that are expensive. I put a little uh, like a stick across it and then tape all the way along it mm. so it can't ever move ever. And then that seems to make it last an extra few years because yeah, I, I went. I've had problems in the past. <laughs> oh, uh, Lars is asking for what for a USB C cable? Well, for it's a USB C cable, but basically I use this to tether my camera, for example, or I was using it also. I mean, I was honest. I was using it also for this microphone. Maybe it shorted out. I, I fucking don't know. I don't know. So, so basically, I, I attached it just for laziness because I always had it attached to the, to the port in the back of my uh, computer because I was tethering my camera. I just used the same ca uh, cable for my uh, microphone. And then sometime yesterday, I was doing some upgrades on my computer. And for some reason that, that I don't know, somehow the USB-C port blew it out. I, I, don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Foolish. Silly. I mean, it doesn't seem like it would happen, but. It's kind of annoying because, like, uh, I'm out a cable. And I'm out. I don't know. I'm, just, I'm complaining. I'm just like 
that's never happened to me before. That's why I'm like talking about it. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we'll change the subject because it's literally like so insignificant. We, like, n- nobody else here has this concern. So we'll just we'll, I can move on. You're coming through pretty clear if it's anything too fumy. Like you sound, you're not wavy or anything like that. So it might just be your earphones. It, it is literally, yeah. But it's not the earphones. The earphones are plugged in just fine. I know these earphones work. I mean, but yeah, like, like somehow the maybe the new USB-C. So I don't know. I have like this other USB. I don't even know what's going on. Maybe the USB-C port blew out somehow. I don't know. That doesn't seem very likely. But and the way you come across on the uh, program, your voice is constant. I mean, yeah. the sound isn't fluctuating. It's uh, normal. Well, so, sounds good. Yeah. yeah, seriously. In the, it's like right now, right this very second, I can hear myself. But then a couple minutes ago, it sounded like I was back here somewhere. Mm. I don't know. It's really bizarre. Anyway, we'll move on uh what was i gonna say gentlemen ladies and gentlemen we can talk about anything talk about gardens we can talk about uh no we have no fixed subject honestly i should have had a subject in mind when i'm trying to change the subject but uh i didn't plan that ahead of time you could go back to a uh, to topic amongst... of of terroir how are, we supposed to talk... how are we supposed to talk amongst ourselves if we don't have a topic exactly uh talk about being verklempt talk about can you be verklempt is it possible to be verklempt? No, the terroir. Would you get? Were you guys uh, 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 chatting? And uh, we we kind scratching? of actually we we went off on a tangent and skirted kind of by it. Hmm. Um, I don't know. I was kind of thinking about it the other day, and one thought I had is: Are we just call? Are we just putting a fancy name on epigenetic expression? Are we just trying to call it something else? Because that's really what it is. It's epigenetic expression for where you grow it seems to be it is really just i mean it's marketing for the people that are involved you know like so for a geneticist it would be epigenetic expression or something for a molecular biologist they would talk about the specific endemic i don't know microbiome or something they wouldn't even focus on the plants they would just look at the biome you know but like whoever's i don't know how do i put this like uh, however your paycheck is being made that would determine how you're going to talk about it and so for example if you're in the business of selling uh high-end wine you're not going to talk about it in terms of like, yeah, we sell the same wine as everybody else. You're going to make your shit super fucking unique. And how do I put this even better when you're not lying? You know, like, how do I put this? I, I believe that there is a such thing as terroir and the expression and everything else. Like there is something unique about those Napa Valley wines. Or for example, people talk about the Willamette Valley Pinots. There's something very unique about them. They grow in this place, with the soil, with the sun, with the rain and everything else. There's something that's different about this wine than if you grew it literally across a different hill. You know what I mean? But that is just a fancy way of basically saying like, yeah, you know, the farmer grew it well, grew a good, uh, a good phenotype. He grew it well and it expressed well without disease. That's getting back, that's getting back to that. It's the secondary metabolites and it's directly proven. You're right, Fumi. Can your field can be heaps better than the bloke across the road because he hasn't done organic practices and sustained all this radness and you're putting pesticides in and giving it chemical fertilizer and thinking you're going to, just because you're getting the same yield he is, that everything's going to be good. It's um, good luck to him. <laughs> and um, even, uh, yeah, that's that's that thing But we were talking about, the growth differential balance hypothesis hmm. that um, comes up with the difference with the conventional to the organics. That um, It's got those two theories that um, that says that, what's the first one? The oxidative stresses that goes into it that um, add to it that your self 
fertilizing and giving it everything at once. So it can produce all this tissue and reproduce very fast, where if you're not giving it everything at once, it's going to sort of search for it and produce exudates and hope that it gets responses from microbes. And then in that waiting time, it's going to put a bit of stress out. So it's producing and working on its secondary metabolites to try and repel this and work against that. And so that's increasing your flavonoids and your terpenes and stuff. So giving you the better expression, over. And that's a fancy one, by the way, I'm just looking at, um, I was a little bit more curious about testing the growth differentiation balance hypothesis, dynamic responses of willows to nutrient availability from <laughs> new phytologists. So everything these days has a magazine. Even the plantologists have a magazine. They call themselves phytologists. Phyto uh, uh, means plant in Latin. Right. Okay, let me, can I interject one thing? Uh, Please do. Before you start. That shot. Uh, is that willows were the original source for Dr. Bayer, who was the inventor of Bayer aspirin? Salicylic okay. acid. Salicylic acid. So aspirin is acetyl salicylic acid. Now, had Dr. Bayer been aware of aloe vera, no plant out produces aloe vera in terms of salicylic acid and so in this experiment they're using willow shoots so take in mind that whatever that you're dealing with a a, a, a material a, a source that's already heavily dominant with this rooting that isn't why plants produce salicylic acid but in effect that's how it's used by humans to trigger uh, rooting. That was the first one. Then came along IBA and IAA at Oxford University in England in the early 30s. This came along uh, about World War One, the end of World War I. Right here in Oregon at uh, what is now called Oregon State University at Corvallis. Then it was the Oregon Agricultural College or something like that. So. So I just wanted, wanted you to know that so that when you're looking at the data, understand that this material is unique to say from using another cut from another plant is this one is so heavily dominant with salicylic acid. That's all. Which is a good thing. It ensures rooting. Of course, that wasn't the test. That had already been established 100 years ago. Interesting here is just when you dig into this, this is, I guess, what potent nerds out on all the time. I guess uh, UN uh, potent. Here we go. Uh, right here. Potential regulation of ectomycorrhiza by paper birch in response to soil type and fertilization, linking the growth go. differentiation balance hypothesis and carbon allocation models. Just reading through here, uh, abstract. Uh, ectomycorrhiza are beneficial relationships uh, between tree roots and fungi that increase tree survival and stress tolerance and resource, uh, e.g., nutrient water uh, limiting nutrient. Uh, sorry, limiting environments. Uh, ectomycorrhizal ectomycorrhizal abundance is often uh, negatively correlated with increasing nutrient availability, uh, which may affect long-term and health of trees. Blah 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 yeah. blah blah. Okay, so you're active. Great. A great way to kill your ectomycorrhizae is to plant brassicas. In fact, 
Once or right. after you show this paper, I'll show one that actually shows how garlic mustard in particular is one of the worst things to put anywhere near right. any of your mycorrhizal plants. Right. As a matter of fact, uh, in the hardcore organic circles that use grow exclusively on raised beds, the uh, 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 suggestion usually given is set aside a half of a bed or a full bed for brassicas and be done with it. And then yep. pl plant your others in the what's called biointensive, like, you know, where you're planting on center. But anyway, that's another discussion. Mm -hmm. But anyway. This is really interesting, by the way, that we've, we've talked about this before, about how, uh, let me see here. I guess I'll show the specific, like Tara showed us. It's your rhizophagy uh, system, remember? That's yes, your endophytes. Yeah. If you want to check this out, this paper is from 2008, but there's actually a couple of different papers where they're looking at uh, invasive mustards because anyone that's lived in Oregon or California or Washington has seen yeah. all oh, yellow shit. fields right. uh, of mustard that's invasive. Miles. None of that mustard is right. native to here. Uh, there are native brassicas. Yeah, there, there are native yeah. brassicas, but that yellow mustard is not one of them. Um, so uh, uh, definitely something that will horribly negatively impact your soil. Now, the one caveat to this is there's a super cool paper I read recently that showed that the introduction of trichoderma can help allow for the colonization of mycorrhizae on brassica roots if it is introduced. So you might be able to help mitigate a soil that has previously been, uh, what is it, all uh, allopathy is in soil, allopathy is in water, right? If memory serves me right. So you have the allopath, uh, I, I might be getting the terminology wrong. So if I am, I apologize, but it's a bit late in the day. But um, uh, basically the plants produce exudates that help kill off mycorrhizal fungi. And you can help mitigate that to a lesser extent with trichoderma to help repair the soil. If you were tilling an area that maybe previously had mustard and want to help eradicate it, uh, introducing that trichoderma can help allow for more beneficial um, soil conditions that will allow for the recolonization of those uh, mycorrhizae, even though it was exposed to exudates that might be otherwise, you know, anti-mycorrhizae. What, one of the problems when Dr. Mike uh, down at uh, Michael Applications, he was a serious worldwide respected uh, researcher and his expertise or area of uh, study uh, was reforestation. And so to that end, he was in Asia and Europe, many places where reforestation was going to be begun, implemented, whatever term you want to use. So when he set up his operation down in Southern Oregon, he did so in the Siskiyous, adjacent to the Siskiyous, so that uh, you know, they would have a source to go gather the ectos uh, spores, right? And so because they were going to make a product, they did, they made a product that was for nurseries. And it had endo, it had ecto, and it had four or five different trichoderma uh, varieties. And this was a universal blend that, that uh, nurseries could take then and uh, add it to their big mixers. And it didn't matter if they were doing saplings or uh, annuals, it had both spores in it plus the trichoderma. And I'll leave it at that. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna editorialize, but that was, how you started seeing this label building, you started seeing this whole big, huge list of it's got all this in it, which may or may not be 
helpful and I'll leave it at that. So just study your, uh, the list and know what you're looking at and then make a decision if, uh, this is something that you want to continue with. That's all. And also uh, what micro highs, I excuse what, uh, trichoderma spores, uh, specifically, you know, tr is tri trichoderma is equivalent to using the word casserole or sandwich. Of all the it's, people that uh, I've had on the show over the years on my podcast with the, the mycorrhizae, um, Dr. Efron really had the best breakdown of everyone that we've talked about in terms of the different species and, um, and all that. Yeah. I, have you familiar with his work? He's at Oregon, I think right near you. Memory serves me right. Uh, what's the last name? Uh, Efron Cazares. Dr. Efron. Yeah, is he one of the Greek uh, group that... Uh, no, they were involved with humic acids. Never mind. Never mind. Never mind. Um, he must be at uh, Oregon Institute of Technology, which would be in Clackamas County. Yeah, you're doing a lot of exciting stuff here. I mean, uh, you know, the barley world, which is uh, uh, under the auspices of the uh, Oregon State University of Corvallis. They provide an incredible amount. Yeah, there you go. An incredible amount of uh, information to producers and about barley production varieties. You know, to be grown, the best resistant strains, what have you. So there's a lot of good stuff going on here. Yeah, they have a great website with lots of good resources on it and different. Um, you know, different ones used in commercial as commercial inoculants. You oh, good. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, a lot of great info on their website. Um, they also do yeah. have services and things like that, but just as an info website, it's, it's pretty good too. Could you hit about us? Just trying to see where they're at. Oh, Corvallis. Okay. Yeah, they're must Oregon be a State University. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He was involved with the... Uh, oh. They put together 3,500 varieties of apples from old pieces of, of, of uh, genetic material. It was uh, in conjunction with Oregon State and uh, Clackamas County. It's an incredible project. Because, you know, as the settlers came here, they, like every other human race, you know, they brought their plants with them. They brought their seeds with them. Like you were talking about ships, you know, they had the hemp seeds, they had the pine trees. It was no different to the people that came across the, the, the ocean and then moved across the continental United States to build the West or whatever. And think about it too. I mean, people are bringing their medicine cabinets and all the rest of it. You know, you had to yeah. grow all your vegetables and all your medicine. You didn't go buy it, especially if you're getting on a ship and going somewhere else. Like you're going to bring that shit with you. That's why we have mullen and dandelion and many of the other uh, raspberries and blueberries. Um, uh, oh, not blueberries, but raspberries in particular, you have in North America from, you know, settlers bringing it over. Right. So it's, 
one plant I thought would be interesting to get my hands on, but then I understand that it's uh, uh, has a, a spiritual aspect to it to to groups of people, native uh, cultures in Hawaii. But the nettle that got de de stung is that the right way? So it's <laughs> yeah. a it's a nettle plant that doesn't have that stinging aspect to it. It uh, evolved because it didn't have the natural enemies or what have you. Now that would be cool. So you could grow nettle, get the benefit of that without having to get your you know, get a rat get a rash trying to deal with the goddamn thing. If you wet nettle, you don't get stung. The, the leaves, the spines lay down. Oh wow! Really? Oh, that's oh, not true. Yeah, mamaki. I've, that's it, mamaki. I walked through nettle that after a rainstorm, and I definitely still paid the price for it. Oh, on Vancouver Island, I used to extract it and um, used to cook it up, and um, so I had to go out and collect it. Oh yeah, and it was and it was really cool because I used to I, I get I got real bad problems with my hands, so I'd whack it on my hands, and they'd be all stingy and be so good. It used to actually work, and then yeah, you put it in the pot and soak it up, and it's just all. And then you can touch it, and it's it's yeah, it well, it didn't really have much effect anyway after that. I went to a permaculture show, and you know that was all cool and everything. Everybody had Birkenstocks on, you know, peace, love. Uh, but they made a pizza <laughs> with grilled or, you know, sauteed nettle. And I just, one taste, and I just thought, people in Italy would be screaming if they knew you were doing this to this cultural icon of a pizza. It oh, tastes yeah, a bit like spinach, yeah. I reckon. And it's got There's more nothing... um, iron and bro broccoli, like 30 more times. Oh, iron. I know. Yeah, I yeah. There's no better recipe for making pesto than stinging nettle, nasturtium flowers, and, and good basil. You mix those three together, and you have award-winning pesto. That's what it was for, actually, pesto. <laughs> it's one of, my, one of my favorite things to make. Besides Bernays sauce, probably, right? Or do you use the Bernays yes, sauce medicated, on the salad? There you go. Medicated Bernays. Is, I also make a, uh, if you're really, really, really impressed me, I'll make you a medicated Capiano. What's uh, it's a Italian. Is it Italian? It's a, it's a seafood dish where you have like oh, okay. crabs, oh, oysters, Chupino? and lobster. Maybe I'm mispronouncing it. I think it's called Capiano. Capriano. Uh, yeah, Chipino. Chipino, Chipino yes, Chipino. Yeah, Thank yeah. You. In fact, in the really uh, hoity-toity places, they bake a round loaf of bull, and they cut off the top, and then they dig out the uh, bread, the, the crumb, if you will, and they serve the soup in the uh, in a uh, a bread uh, bowl. Yeah, I make a really killer medicated version of that. I guess I guess just growing really good weed is really out of uh, style, huh? I just I like making what things that? that people do not expect to be medicated. Yeah. yeah, I think good weed is always the style, Coot. Don't you? No, but that's <laughs> I mean, okay. fashion these days yeah. certainly is swag. You know, like uh, let's the, yeah. 
how do I put it? The mass market, whatever. And I don't know. I, I don't think that's forever. You know, like I think a lot of beer used to be pretty swaggy too. I mean, Henry Weinhardt's used to be like the good stuff, you know, and Henry, Henry was really mid tier at best, you know, but it's we're devolving top show. We're racing downhill. I mean, never mind. I mean, maybe they'll find a what level. I, I mean, I, what I know I, what you mean, but maybe they will, they will race downhill until they'll find level and they'll go back up. I don't know. What's your, what are your thoughts on the, the current situation with the West coast market this year? Could grow your own. Oh, uh, let's see. Uh, no, really, I'm, I, I don't think that anybody can compete with the forces that have come to bear on the West Coast. This is where some version of legality started. It's the most ingrained in, in certainly the economies in many areas, not exclusively. Like, in, for example, Portland has less revenue maybe with the dispensaries but still the action is in southern oregon josephine douglas jackson counties that's where the, the action is it isn't a statewide thing california probably there's probably several areas because of it's a big state man god damn things got to be what a thousand miles from top to bottom Ooh, paella. There you go. Did you see how big that paella pan was, too? Yeah. No shit. Look at that. It's like a family heirloom. They probably named that pan. Okay, I'm going to set up. I need a, you know, I got to get a patron account so somebody can give me enough money. I'm not going to spend my own. I'm going to go buy one of these $40 ounces. Okay. And I'm going to field test it with people who have at least 40 years of uh wait a forty dollar ounce? I don't know about that. It's gonna be the bottom bottom of the barrel. Well, I just want to see who in God's name is buying this. I mean, people that don't know any better, coot shit. Like if you or, when you didn't know any better, you bought well, I don't know, maybe you probably didn't buy like the cheapest wine or beer or whatever else, but uh a lot of people just buy whatever they can get, you know. Thirty to forty percent of the people that come into a dispensary just want their bag of weed. Right. They really don't give a shit what it is, yeah. and it sucks. And people say that these days the, the market is pretty uneducated, so most people just come in and say, "Can give me the highest THC. And gotcha. regardless That's... even of what the bud tenders will tell them, even when the bud tenders are well-educated, because there are some apparently very well-educated bud tenders that are really quite conscientious and so on, they'll try to tell them, hey, man, that the terpenes and blah, blah, blah. No, 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 I just want to get high. Because, you know, they, they don't want to get ripped off. And Go ahead. That's one of the things that I always tell people when they're building new dispensaries, the best fucking thing you can put in your dispensary is a classroom. Mm. There is nothing that's going to do more to bring money in that door than making a classroom. If you're the education yeah, space idea. where people come and learn about how to properly consume, uh, how to consume in a, in a responsible manner and how to have a pleasant, um, um, you know, medical response with their product, you're, they're never going to go anywhere else. Uh, and, and you can, you know, outside of a few financial people that, that have financial issues. But so that's really the, you know, where you can kind of make the inroads. But you're absolutely right. A lot of people just don't want to be told and they think they know better and, and whatever, whatever. <clears throat> One thing I think is super cool, too, and you do see it a lot more in the more uh, mature markets is um, you have patients that have kind of profiles 
and they'll actually look at the terpenes that they previously purchased and can actually automatically make recommendations based on terpene profile for the customers. So if you're saying, hey, I found really good relief with XYZ terpene profile or chemovar profile, you're able to easily give them as a, as a sales associate a, a, a responsible, um, you know, something that's at least going to be similar or, you know, as similar as you have on the shelf. Uh, which I think has helped streamline and simplify a lot of that on both the sales and the patient end. And something I think is, you know, I look forward to as more and more states do full panel testing. I don't know. I guess, this is, I guess, from the perspective of just like a full-time stoner, I guess, like, uh, I don't know, Coot's been saying he smokes weed every day for what, 40 years or something. So I was, how do I put this? I've been saying for a while now that I feel like it's the, um, it's more the fact that you smoke weed than it is any specific weed, maybe. I don't know. I guess everyone is different. Everybody's conditions are different. Everybody's life experiences are different. But I, I am a little bit skeptical, I have to be honest, that there is that one perfect strain that will give you unicorn balls and whatever else, and, and the, the sky will open up. and whatever. I'm being an asshole, honestly. But I guess what I mean to say is um, I don't know exactly what I'm trying to say. I guess I'm trying to say that I feel like there's, there's – uh, uh, advantage in smoking a, a wide variety of weed and every time i hear that i want to push back a little bit saying like hey that one chemovar i'm like man i don't yeah, know that one chemovar yeah. works but yeah, yeah, yeah they'll yeah. grow it differently could you agree no but listen uh, i've smoked a wider range of cannabis than you and 10 other people okay uh, and all that made me understand very clearly is that some things are, have an eternal truth attached to it. And the overwhelming majority of cannabis is pure, unadulterated garbage, mm. period. From and, a growth standpoint or from a genetic standpoint, or what do you mean? I don't know. The, how, how can we discuss genetic? How can we possibly gene, discuss genetic expression where you have the barbaric approach to growing, where you have to feed a plant? You don't, you start out with something that you, <laughs> when I say you, I don't mean you as an individual, but where you call, you call this a soil when it isn't, it's a, it's a fantasy. And so we got to feed this, this plan. And how do we do that? Well, here's your, your array, you know, and you got, what is that gentleman the other night, the associate of Steve, that said he worked for uh, advanced nutrients. At one time, the guy, a mic up there had 27 bottles and I guarantee you that there were a bunch of wackadoodles because I was in the days when anybody with a pulse and could fart at the same time could get a, a credit card and they would fill up the grocery store and you know walk out with the you know with a hope full of dreams and not a lot of cash left reserve on their uh, credit card and they were going to grow some dang and you're not kud isn't kidding i mean uh grow mouse just came back from uh, uh silence or whatever he's on i guess uh gml's shown a couple other different places and i remember him talking about years ago he used to grow with the advanced and a few other different salt meat regimens I, as far as i remember he's still actually kind of a, a flood and drain person but he used to grow with those full-on bottles and he used to talk about going to the grocery store and paying twenty five hundred dollars for a yeah. few big bottles for advanced yeah. and it's just like a one run you know a, a fairly big room and he was growing it you know i mean allegedly you know commercially but how do i put this still like twenty five hundred dollars for salt water 
like salt water that you can't even drink or put fish in. I was or doing fifteen hundred. I was doing fifteen hundred a run before I started uh, before I heard coot uh, and man, yeah, no, I was buying, I was buying thirteen bottles or but something like that. Once oh, you goodness. get once you get to a like when you're starting off, if you're just growing and you don't know anything, um, you know the, the part A part Bs are okay because. It's kind of like training wheels when we had a bicycle, right? You, you, you have to learn what sucks and what doesn't and how to at least like get to harvest. But after your first, after your first run, you realize, Hey, there's other shit and you can actually do this a different way. (laughs) Sorry that, uh, the hash really got me. Um, but once you've gotten through that first run and you actually understand like how to just get a plant to the end, then absolutely, like, uh, you don't see anybody doing in a commercial scale dosing with fucking advanced nutrients. Like, it just doesn't happen. Like, what am I going to do? Order fucking IBC totes of part A, part B? Like, that's just crazy. Well, but do things like, and, and you know, whatever. I'm only bringing this up because of, of, of uh, the fact that I can pull it up quickly. But you can buy all of the different ingredients on these bottles by the pound for cheaper than most of the bottles are, right? And that pound is going to make... 55 or 100 gallons or more at the same concentrations at what you are. So if you're looking at, you know, breaking it down and, and making it on a scale, you'd be crazy to buy anything because you're paying for branding, labeling, and formulation. And you know damn damn well that you probably know the formulation better. At least any skilled grower is going to be able to slaughter the shit out of the ratios of the standard soil guys that are that have no fucking idea what grow medium you're using. They have no fucking idea what pH what temperature, what, you know, what cultivars, they, they, they don't know. They're aiming for the middle of the road. So then it's going to work for as many things as possible, not specific to your grow. So once you reach a certain level of, of skill and in, in, with the plant, we kind of just push past that and forget that, you know, they even exist. You just ignore that whole part of the hydro store, you know? And a lot of good hydro stores will sell you those, but by the pound, you know, I know there's a great one down in San Diego. I used to be able to buy stuff real cheap. Well, as benevolent as they probably are, I can tell you that in this that in this cutthroat market, um, they'd fuck a snake if someone would hold its head. So, uh, I didn't shed any big tears when store after store after store after store after store closed, or they downsized, or they had to move into like a, a basically a uh, 1200 square foot, you know, storefront, you know, Crimea River. You got, you got 40, 50 years out of this deal, you know, blow me. I mean, you made your dime, you know, go get a real job or retire, you know, go hang out with the uh, res dog. Oh, wait, you can't, <laughs> but, you know. I mean, a lot of industries have kind of closed up and shut down, you know, like uh, I used to be really into audio. A lot of audio stores have shut down, like a lot of different uh, audio visual in general TV stores. A lot of those places are gone. Like uh, a lot of stuff is gone. You know, why, why is it the grocers are suddenly going to be immortal? You know, they're not. And, and when you can go online and buy, I can buy anything. I can buy your, uh, any bottle of swill. Uh I mean, if I if that were my bent, you know, I could get my uh, fix of cha-ching or open sesame or what's the other one? 
Kiss me if it hurts, or I don't know, some obscure name. Um, that would be my. That should be my next career. Is that I'll be actually a namer of, of, of bottles of swill. They all got to yeah. be saucy. Yeah, they all they all have to have like sexual yeah. innuendo on them. And, well, yeah. Uh, the bottles have to be really suggestive and everything else. Yeah, that's how you know it's quality. Yes. And then you price each bottle like prohibitively high. The guy was yelling about those cables. Like each cable was like a hundred dollars. Well, a bottle of salt water with uh, I didn't you know, want to get naked woman. That. That's probably one hundred fifty bucks. Easy. I didn't want to get into that discussion because I, I I've watched them, but uh, audiophiles who are, have their own set, special set of problems. You want to about, see an argument? Or watch them argue about uh, monster cables. Oh my goodness! Yeah. Oh, and then, and then they get into the interlocks and all that shit. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like okay, run along, kids. You go spend five whatever. You know, thousands of dollars on goddamn cables. I mean, if that if that's what you believe, then that's what you believe. There's a lot of people who simply can't prove stuff. You you see this now oh, yeah. uh, in audio files. It's very unquantifiable, right? Because well, right. I don't know. What do you do? You hear it? Do you not hear it? Whatever. But right. stuff like weed, you know, we can quantify this stuff. We can visually see, like, oh, that bud is not as pretty, or that bud is not as big, or that bud doesn't smell as much, or doesn't taste as good, or whatever. You know what I mean? No, I think we can actually, you know, differentiate these things. Okay, I, I believe you're right, but I also believe that in this uh, race to thank them, whatever, um, that we uh, we uh, assign values to the plant that, like, we do food. I mean, you can smell a steak and know whether it's, you're going to want to eat it or not, and. We've all had weed that didn't have the right smell, but when it was uh, ingested, it was like, God damn. So what I am saying is that in this rush for a bag appeal, because it is, it's gorgeous, but as far as a, uh, for recreation, I mean, real recreation, like you're going to get really, you know, good in stone. Hmm. And, and come on, it's mm-hmm. just it's uh, you know, it's child's play. It Believe is. it or not, I think maybe that's already turning around because even some of the like some of the hype from a couple of years ago was, in my opinion, uh, people will disagree. Uh, some of the gelato stuff was just it wasn't it wasn't weed that gets you high, in my opinion. It was weed for a party or whatever else to smoke for for giggles. The GMO is actually a little bit better. It'll actually get you a little bit high. A lot of people get pretty high from it. It's also a strain that finishes a little bit longer. So it's kind of paradoxical that this new hypey strain is actually one of these longer finishing plants. Blue Dream was a longer finishing plant, right? And it caught a lot of hype a few years ago. I don't know. I guess I'm kind of thinking out loud, but I feel like maybe there is a little bit of turning in the tide where you do hear a little bit less of the indica heavy stuff, a little bit less of the cookies heavy stuff, a little bit, little bit, little bit, little by little. Uh, more of the good weed. I don't know. It's it's it's, it's really a step a, in the right direction. Okay, I, you mentioned two ones. This is a good good one. There came a time when I was introduced to a guy who's got really good connections. Mm. You know, blah blah blah. And so he had the blue dream, and he knew this guy. And that guy. you know, like okay, yeah, whatever. So I get these two cuts, and they're from the same donor plant. And I, you know, really a big deal. So along came 
Randy Ritchie from uh, Malibu, and he wanted me to test out his uh, baby boo potting soil. Okay, and then Dad Hussey over at Kiss Organics, he was uh, going through the process. I was testing different batches of what would later become the Kiss Organic, whatever it's called, something living, dying, I don't know, whatever, some kind of thing. So I never grown Blue Dream. I didn't know anything about it. I had to have it explained to me that, oh, God, man, you really got, you got the kind, man. It's going to be really good. I said, okay. So I'll then fast forward on this. Um, it wasn't fine. By day 25, I took a machete and whacked them both down. Okay. <laughs> And uh, I mean, I don't have to finish something. I mean, I've seen enough plants to go, I kind of know where it's going, you know, what the direction. No, it's not going to get fixed in week six. And, you know, it's not going to, okay, when it's shit, it's shit. I mean, I mean, what can I say? And uh, so I had to report back to both gentlemen and I blamed it all on the screen. And then later I, I decided to get honest and I told both of them that um, they were underperforming uh, underperforming strata is with how I would rate it without merit and uh, I would start over from the ground up and then anyway that, that advice was rejected so I'll leave the rest of it for another day I'll do it. I'll, I have to put it on my uh, Living Organic Soil uh, blog. Right. Yeah, I'll do an interview with Wes. You know, Wes, like for a Canadian man to deal with American uh, growers, that would be a good uh, perspective. See, from his angle, yeah, he's looking at, you know. He just spends all his time thinking of cheese curds. He's just uh, waiting until his next. I'm just looking visit. for my next poutine. So, yeah. Pretty much how Canadians think. They just run around and politely curse in French while seeking poutine while riding their horse or uh, moose. Sacre bleu! Qu'est-ce que fuck? When a child is born in Canada, they are given a, a moose calf and they must, they must raise it. I thought it they were born symbiotically it. with a moose calf. Like yes, conjoined, that's actually, right? that's true. That is actually true. Yes, every Canadian is born well, at the same a, time as his twin moose. Well, yeah, but I thought that's how it works. With that's how you guys have population control, right? So, like, when a when a moose, like when someone becomes pregnant, they kill the moose. That's like the woman's moose. Wait a second, that's and terrible. then they they open them up like a tauntaun, and they they incubate inside of them. Uh, and that's why they're only limited to two children. Well, it's bad news for the moose, but unfortunately, Dad's that's moose. part of the, you know, every Canadian has a right to basically survive in their uh, conjoined moose twin. Hey, if they want to beat the shit out of the seal, <laughs> God damn it. I support their right to do so. On the, you know, they need to express their Second Amendment uh, seal. Right, but in Canada, you have to be wearing a hockey jersey and, and beating them yeah. to death with a hockey mm-hmm. stick. Otherwise, it's illegal. Hey, Wes, on the one and only time I ever went to uh, Alaska in a truck, uh, a semi, and we were on like a flatbed of mining equipment, 
you know, we live in Sanford and Stuns, right? And when we tipped off over from uh, Washington into British Columbia, within 50 miles, I realized what BC stood for, bring cash. I mean, <laughs> for everything, sandwiches, cigarettes, you know, whatever you, you wanted to uh, fuel. It was just, my God, man, how these people survive up here. Canuck books are expensive, man. From what I was told from South Park, every Canadian's born with a box. And they can call upon every Canadian to open this said box. <laughs> uh, and you got to talk like Ike South Park is telling the South truth. Park. Right. South Park is true. It's a documentary. Are you are Canadian, not you are. <laughs> you are Canadian, eh? <laughs> I gotta go with my dog. You know, the funniest have you guys? I when I was working in the army post office, we used to have a lot of um, uh, truck drivers from Alberta that were shipping like different weapons parts and stuff down, and like equipment parts and things. And they were always like the the like um, like Bill O'Reilly's and like Tucker uh, cards Tucker Carlson's of the Albertan world. Wow. So they yes. come up and they'd start railing about the Quebec, the people in Quebec, and <laughs> freeloading Frenchmen and all that shit. And dude, they were, we used to make fun of them so much. Dude, we had so much fun with those dudes. They're oh, I'm surrounded by those. I know shit. I'm surrounded by those. <laughs> like packed on all sides of me. Yeah, I'm sure it's delightful. What's really remarkable. Is I, one, I live in North time, Texas, basically. It's like mm -hmm. North Texas, yeah. One time I went to Montreal, I thought I was in Europe. I mean, very sophisticated uh, people, educated bookstores, you know, uh, art galleries. I was like, God, I'm back in Portland, not Detroit. You know, where when I go to BC, once you get out of uh, Vancouver, it's like, wow. <laughs> You people live up here full time. Yeah. yeah. Montreal, Montreal really is the most European city in North America for sure. Oh, yeah. Country mile. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and the best bagels. I mean, fuck New York bagels. Montreal, they do them right on those big long wood slats, you know, on the, the turning boards. Are yeah, you been... talking about Schultz's meats there on uh, Saint Denis? Yeah. Yeah. yeah the that's bagels. the shit. It... You haven't lived life until you've had a sandwich there. I'm just That's saying. Right. And you run into super cool people waiting in line there. Usually it's a one to two hour wait in line to get into that place. Uh, yeah. The other thing I miss is uh, Fritolo in Montreal, right? Getting 24 hour a day uh, delivery poutine <laughs> with over mm. 30 different toppings on it is fucking awesome. That sounds good. How has how poutine never taken it off in the States? Like, if you simply describe no French fries smothered in gravy and cheese curds, that's the most American food you've ever heard. It often heard. has bacon on it. Fireworks a, going off in the air. There was a, fire, uh, a French fry chain that was in malls called American Fry or something like that. They did the spiral cut thingy. In Philly, um, they they make something similar in Philly called Mega Fries. This the chain didn't last long, but it was around. I mean, they there's money behind it because they put up a bunch of stores around the country. 
I think chili cheese, chili cheese fries is what like conquered the U.S. I was just gonna look that up. Yeah, exactly. This is our version. But this is not as ubiquitous as poutine is, man. They have like poutine restaurants like in Canada. Oh my god, cheese curds are delicious, especially when they're squeaky. Hold up, that's yeah, offensive. squeaky ones. Are How do you not fabulous. like cheese curds? I don't know. It's like, it's like I think we might have to ban him. I think so, man. Nacho cheese, good nacho cheese is better than cheese curds any day. Mm, what's good nacho cheese? Yeah, I don't think I've ever had it. Let me just tell you right now, you're wrong. You can get you can get the curds from uh, uh, Telem Dairy, the co-op. They sell bags of curds. So that's all grass. You know, one of the wettest areas on the entire Oregon coast is Telem. That's something I've I've been fucking with the last week. I, I just started getting, now that I have a little more actually have a lot of my stuff out of storage and I actually am like more permanently in one place than I have been in quite a long time. Um, I've actually been working on some of those um, making cheese from labs curds. I've been making curds or labs all the time lately, trying to keep my culture going. And I have a couple of people that I've been giving it to, to help seed their commercial operations. And um, I've just happened to have a lot of it around lately and my dogs only eat so much of it, right? Like they're not going to eat like, four pounds of it right so uh, i've still had a bunch left over even after that so i'm still uh trying to find something to do with it so i've been working on uh impressing it on the skillet on my cast iron trying to get all the juice out of it cooking into low temp and then salting it and then like what do you guys um if you guys have made cheese what do you suggest for like flavorings and stuff do you guys have anything that you like chives fresh herbs i mean as fresh as you can get um chives are a good one uh and rosemary is a matter of taste. Some people like it, some people don't. But if you do, that's a really good one. Uh, it really uh, th- throws a good flavor in it. And uh, you know, the usual stuff too. Coriander is, we call it coriander when it's a seed. When it's a plant, we call it cilantro. Um, the seed roasted the way Indians do all their spices, roast the seeds, and then uh, you grind them after you roast them and add that. That gives you really hardcore, I mean, in a good way, really hardcore coriander flavor. Um, roasting your your uh, dried herbs and spices is almost mandatory if you want to really bring out the flavor. You bring the oils to the surface. And even star anise is a good one, a good example. If you're going to make like a, a, pho, a Vietnamese uh, soup, you're going to use uh, star anise. And if you uh, roast them first in a skillet, a cast iron skillet, and just heat, no oil or whatever, and then oh. add it to the soup, you get a really magnificent uh, flavor profile from each and every uh, thing that you add in, in the recipe. Cheers, everybody. All right, buddy. Have a good one, man. No, it's 420 or somewhere. 420. 420. Oh, I'm sorry. I like, I've been thinking about trying, like, I really like jerky. I've always been a fan of jerky. Mm -hmm. Um, I really want to start, like, making my own jerkies and stuff. What what, what do you want to use? Like, deer? I mean, wild game or... I was thinking deer. 
Yeah. It's not, I mean, it's like everything else in life. It's not, it's not difficult at all. It's the most basic of ways to pres preserve uh, meat, protein. Yeah, and then you just change the wood up for different kind of flavorings. And then, like you said, right. like spices and right. I like a little bit of pepper. Yeah, there's a, a, a Italian, there's an Indian dish called olive gobi, which is uh, cauliflower and uh, potatoes. But that's just the beginning when you start looking at the array of spices and herbs, things like fresh cilantro, coriander seeds, uh, fennel seeds, uh, cinnamon, turmeric, uh, garlic, roasted, and grilled onions, all this in this mix. I mean, when you eat it, oh, and then, you know, add some uh, paneer, which is a, like a, you know, a cottage cheese. That's really a horrible, but anyway, give you an idea. It's an unformed cheese. How's that? Paneer, Indian paneer cheese. And then you mix it all up. It, you don't even think about, well, I, you know, I wish I had a steak with this. I mean, it's got so much flavor from all the angles of all these spices that add so much to your diet and your health. And then you, you replace that instead of eating things that clog up, you know, your body like red meat is the way it's raised and stuff. Unless you're buying organic beef. I mean, it's not, it's factory stuff. A lot of, a lot of chemicals that goes into the steers before they slaughter them. Growth hormones and everything else to get them big. It's all about weight. This is one of the things that we talk about uh, when we start to grow better cannabis, right? Like we actually start to, uh, yeah. a lot of cannabis growers, they fall accidentally into the whole idea that, oh, they could eat better food and better vegetables, better everything else. A lot of times they'll fall into organic growing. Yeah, it's a rabbit hole. Right? And uh, yeah, how do I, I put this? West Engine. You Next thing you're watching Food Inc. And all, and all that. And then you're like, man, wait a second. This is all wrong. You know? The majority of people that I get emails from studying the pictures of their garden and stuff. Always mention or show pictures of their uh, vegetable gardens. Yeah, and, and I get more excited in my own personal garden seeing that. Like, how many tomatoes can I get on this thing? You know, I, I did some uh, Polish uh, purple cherry type, you know, that size tomatoes. I mean, it looks like I'm growing grapes. There's so many. It's uh, that sounds good. See, I wish I could pull that off, Jim. My children get in and pillage my garden uh, completely, top to bottom, for everything. There's nothing left to take a picture of it. Lil. <laughs> right. I fight there's animals and stuff. I mean, there's you know. The argument that somehow organics is kind it isn't complicated. It's, it's, it's mind-numbingly simple. What's complicated is walking, do I, is this thing really worth $500, a, you know, a, a jug? Come on. Not with cell phones, right? you can just flip through. What, what is this chemical? Oh, yeah, they sell that at a farm store for $10 or 50 pounds. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was my point. 
that was one of my points that I was going to make with uh, Potent, and I frankly just uh, forgot because I got high. Uh, Potent was saying, and this is a very common argument, I think you were shaking your head there, so I'm curious if you agree with me, uh, that, uh, you know, growing synthetically or whatever else, again, I can't hear myself. Anyway, uh, growing synthetically is a good way to, uh, so was the postulation, to get started, to get started as a, a grower. It's just too far sure. quiet. I don't know. Uh, and to learn how a plant works. And I sure. would argue that actually, why would you learn the wrong way to do something or a different way to do something and then start over the right way? And let me finish for a second. Let's, let's well, let's practical. say if you wanted someone to grow a tomato, they say, oh, I'd really like to grow t- good tomatoes. Would you send them to the grocery store and tell them to go buy eight? advanced nutrients bottles and a pH meter and whatever else, or would you tell them go get some good dirt and some worm castings and blah, 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 and then water it appropriately and blah, 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 and then prune it appropriately. I feel like you'd spend more time doing with that. And with cannabis, suddenly we think, no, 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 we need to know the actual nutrient needs of this plant, which are usually pretty minor. You know what I mean? Like a, a noob is not going to figure out that they need molybdenum. First of all, the noob is not going to require molybdenum. There's no way that they're going to need extra molybdenum. I can't even say it. Molybdenum. You know what I mean? Like they're just not going to have those needs. So why do we present it as if, oh, you need to know how to look for nutrient deficiencies? Why? Why do you need to know that? Like in organic, like in Coot's system, you don't get nutrient deficiencies. You never do because the plant is not uptaking nutrients that way. The only reason I can kind of see that uh, maybe the bottles might work for someone is say. Say they live in an apartment building, limited space. They need to grow in something a little cleaner. Rockwell don't have the really the space. You can really downsize the size of your uh, roots for your yield if you if you're doing it that way. I mean, I, it's not for me, but I mean, like I could see why why there's certain scenarios it could work, and that it's probably the probably the thing to do in that scenario. But on, on the other hand, uh, it's so much easier just to get a full balanced soil and just run with that. I mean, you have to do nothing else. So. that's what i figure you know just like uh, grow with soil i mean i don't know i i just don't see the point because um how do i, I put it I when went, you, go ahead no, tomorrow i'm gonna go uh and get a five gallon bucket of uh, castings for my good friend uh doug over uh, northwest redworms and to that, I'll I get I take three buckets with me. I stop at the uh, landscape, and I get a, a bucket of uh, lava rock. Scoria is the trade name. S C O R I A Scoria. And then I uh, use another one to get uh, some sphagnum, not peat moss. Sphagnum. There's my soil mix. That's makes 15 gallons all day long. Throw in some uh, gas, you know, neem, uh, some kelp, and copious, I mean copious amounts of barley. A bit of rock dust. I'm done. Oh, and some kelp meal. There you go. I'm done. You know, people talk about water only. It might is. Because I'm relying on the biology of the soil. I'm not relying on microbes in a bottle, which is bogus. I'm not relying on these magical things that are required if you want to get this. It's bullshit. The fuck? <laughs> What's up, Kevin? 420? 
<laughs> the fuck? Oh, he can't hear us. Here, I'll mute him. Just in case he's yelling at people. The fuck, motherfucker? I've seen some. Let's do it live. What's that? <laughs> fuck it, man. God damn headphones. You talk <laughs> about microphones. I got to do headphones here. <laughs> <laughs> Now I but... have a question because my sound loud all over... now my sound is super ultra loud. Yeah, so I'm sorry. I'm using the headset on? Yeah, no, I, I don't think that I phone. always use. But uh, I have a question because I have been look. I'm a salt grower, or semi salt, and semi soilless, and I am looking at tilling under about two or three acres that used to be an old garden on our farm. And I've been told that it can take up to a year and a half to two years to start building really good composted soil. Now I'm not, I'm not talking about, you know, Okay, we're just going to plow everything under. We're talking about adding probably about a foot and a half to two feet over the first year to the soil itself to start to get things to break down. Am I correct with this or can this be done in a shorter period of time? Because I'm looking at about two years process for this. Okay. Am I correct? Yes. Here's my suggestion. Is to look into cover crops, which is many times you can buy, you can buy them individually. But many times you can buy a bag of several varieties, and I believe diversity is always the best. So rather than buy just rye seeds, I get one that has rye seeds and seven other seeds in it, whatever. But they're called cover crops, and they're going to include your field clover, like red and crimson clover. Uh, it's going to include things like winter rye. It's going to include things like vetch, hairy vetch, and hairy vetch. Uh, Peas, uh, garbanzo beans, um, rye seeds, winter rye, uh, what else? Anyway, you get the idea. And plant that. And when it's time to harvest it, just turn it under. Cut and drop. And let it decompose. And that's going to build up your humus. And it's going to build up your biology and your soil. It's going to do all the things that you're wanting. And I guarantee you by the second year when you do that, and the third year when you're ready to plant, you're you're going to be ready to go. And yeah, do some normal uh, amending, like for things like uh, kelp meal, you know, and uh, your uh, either granite or basalt rock, rock dust. And you can, uh, it's amazing how fast you can turn around and re- remediate your soil with just cover crops. You can also do it with uh, mycelium, but that's another avenue. Well, actually, there are a couple mushroom farms down in the area. And this was our garden on on our farm. It was our 
personal garden. And it has not been tilled for almost, oh, shit, 40 years. Our fields haven't been plowed for since 1978 when my grandfather died. Okay. So all of that soil is sitting there. It's really good because we kept on putting everything on it every year, turning it yeah. under. Just so it's, good, it's, it's a good soil to begin with, but I want to be able to add over the next two years a good two feet so I can take those two acres and spread it out over six to eight. Mm -hmm. I'm not doing cover crops. It's going to be the least investment. Uh, it's going to give you, uh, as far as deconstructing remnants of uh, previous uh, growing practices that you might not do today in terms of uh, sustainable agriculture. Um, doing that, you're going to attract the microbes like uh, true earthworms you're going to attract true soil mites the others and and then i would mulch with uh straw not hay straw it doesn't matter okay get, get like barley uh when i get it doesn't matter just get what you the best you can get i go to feed stores because that's a better feed for livestock than you should be able to get alfalfa huh? you should be able to get alfalfa I can get whatever I want. I'm in Southern yeah. Ohio, and this oh, farm yeah, is, yeah. Actu is actually on top of a hill. So our sun is completely all the time, and I can grow anything up there. And all I have to do is go five minutes down the road to the feed store and pick up bags. I would, I would also say hit it hard with your... Um, you know, hot compost, I mean, you're in Thailand, I'm sure you know all about that. And for those of you that don't know, it's basically taking a bunch of um, plant compost, plant material, getting a little bit wet and then putting it out in the sun, usually in burlap or plastic sacks to break down really rapidly. You can make decent compost in about 40, 30 to 45 days. In fact, West Engine might, may not have done that in the Caribbean as well. I know it's very common in the Caribbean to do that that way. Um, I know quite a few cannabis growers in Jamaica showed me that. Um, but um, uh, what you can do, too, is uh, inoculating heavily with the liquid IMOs and IMO threes and fours, uh, along with good compost teas, um, you know, collected from around the area of, of different fauna. You know, don't get stuff just from down the street. Go down the street around the corner and around another corner, too. You know what I mean? So trying to get a couple of different diverse, uh, diverse um, local microbial populations is going to help you a hell of a lot more than uh, trying to buy a bunch of bottled stuff. Oh, yes. I wasn't looking to go as far as any of the bottle. Uh, you know, I was just trying to make sure that, you know, you guys are experts in this. Like I said, I am semi-soilless and semi-organic with mine. But, uh, you know, most of it comes out of bottles and I'm trying to learn. And I understand that, you know, Doing this and taking the process takes time. And I want to get this started now. So in the third year, I can start to use that soil. Here's a, another option for you. It goes back 50 years. And 
The name of the publication is Acres USA. It's the oldest sustainable agricultural publication in America. It goes back to 1970 or 71. So you want to hit that their website first and look for Eco Farm, ECO hyphen farm. They have it every year. It's somewhere in the Midwest. It'll be in Ohio. It'll be in Indiana. It'll be in Illinois. It shifts from year to year. You have some of the top soil people in the world uh, on everything from livestock management, range management, uh, field soil remediation. You couldn't spend a better weekend if that's what you're really wanting to do here than to attend that. You're going to meet the Amish. Mennonite uh, groups in in Ohio, Southern Ohio, Pennsylvania, that practice the old methods from uh, from the uh, homeland in Germany and what have you. It's a wonderful eco ag. It's a wonderful. These are real professionals. It's not a hype like a weed show. Um, these are people that you know head up universities and research foundations. You know around the world yeah and if they're here in the midwest then that would be perfect for yeah. me to go to yeah, they are so, because i do want to make it down to uh to oklahoma there and talk to some people and uh you know want to get over and see potent too i, I want to learn some of that <laughs> university of okay. Louisville or the University of Kentucky in Louisville is Steve Diver who heads up the hemp program and he was with an agency at USDA for years that helped farmers move from conventional through transitional to final certified organic um, and now he's at the university running their hemp program I would contact him and tell him you heard him talking with me on uh Future cannabis project project last summer, and he'll give he'll give you all the time you need. He's, he'll point you in the right direction. And, and that's uh, the University of Louisville and Kentucky. Uh, University of Kentucky and Louisville. So that's uh, that's actually the field that uh, Coot is talking about. That's actually the KSU uh, yeah. test field. There you go. I actually work with their aquaponics uh, people, actually. It's kind of funny. Did you know Steve Diver? Yep. Okay. Yeah. He's the one that introduced the Lukies in Austria who followed the original uh, Steiner, Rudolf Steiner, the father of, allegedly, modern-day uh, biodynamics. So, anyway, they're, they've been making this compost using... If you look up Steve Diver and microbial control compost, that's the gold, gold, gold standard. And he's the one that did all the reporting on it back several years ago. Really nice gentleman. He, did, he and I did like a two hour interview. They actually have a super cool aquaculture and aquaponic facility too, for those of you that haven't seen it. Yeah. It's super neat. All different Wait, types of test rigs and, and uh, experimental setups to do all different types of different different types of uh, experiments. It's really kind of a neat place. If you've never had a chance to see it in person, it is really cool. Have you ever looked it's, at the Disney, Disney aquaponics system? 
Yeah, so that was built by um, McMurray. Uh, McMurdy uh, is a guy who's big on sand ponics. And um, you talking, talking about Charles? Uh, I forget what his first name is. His last name is McMurdy. But uh, what my gripe with their setup and what everyone that does that is, is that that technology has been around for over 30 years and there's not a single published parts per million nutrient level test for any of their systems. So I have no idea what I could actually grow in them or can't grow in them or how to even try to adjust anything in any of their systems. And either just, you know. I don't mean to be uh, a bulldog on this. Is that the guy that's real big about evaporated seawater? Uh, I'm not sure. They have a huge, a huge aquaculture facility. Um, I've had a chance to visit a couple of times. This is their outdoor mm. stuff. So they're doing pretty big scale stuff there. It's kind of kind of neat. Yeah, that's, that's the guy. Yeah, AgriPack or uh, C-Agri or something like that, A-G-R-I, with the word C in front of it. There's a couple of different guys, but basically it's, yeah, it's salt. I mean, I don't know. Get the saving out of it, we'll talk. Yeah. So that's what I don't understand is that you get the same elements out of kelp meal, not seaweed extract, kelp meal, all right, without the saline. That's, it doesn't make sense to me. Why would I use a product that's evaporated seawater and have to deal with the uh, sodium chloride levels, right? When I don't, I can I can get the same elements in the same balance from this plant that doesn't have a root system that laid in the seawater and took it all in, except it didn't pick up the salt. Somebody explain to me why I'd want to use one over the other. I just uh, had some seaweed salad for dinner. How funny is that? I always buy it like at Costco or whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. The Japanese eat tons of kelp, right? Like they, yes. they wrap sushi with nori and everything yes. else. Like yes. in Asia, they eat tons of kelp. They know that it's nutritious. But well, here, for some reason, the red kelp uh, is is nick, not a nickname, but generic name is uh, Irish moss, and it's the one that has uh, the thickening agent. So that agent is extracted from seaweed and sold to food manufacturers. Uh, what's the name? It starts with a C. Carrageenan or something? I feel yeah, like there I don't know. There you go. Oh, that comes from red kill. Red, if you more accurately, the correct term would be red marine algae. There's three branches. There's green, red, and brown. The one we use in our gardens are hopefully is is you want to use brown. The red's pretty, thank, though. Thank you for all your information, panel. I appreciate that. Oh, you're more than welcome, bro. Yeah, going in the right direction when you can talk to some real academics and not uh, children that have never done it, you know. We're having some epic audio problems today. Coot, your your audio keeps coming in. For a second there, it was normal, and then I noticed it even worse. Uh, I don't know. Maybe, Coot, cycle through your, your microphones, maybe. Like, everybody keeps changing somehow. I don't know. You know what? It was a Zoom update. Maybe it's a really glitchy update. 
because I'm having epic problems. Apparently, the sound is fine, but my headphones, they cut in and out. It's really bizarre. I'm going to actually take off. I got to take it off, man. Cheers, dude. Maybe we'll call it uh, a little bit early tonight. I don't know. Maybe we'll make the next uh, 420, and then maybe we'll uh, abscond for the evening. I don't know. What do you guys think? Potent, by the way, how can people find you, man? Sure, you can find me on uh, Growing With Fishes on your favorite podcast app. Uh, or you can find our store over at apmjclass.com. You can use coupon code FUMI uh, to get a discount on the class. So uh, definitely check that out if you're looking to get kind of a start to finish kind of thing. Um, there should be another section going up this evening or tomorrow morning, depending on when the upload finishes. Um, so if you are one of the students, definitely check that out too. Take it easy. Here's Have a good Take one. Care, Take care. Thank you. Post the link here. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe because everyone's freaking audio is glitching out. Maybe that's the, that's probably the best explanation because, honestly, it's just been glitching out for everybody. So, I don't know. Maybe we'll make uh, another joint and a half or something uh, and we'll peace out for the evening. Folks, this is your uh, last call, I guess. Well, I'm always doing these last calls. So, I guess this is the last call. So, if you guys want to hop on and show us your garden or, uh, I don't know, bullshit with us. Uh, <laughs> If you want to ask Kuda a question, actually, we did get a good question in here, and I, I posted, and then I forgot to ask about it. But if you guys would like to ask a question, I have like a good question. question about to ask here, like the good question that West Engine is about to have, hop on, folks. You know the the freaking link, West Engine. Go for it. Oh, is there an assignment for tomorrow's Whiskey Wednesday? Ladies and gentlemen, I have almost forgotten. That was probably one of my freaking announcements that I forgot to mention yesterday. Uh, is there an assignment? Don't worry, I wouldn't let you forget it. it. Uh, you know, a couple months ago, I was talking about getting like Rocky or something, but that might be kind of hard to get on short notice. Uh, what do you think, West Engine? What do you, what's your, what's your poison? What do you figure? I, well, I don't know. I don't know. I was I just, you know, I just wondered, just wondered, you know, bourbon. a couple, couple I bottles. Just go for an old school, uh, just old school bourbon, Captain 420. You want to say like, uh, bourbon? get the. What do we want to do? Do we want to get like something Kentucky if we can? We want to go as old school as we can. Actually, I'm into the uh, the rye bourbons right now. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm enjoying those, but I like my uh, little bit smoother aged bourbon. Uh, you know, nothing even close to the bite of a Jack Daniels, but, you know, a black Jim Beam. And like I said, the the rye bourbons, uh, I've really been getting into those because uh, they weren't that much more expensive than Black Label Jim Beam in Thailand. Hmm. And they were much more prevalent. Are you trying Maker's Mark? Yes, I I enjoy Maker's Mark, but... uh, you know, it's been around for many, many years. Yeah. How about Rebel Yell? No, I haven't tried that one yet. Wow. It's a straight sour mash, you know, whiskey. I mean, it's really abrupt. Like, you drink it, and it's like, wow, it just kind of snaps your, your head around. It's not smooth at all. But anyway. Yeah, Maker's Mark, what's the one... Uh, That's the one that has the the uh, wax on top, right around the cap. Is because they dip it in wax, red wax, isn't it? I think that's Maker's Mark. Yeah. Maker's yeah. Mark. Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. 
How about that really horrible beer they used to make in Louisville, Kentucky called Drummond Brothers? Maker's Mark's like a good midway to a good one. It's not too pricey, but it's not mm. um, crazy. It's not really cheap, but it's not too pricey. It actually mm. tastes pretty good. I think Makers is one of the few that has their own distilleries. There's not a ton of uh, distilleries, believe it or not. Most of the places are actually white labeled. Wow. Yeah, there's only like six or eight distilleries. Yeah, Jack Daniels down in uh, Tennessee. I know they had the red and the green label for many years. Um, yeah. By the way, I'm, sure I'm from right. West Virginia. <laughs> we got plenty of it. <laughs> right. Here, I'll just finish this thought. Uh, Ian was asking, what's fire on Fumidora.com? I was like, dude, I'm freaking digging on the Black Prince Ruby. In fact, I'm smoking it right now. Uh, that's the that's actually one of the Ruby Jack ink crosses. Uh, Ruby Jack number seven. You guys don't, don't remember that plant, but uh, looked very much like the pictures that I'm showing you. I'm kind of surprised how how similar the, the uh, uh, kids are. Ruby Jack seven was very strawberry candy. Uh, Ruby Jack to the Ruby Jack F2 that i made from blah 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 blah. anyway i'm enjoying it uh, i think you have a really good chance of getting good color and everything else and i'm getting tons and tons of uh, uh leaf gutation from this so it's a uh a plant that i guess the phenotype again and now the freaking sound changed on my goddamn mic and now i have to step back because it's like super loud suddenly uh what was i going to say <laughs> gutation like uh a lot of sugar a lot, a lot of plant sugars in in the um, that strain for some reason it doesn't seem to be phenotype specific like there's a several of them i've had like uh, leaf gutation so weird one anyway really enjoy it i enjoy the high too uh, i guess i should say that the, the, the flavor is it's not just a pretty flavor but the high is nice and it's still kind of an uplifting sativa but it's none of that like paranoia sativa you know uh it's uh conversational it's basically something that you can uh I don't know, sit in front of the computer and talk to your friends for a couple, three hours. You know what I mean? It's that kind of weed or I don't know, go out and bike or something. You know, no, I, I'm a very much good. I'm very much into that kind of weed, honestly. Like we've talked about this a little bit on the show, but you used to be into, frankly, what was the what was the high you were looking for? Honestly, because I guess when I'll say this, like I'm into at least these days, mostly a uh, a high that just enhances everything that I'm doing. I want to basically have like everything that I'm doing, but just much better and much funner. And I don't necessarily like if yeah. I want in the evening to sit down, I have different weed for that. Or if I want to just like completely detach, I have different weed for that. But most of the time, I kind of just want to amp up everything to a nicer degree. What about you? Well, it'd be nice if I had a story, but the fact of the matter is that it was just uh, most of the time for since I started smoking in 67, the weed's just been, you know, sorry. Mm -hmm. And just, you know, you can remember this one, that one, you can count them, you know, maybe a set of hands at the most. So just getting something to grow that produced nicely, I wasn't, you know, concerned about canopy control, and I wasn't concerned about, you know, uh, well, you know, every once in a while it throws out this really weird leaf. What should I do? Oh, Cal Maggot, man. Just Cal Maggot. Uh, I just wanted to grow some. Always the answer. Things. Yeah, I had a kid, you know, a daughter. She was four years old, you know. Just wasn't that big a deal. And uh, 
I'm sorry we let the thing out because it was just a privately held plant. I just grew it because it was easy. I mean, I can grow the thing blindfolded. Take the same cut after what, 38 years? So, I don't know. Just wasn't that big a deal. Yeah. I had other things to entertain me. Well, you're, how do I put this? Uh, there are different phases of growers, right? Like we were kind of chatting about this the other day there. I feel, well, maybe we weren't chatting about this, but we were chatting about the the different phases of coot in the sense that, you know, these days you grow a handful of plants and you're happy with it. You know, you, you only, you don't only have TO. Well, actually you do. You only really keep TO, but you have a few friends that have some other uh, crosses of stuff, but uh, primarily you keep TO, right? In the past though, you kept quite a few more plants let's say that just quite a few more plants and i guess to say that that was a different phase of your kind of growing career no, I and i feel like trying to make, i was trying to like pay car payments and mm. house payments so you know certain ones i learned a long time ago people don't like good weed mm. you don't know you don't get I, I was really high yeah i know that's what it does no, no, I mean, I was really high. And it's like, uh oh, this isn't going well. You know, <laughs> so uh, if you don't, like, say you're a beer drinker, mm. or just as an example, um, or no, no, let's say a wine drinker. They're always snooty. Yeah, oh, this one has a nice oak. Oh, I really like the, the chamomile flowers in there, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, I say, hey, what's it like after a half a bottle? But anyway, uh, they don't want good weed. They don't want to have that spatial, you know, like, this isn't working. My brain isn't functioning right. I don't remember driving from two lights ago, and now I'm here at this signal. They don't like that level of, you know, intensity. I would argue if they're smoking that and driving, I, I think they shouldn't do that. Yeah. Well, yeah, I agree with that, but I'm just saying that that isn't what people want. The market is very mediocre. You know, and for a guy who's like, you know, his early 20s, let's face it, biology and all that, you know, he's predisposed to uh, some kind of an encounter. And if cannabis can facilitate that, then he's just going to buy what whatever gets uh, Susie or Sam excited, you know? So, I mean, this isn't a lifestyle. You don't have the people like, well, man, I'm going to get, you know, some $400 headphones and listen to whatever your music taste is and smoke really good weed. That day's gone. You know, it's over. Uh, and the people that still do that are, old timers as much of an apple fanatic as you are i'm surprised you don't have those amazing like uh apple whatever the fuck cans like they have eight thousand yeah. star reviews but the only complaint the is word. they cost a billion dollars when and they don't they I fold don't. into a purse i know when you when you say something like that you don't have the like add the word y-e-t on the end yet uh, <laughs> you got it on an order. Which yeah. color, Coot? You, are you getting yeah, exactly. the forest green? Which See, one? I had this really cool uh, relationship with Apple's uh, credit card thing. I can buy anything I want. I don't pay any interest. And, uh, you know, I just have to pay the card every month. Hmm. 
you can't carry a, you know, on that item, you can have a, a credit, you know, where a revolving credit card, you know, if you want, I mean, why would you do that? Like, you know, whatever. But anyway, so, and some of those things, you know, you can kind of hide from people that really run the finances around here, Mrs. Truth. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I'll figure it out. You know. But yeah, I intend, the, the spatial audio is just too uh, hard to resist. Mm. So, um, I, I really want to listen to, uh, oh God, uh, Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon in spatial audio uh, with those headphones, that'd be pretty intense. You know, they actually have a factory I agree. that only makes that album, that CD. Is that amazing? To this day, and they, that album was released, what, 42 years ago? Holy cow. That's ridiculous. If you haven't seen a laser show to Pink Floyd, then you haven't lived. No. They were the first one, the first uh, rock and roll, uh, whatever you want to call it, group or musical act, whatever, that really had a stage, like the, uh, when they did the album Animals. And they had these big balloons, like you see a Macy Day parade. And but they were in like real, like realistic and airbrushed. So the elephant really looked like an elephant. And they're floating in the air around the stage and that was the album was the animals and we had eaten some uh, really good uh, mushrooms <laughs> from this group out of uh, san diego and uh, how much are we supposed to eat i don't know man uh so we had an ounce and there were three of us we said well you know why don't we just split it three ways so we each ate you know like nine ounces or nine grams and uh it's a good bush we weren't, we weren't yeah it was yeah we weren't able to drive home oh yeah yeah um yeah, i think once parking lot yeah i think once you get past like three three and a half yeah. four grams you're you should stay well i mean there was nothing there, there, nobody you know there were it wasn't like you went out and get i am gonna get some mushrooms that it, it was now it worked just that these happened to stumble that came our way. I mean, it wasn't like people committed to growing it like there is today, or at least in Oregon. It was on acid. Because of the, well, I mean, yeah, but acid's always been sketchy. And after uh, the trial at uh, Tim Sands and uh, I can't remember the Jack Yeah, yeah. The guy behind the uh, Orange Sunshine. You know, that they admitted in trial that they were adding strychnine and arsenic to the uh, mix to elevate the uh, ramp up. I mean, a lot of people, myself included, kind of got disappointed in the whole LSD concept, whereas mushrooms were something that, hey, you got to remember in those days, nobody even thought about growing mushrooms. The, the first article didn't appear until 1976 it was uh, the McKenna brothers uh dennis and with the gentleman that died uh uh associated with paul stamets and then uh the uh educated ape uh, theorist uh, oh terence mckenna huh terence terence mckenna yeah, terence and his brother dennis 
under pseudonyms or nonaplums, whatever you want to call it, um, wrote a book in 76 about how to grow mushrooms. Now, looking back on it, that's almost half a century. It was the best book at the time. Would I recommend you using that book today, which you can find online for free? Not necessarily. I think there's other approaches. Um, beginning in 91, uh, I forget his what his nickname was, but he had the initials PK. Uh, and then the word, his method, and they started using the word tech. So you'll see PK tech. And that appeared as an article in Mother Earth News. And that is the simplest way to grow psychedelic mushrooms. And the fact that you can get the spores legally at a good price, growing your own true medicine isn't the challenge that it was 40 years ago. It wasn't even unheard. It was unheard of. So... It was, it's still relatively, like here in uh, Oregon, the Portland Psychedelic Society mm -hmm. uh, has put out some videos uh, on how to set up a monotub and other other ways to bulk grow uh, your medicine. And uh, Paul Stamets has uh, been in Portland, let's see, two or three times over the last three years. Uh, doing fundraisers for the uh, psilocybin group, uh, the Oregon Psilocybin Society. So, uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. I mean, uh, we're seeing some some uh, results in the change in the law and, and allowing mm. uh, research to go forward. There was something the other day that, uh, oh gosh, they just picked something. Um... I'm not remembering hardly anything about the story, but somebody was doing, doing some more research and found, yeah, sure enough, wouldn't you know it, mushrooms actually do have a therapeutic benefit. It was another story. There was just a couple of weeks ago, there was a big study and just a couple few days ago. Mm -hmm. wonder if I saved it. If you look at the cultures around the world, Asia, that's, uh, well, no, that isn't true. Uh, you have a lot of mushroom people, eaters in Asia, excuse me, Europe. But if you look at those cultures that really focus on mushrooms that for their medicinal properties, which is China and uh, Japan, and to a lesser extent, Korea. Um, so some of the research being done at Beijing hospitals and at the University of Beijing is phenomenal with lion's mane, and uh, especially in, with regard to Alzheimer's and uh, general dementia and loss of cognitive uh, uh, skill sets, you know, that, that diminishes we age. And uh, so people like Paul Stavis is really big on everybody considering taking uh, a two-gram dose a day of uh, lion's mane. I wouldn't buy it, you know, in a capsule form. I'd just get it from what do you call it, uh, Marian Mycology down in Ashland. Yeah, that's where I've got and it. that gives you three months worth of dosage for 55 bucks, so. Some people don't like the the flavor. I was just listening to the oh, Michigan yeah. Goes Grow Show, uh, and uh, Spartan yeah. was talking about how he just mixes it in his uh, 
can't remember his coffee or whatever else. I pretty much do the same thing. You know, I don't have a problem with mushrooms. I like right. mushrooms, honestly. And so if you have anything to cook it into, you can just mix it in there. Like it's really just right. not a big deal. You know what I mean? Right. But some people really can't get over the flavor. I think it was, uh, I think it was one of the other panelists. I can't. She was like, oh, she can't stand the flavor. You can't either. I cannot. For huh. No, I actually have to take mine and take a pair of scissors and cut them up and put them in orange juice. No kidding. And and let them soak in the orange juice for about 10, 15 minutes. Take it, swallow it back, drink another glass of orange juice because all mushrooms taste like shit to me. <laughs> and, you know, we're talking about different types of mushrooms. My favorite are little thumb-sized Amazonian cubensis. But if you're looking for something to walk around like the canals of Amsterdam, the philosopher's stones were the ones you wanted. They gave you a different mind high. Kind of like today's weed, since I've been back now for two weeks and it took me a whole four days to make it to Clio and uh, see Spartan and Eagle and all those guys. Uh, I have something to kind of get back to our previous conversation before the mushrooms. I'm really sorry. But uh, I think runts. And these new cookies and these new strains that are higher in THC, people are going to realize that, hey, you know, these get me high, but they get me high for an hour, mm. hour and 15 minutes. But then I go to... You know, like a 98 Bubba, a Bubba, and boom, you know, that settling effect is there. You know, the high is there, but there's also a body buzz. I do not get a body buzz with runs or cookies or a lot of the cushions out there. They're just a little bit too speedy for me. So what's considered high THC today? Uh, when I was in Michigan and I stopped at a couple of the dispensaries and I, I just had a laugh at their prices of, you know, $24 a gram, but they all they had on their pads was how much THC and they were touting 27 to 34%. I asked them, do you have anything between 16 and 20 with CBDs? And they told me, sorry, we don't. In other market, words, yeah, the market all decides all that garbage. Like in L.A., it's all gas, all gas, all gas, probably all above 30 percent, blah, blah, blah. Sorry to interrupt. As one uh, grower put it to me several years ago, he said, hey, listen, dickhead. You grow what sells, period. You want to grow your own because you like this or that, fine. But you grow what the dispensaries want to sell. It's as simple as that. So 
if there's any complaints to be made, <clears throat> it's the people that uh, are the ones that are, uh, you know, whatever the dispensaries can sell the easiest to move, that's what they're going to sell. It's that simple. I'm just rubbing my uh, fingers and getting this uh, like pine salt pine cleaner from the Queen Anne's Revenge. This is a different Queen Anne's Revenge than the, the Charybdis one. Uh, and I'm glad I kept this one, honestly. Uh, how do I put this? Uh, you don't get this from the the Quantum Kush. I remember I actually bought nugs of this and I bought them a few times because I remember thinking like, oh, you know, what is the it was the world's strongest strain at the time, I remember. I don't know if it was worldwide, but I remember everybody that I knew and when I'd look it up on like Seed Finder and stuff, world's strongest strain for THC, 36% had been tested. And every single time I smoked it, no matter if it was an organic, you know, I bought it at a dispensary, so you know, I'd take their word for it. But uh, if it was organic, if it was synthetic or whatever from, you know, a reputable farm, not reputable farm, I bought it like maybe eight or ten times, honestly. And every single time it was a fucking disappointment. I don't know why I'm looking at my literally like my mute button. I'm not even looking at anything particular. I'm just looking at my mute button. Anyway, uh, how do I put this? Uh, it was the most... Uh, um, Gosh, it's been a while since I've smoked it, but I think it had a lightly cinnamon note. It was kind of a spice. It was like an in, like a coffee spice or tea spice. A little bit of a note of like cinnamon or cloves or something, maybe cream. It wasn't a bad flavor at all, but it was very like just monodimensional, just very simple note. And I just went away. It was like, let's say it was kind of like really boring horchata. So if you've ever had, yeah, kind of like a cinnamon cream flavor, some of that. And it barely got me high. It was it was a little bit of an uplifting sativa. And this uh, OD Diesel makes some really lovely strains. The Doctor Who and everything else. He's not a bad breeder. But the Quantum Kush, uh, Irish, um, sweet Irish Kush by something. I can't remember. But anyway, super, super strong combo. And it was really popular around Oregon. Like every single dispensary had, oh my God, Quantum Kush, Quantum Kush. And it, was, it glowed in the dark. You know what I mean? Before Mac 1, stuff like that. That was one of those things that just glowed in the dark on a dispensary menu. But it just, it, it was just uh, such underwhelming weed. And I remember always looking at the terpene re reports, because again, I bought it at the dispensary, 2% terpenes, 3% terpenes. You know what I mean? 36% weed, nothing else. You know what I mean? And it was, just, uh, it was underwhelming. And well, that's what it is today. It's all about the numbers and it's us older people that, you know, we don't care. The weed we really like that has the entourage effect is between 16 and 20%, I would say, because a lot of the weeds that I enjoy are 18, 19%, and they have maybe up to one, one and a half percent CBD also. I guess that just means I like stuff from like Afghanistan and Pakistan. <laughs> or do you? Coot and I were talking about that, about how the original, I mean, uh, Coot, I don't know, what do you think about this? The original uh, first line genetics from Afghanistan weren't all that great either, right? They had to be hybridized to be good. I mean, yeah, it's, uh, you understand, this is a, a plant that's uh, cultivated in huge numbers in a very remote part of the world. I mean, this is, 
as raw as it gets. They're not going. Well, you know, last year's crop was a little bit had a longer effect. I think we can go with. I mean, you know, it's that isn't how it works. So uh, they've been growing the same plants for centuries. So much for genetic drift, and uh, it's all about big numbers to make. You know, big uh, slabs of hash, 250 gram slabs. That's what it's about. It's not about the effect and the aroma and you know these are these are warriors i mean when the, these surfers from orange county first got to afghanistan around 66 67 you talk about cultural shock yeah but uh afghanistan was a modern country if you look at some of the photographs of the of the society in the late 60s and before the king was overthrown probably by the cia around 73 and that's when things began to do. it was all about oil and uh you look at you know the geopolitics of the region but that's another that's another issue but um afghanistan was a modern country there wasn't the women weren't dressed in with headdresses and and, and all that they were wearing western clothes and they were being educated and you know, it just, uh, this religious conflict that's gone on for half a century. And, and with some really good help from, you know, the West and the East, you know, the Soviets excursion into Afghanistan at the end of the uh, 70s wasn't helpful. And, uh, you know, it just goes on and on and on. What happened to the Mujahideen? They turned into the Taliban. They're in charge. I know. Isn't that amazing? And they yeah. were our buds, weren't they, in the 80s? I mean, they it were... was a very much uh, enemy of my enemy is my friend kind of situation. Exactly. Yep. And that always ends well. If, well. if you watch <laughs> Charlie Wilson's War, I always right. bring this Good up on. in the last few minutes of the movie. They're shooting down a Russian helicopter and the guys are yelling Taliban, Taliban, Taliban. And this is Afghanistan, 1984, 1985. And who was backing them at that time? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, that movie is uh, scary and it's scary to see how much of our government basically functions on just some asshole congressman from Texas. And uh, he happens to have an interest in some fucking thing. And then basically that thing gets done, you know, and otherwise it gets ignored. I don't know. It was a weird fucking movie for that. You know what I mean? Like it, it describes the absolute venality of politics. But then at the end of the movie, it really shows the politics and the real reasons why things have happened since the Afghanistan-Russia conflict, we'll call it, uh, that's happened to us because at the in that movie, he tries to go and fight for hospitals and schools for afghanistan mm -hmm. that were never built that we mm -hmm. promised that is the reason of today's problems too in that area well like the hospitals we didn't build 
for the Hmong people in uh, Vietnam. And I mean, the list just goes on and on and on. If if, if your uh, future lies in the hands of the CIA, you know, good luck. Uh, you're going to need it. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think there's a misconception when the Americans got to uh, these, these surfers and bikers, odd uh, entourage to be sure. When they got to Afghanistan, they're meeting with warlords and Major Sharif and Kabul and and uh, uh, Kandahar. I mean, and these guys are looking at these uh, surfers and. They're not even. They're not even like any idea what the ride they're going to start on, and how much money they would make over the next five years. When you start bringing in uh, ocean 40, 40 foot containers of hash uh, up and down to ports along the west coast, and you get to fingerprint each uh, kilo it goes through your hands. That's a term that you get. You get a piece of. You get to wet your beak off of each uh, kilo that goes through your hands. So, yeah, the money was insane. They they, they couldn't put it in a bank. They were burying it in Laguna Canyon. In the trial in in, in the late seventies, that it involves a, a heroin, a white a China white heroin. So at the trial, there, this reporter at the Orange County Register is getting anonymous phone calls about where to look for leads to the story. And he finds his cache of money with all the serial numbers date back to 1968 or earlier, you know, kind of thing. So uh, it added a big level of mystery. And uh, yeah, these are the guys that rented a helicopter and got uh, guys from the Black Panthers and popped uh, Leary out of federal prison. So, I mean, they weren't dicking around. Real gangsters, not. Well, I'm I'm a, I'm a consultant and I can help you with your solubilizing. They didn't know it back then, but white China white heroin was just fentanyl. It's what? Just fentanyl. It wasn't heroin. Heroin does the process to make it white makes no sense. Listen, so if you're taking heroin from a poppy, it has to become opium, and then you'd have to process it. So the only real factor of becoming just a white powder is fentanyl or um, a pharmaceutical coming out of China. That's what it was. Right. Yeah. That's why it was so good because it was stronger than the actual heroin. All of the heroin that was in Asia that was being bought by American, it was a, but the Westerners was out of China. But that's the history of the whole opium war thing goes back to the 1880s. We we created that mess 150 years ago, and in in many ways, we're still dealing with it. Uh, yeah, a, a cursory study of, of the opium wars in, in uh, China is really instructive on why Western diplomats have no business getting involved in telling other countries how to run things. 
Because what works in China doesn't necessarily work in America and vice versa. Uh, by the way, Dan Green was famous. He had an imposter in the chat earlier. Uh, I had to poof that fucker out of existence, but uh, you should be honored, Dankarino. You're so, uh, I don't know. What? The only way I knew is because he had a, he didn't have the wrench by his head. He didn't have a wrench, man. That's it. He wasn't. What does that mean? Basically, I, I knighted them at some point. Coot, we do this whole knighting situation where oh. they virtually kneel and yeah, it's a whole thing. Yeah, it's totally literal. Yeah, we, we, uh, we take it very seriously. Okay. Uh, right, West Engine is complete, completely serious. It's completely, completely. Absolutely. It's, it's, yeah. A lot of people are honored. Yeah, honored. Quite serious. honored. Not as honored as they will be tomorrow when they drink rye and get too fucking drunk uh, a little bit on Weed and Whiskey Wednesday, right, West Ooh, Yes, it, it should be. In, it will be entertaining as always. Yeah, I don't know why you were honored, when, but I just wanted to shoehorn that in. Go ahead, Coot. Okay, so I'm not, I don't understand the whole fermentation process, but okay, Scotch whiskey is made from barley. And barley is included in American whiskey, not for its flavor or anything like that. It's for its uh, enzymes. It has the only uh, grain that has alpha and beta forms of amylase, which is the necessary for fermentation and or in the case of beer or making whiskey okay so rye would be made from rye seeds that have been malted meaning they've been sprouted sprouted and then dried uh so they have like a five-year life shelf a shelf life so that's how rye whiskey would be made would be using however you ferment and i that's the part i don't understand or haven't bothered to learn how you ferment with a, a malted seed. In this case, they're using rye instead of barley, like uh, the Scotch do, or corn, like American whiskey is made from. There you go. Now you can argue about well, which one's better. So they make rye rice whiskey in Thailand. Oh, I, oh, I know. And actually, uh, what the Japanese call sake is beer, not wine. Yeah. Because uh, wine is made from fruit and beer is made from grain. I mean, honest, I hate to bust anybody's bubble, but there you go. I'm not the biggest and, fan of sake, and, I have to be honest. I love Japanese cuisine, but sake is boring to me. Some sake, I've had some really shitty ones, but then I've had a couple good ones. See, even that just tells me, like, yeah. I just I mean, had good times. I've had like maybe one or two that, or yeah. three shitty beers in my life, honestly. Most of them have been like, yeah. You know, I'm actually gonna go though. Yeah, I, I didn't. Jersey. I didn't. Get, nice. I didn't have a shitty beer until beer got cute here in the Northwest, and we had to add shit to it, like blueberries and <laughs> marionberries and raspberries and stuff. Apricots Oh, Cascade Barrel Brewing Coot. I think you'd enjoy it, man. Uh, let's see. I had the other day. What, what did I have the other day? It was their. Oh, fuck. I can't remember the name. But one of them was the. the oh, I can't remember any of the names. I'm going to look up their website here. 
Uh, I love those freaking beers. I feel like I feel like you you'd be skeptical until you try it, and then I feel like you might actually really enjoy it. Let's see here. Let me find the freaking website. I was a you know a uh, a diehard uh, you know beer consumer of beer. By the way, and uh, the micro excuse me the whatever you want to call it the artisan beer movement thingy was you know centered here in the northwest um we can get into a long debate about who did a better job oregon or washington um well never mind uh i actually think washington beers are better rainier sacrilege yeah i mean they make some real crap like olympia I'm glad that thing finally died and went off the the deep end. Um, yeah, I mean, they both had great world class beers. There's no question about it. Yeah, that's a wonderful. Uh, I was kind of sad when uh, Portland Brewery went out. They were the first uh, micro brewery. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, Bridgeport too. Yep. They did. Uh, let's see here. At least their brewery is gone. Let's see here. Oh my goodness! Yeah, they're wow. my first favorite place. Yeah, uh, the Rose City Sour. I've definitely had that one. That was delicious. The Sang yeah. Noir is incredible. Uh, it's a blend of Imperial hey, Red Ales and bourbon and wine barrels for up to two years with Bing Cherry. This is all your least favorite things, Coot. It's uh, aged for up to two years with Bing Cherries. Uh, this is the darkest in their series of Sang Project mm. Sang Noir features notes of dark roast malts, bourbon, black cherries, and port wine. And Kud has grown it. Man, you'd try that. And, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you'd be like, oh, what is this garbage? And you'd do that like spit take from a movie. Yeah, you have to say one thing about Portland. If you're a beer drinker or a wino, this one, this is the place to live. You right. got an incredible selection of beers and wines. Handcrafted by people that give a shit about, you know, what goes in a bottle. Mm. They, you know, they actually care about it. Especially yeah, the wine right. people; they're a little bit nutty. Uh, not as nutty as cannabis, you know, crowd, but nutty on a different level. I feel like you might be right. I hate, I hate to admit it, but as soon as you say it, I'm like, you know what? Honestly, the cannabis people are a little bit nuttier. And the thing is that we all know that wine people are kind of nuts. Just they're flat out nuts. I'm, my apologies yeah. to all the wine people, but the beer people, they can be nerdy as balls, but they are not quite as nuts as the wine people. So here yeah. I'm going to be talking about this Cuvée du Jongleur, and I've had this one too. It was delicious, absolutely delicious. Uh, this is uh, originally released in 2008. Cuvée du Jongleur, a blend of the jungler, uh, juggler, consists of select red, triple, and quad sour ales, uh, ales sorry, aged in oak barrels for up to three years, making its first appearance at a the project pays homage to the original blend juggling a variety of base beers that offer clean. Da, 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 da. I can tell you it was fucking delicious. Uh, what was the point that I was trying to make beyond that? I can't remember now. There was another point. This beer was goddamn amazing. Just wonderful. And not boring or stupid at all. There was some other point that I wanted to make, and I can't remember what it was. Well, I want to take this time to say a good night to everybody and those people that are just getting up. Uh, have a wonderful day, wonderful afternoon. Uh I have to go to my uncle's viewing. My uncle ended up passing away okay. uh, the other day. And uh, 
you know, it was one of those ones that was kind of quick. So, mm-hmm. you know, not too much suffering the way well, I kind of have our condolences go. anyway, man. That's not, uh, that's an unfortunate thing, dude. Always so sad, everybody, yeah. I appreciate that out there. I appreciate everybody in chat tonight being out there. Everybody have a good night and uh, hopefully uh, we'll get hammered tomorrow and it won't be <laughs> 930 in the a.m. for me. <laughs> oh, by the way, I think before you leave, I think we're doing. Uh, yeah, right. Finally, you'll be able you won't have to. Date uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's really hard to drink at like 930, 10 o'clock in the morning, man. <laughs> that takes commitment. That's commitment. It right does. There. I still need for 20. Have, have a good evening, sir. Cheers, dude. Oh, by the way, good before night, you leave, everyone. so the, the homework assignment, I think uh, we didn't get a huge announcement for it, but Wes Engine was in it, uh, into a couple other people. Andy, a couple other people said Rye. Urban. So we're doing Rye. Oh, wait, you're Rye saying Urban? Urban now? Oh, okay, right. Okay, I thought Rye. Okay, right. Uh, unless you're Paul Simon, and then you can do like whiskey, bourbon, and Rye. Maybe you're like uh, uh, Muddy Waters related to Muddy, not Muddy Waters. You're fucking uh, boom, 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 boom. I can't think of his name right now. Every summer in Portland, forget a pandemic years, you know, things got screwed up. But Portland would have two big festivals. One was the Portland Brewers Festival, and the other one was the uh, Portland Organic Brewers Festival. So at the uh, uh, Brewers Festival, which was the original uh, incarnation, was made up of anywhere from 15 to 20 breweries that would bring down a special beer they would make in advance for this event. And so when you went in, you bought a, a plastic cup shaped, a beer stein shaped, like it was plastic. And um, let's see, you, that got you in. So $5, I guess, for the beer cup. And then each time you went to a, a stall to try ABC's, Special yeah. autumn ale, uh, you paid a dollar, I guess. Oh, wow. some, you know, some kind of thing. But anyway, this gave you an opportunity to try uh, really a large number of beers across whatever Sounds flavor like kind of profiles you like, you know, clears or darks. Or I'm not a beer guy, but uh, well, I'm a beer snob. I don't want people fucking with it. I don't want. I don't want fruit in it. You like you that? Know? You like that German style of beer, Coot? You're, I do, the, man. The Germans clean, are yeah. horrified when they hear any of that. The do, cinnamon notes and this and that. Uh, and you waved it against this. And you put in a bourbon barrel. They're just everything about that is like, oh my fucking god! They, they, and rightfully they should be. What was his name? Saint Michael, or no? Michael the Fourth. I don't know. Whatever. I don't know. Guy. Some guy that had an edict that. Beer right. can be made with three things: barley, hops, and water. Let's look up his name. End of discussion. That was Beer Taliban, man. That guy was just Beer Taliban. <laughs> well, yeah, I know. Know. It's good yeah. Uh, there were several of them, actually. Let's see here. Let's look it up. Um, the Heinrichsgebot. Is a series of regulations, uh, literally purity order, is a series of regulations limiting the ingredients in beer in Germany and the states of the Holy Roman Empire. Right. The version of the law was in 1516. As we all know, all the best laws were passed in 1516. 
but similarly, <laughs> regulations for dates. That's the irony. Yeah. <laughs> Although today, da, 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 let's see here. Um, it was. Uh, I thought it was a guy by the name of. He was the fourth. The Duchy of Bit. No, who the fuck is he? Uh, Michael. Michael. Guys. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Find it. it was one of those aristocrats, man. Do you know that Portland, for breakfast. Uh, Portland State down in Corvallis offers a graduate degree in brewing? I think so. Yeah. I, now, what with the number of breweries that have closed down across the country, whether they can stay open or not, um, it, I don't know how, where that's at as far as are they expanding the school? Or are they pulling back? Uh, you know, I don't know. Hmm. So it makes me wonder, you know, if, if we have a, a beer school, why won't we have like a cannabis school part of PSU, you know, or OSU or something? Well, I think that's a good idea. It would start with putting adults out on the forefront to speak for the industry. <laughs> I mean, that would be a good start. Dressing up like a joint, you know, mm. is cute and everything. Um, golly, why not a sunflower next time, you know? You know, climb, climb with some shine mountain faces all aglow. My God. But anyway, uh, there's, you know, we just, we don't, we have really uh, poor spokespeople. Easy because they got a scam running. Well, I mean, you know, Coot, uh, we have poor spokespeople because no better spokespeople have showed up, perhaps. Right. You know, and then the same thing with beer. Like if we only allowed the charlatans and so on to take over, like, I've heard some stories about some of the big beer families that are a little bit they don't they don't sound like the best beer ambassadors. I have to be perfectly honest. I'll just leave it at that. You can look up the stories. You can Google a lot of this stuff. Honestly, those guys driving yeah. drunk themselves and everything else. Right. So like if you let them be the ambassadors for beer, beer wouldn't be a very positive thing or anything else. But I mean, like if you let like, let's say the microbrews <laughs> talk for themselves or the brewers talk for themselves. I don't know what the point I'm trying to make really is, but I mean, like. I don't know. I learned sense. something really important when I was doing my background, trying to figure out why this works so well in the soil, uh, using malted grains of uh, barley malt, if you will. And uh, because it, it far exceeded anything I had ever done before or since, there was that much of a dramatic shift in what, how the plant produced its uh, foliage, uh, the structure, you know, just a whole bunch of things. So there came a time that I went to a function that it was pre-graduates for this master's program to become brewmasters. And I had my list on my little cell phone of the major enzymes that I was concerned about or, you know, was interested in discussing. And once we got out of amylase, it was over. Chitinase, best wishes. Phosphatase, good luck. Protease, uh-uh, ain't gonna happen. I mean, it way. was like, really? That's in barley? I mean, it was that. I was blown away. What, what did you guys study besides amylase? Uh, that was it. Okay. Basically, they started alphabetically and then just gave up. Well. Yeah, it is the most important. It's the one that actually causes the action of converting sugars. And in that action being a yeast, 
it creates the bubbles, the CO2. That's what gives you in dough, a bread dough, and also in beer. That's what gives you your bubbles is the CO2 from the fungi. They take in air, they use the oxygen, and they expel CO2. That's at, at the very core of what I know about brewing. And so you have to need, so in the case of making corn whiskey, they need these enzymes, these cofactors of amylase and, and barley is the one that is the only one that has alpha and beta forms. Other grains like wheat and have maybe even diminished levels of alpha amylase, hmm. but have no uh, beta amylase. And that's important in reasons that I don't understand. But that's why it's included. Even in, 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 in making whiskeys. You pump it up. So let's say you're making a dark beer. Here's the basics of what I know about dark beer. So once you've malted the grain, you've sprouted it and dried it. And now you take it and roast it to caramelize it. And you take it to and flavor profiles. So you might use two or three in your mixture to achieve what you're trying to achieve. But you would also put in a malt that's made from unadorned uh, barley. The raw of the raw, because that's where the enzymes are still alive. The enzymes are destroyed in the roasting process. It provides the flavor but can't provide the oomph to get kickstart the fermentation process. So you have to add, you know, it's not, not uncommon to see three, four, five different uh, uh, malts in a single recipe, uh, especially the home brewer level. But even in, that's one of the big players there. Their American counterpart. Yeah, but look at all those different uh, malts, and those are all different flavor profiles. There's your pills. I mean, you can see the different uh, effects of, uh, but that's all it means that it was sprouted and then they stopped, arrested it when, when the tail uh, got to a certain length. I was just listening to, or I don't know, maybe something on Reddit or something about the Nuremberg sausage. Uh, is that what it was? I think it was the, uh, hold on. Anyway, whatever the sausage was, so the, the, the sausage, it's not even really that important which sausage it was, but it was uh, one of the, the sausages that they uh, serve traditionally at one of the Christmas markets. At mm -hmm. uh, you know In Germany, they have all these nice uh, Christmas markets, basically, of course, right. right around Christmas time. They got lots of gifts and all kinds of stuff, but they're famously they have a lot of uh, grilled sausages. And this one particular sausage, whichever one it is, uh, the recipe dates back to like 1300 something like that so right. the recipe for this one fucking sausage they've been making it the same way basically it's a white sausage for like 700 something years and i was just thinking to myself how funny like 
all those years of sausage, you have to imagine there's been people, there's, there's been waves that have come and go, ah, oh, kids these days, they're not making sausages like they used to. Right, uh, they're just right, all making right. swag sausages these days. All they right. care about is the money. Right. And then the purists come back, you know, with the better, the better version yeah. of the recipe now with better pork or whatever the, you know, whatever it's made of. No, I don't know. These things come and go. Right. And so I feel like maybe the same thing with weed. Yeah. And I hope you're right. I mean, uh, look, when I was growing up and all that shit, uh, what we called Mexican food was appalling on every level. Um, you know, ground meat, tacos, uh, ground meat enchiladas with you know, some sauce out of a can. You know, uh, wow. See, that's commitment to a process. To me, that's as, as much art as anything. I don't care if you're making sausages or you're making wine, you're making beer, you're growing good weed. Why does it have to be this absolute abortion? I mean, running around with bottles of bullshit. The, I, this is a true example. I went, I drove 450 miles round trip week before last to pick up three uh, rooted uh, cuts of my strain. The guy that we go back uh, shit 75 growing together. And um, so he said to me uh, you know the rules I, I believe they have to be clean but you need to check for mites. I said, I know the rules. I know the rules, you know. Just throwing some shade on each other, right? So I decided to do it, something that's really non-invasive. I just uh, got out some uh, those uh, soap nuts, the dried ones, from my good friends at Mountain Rose Herbs. And I put, you know, like a tablespoon's worth in two gallons of water, and I let it sit for a day and a half. I just put it in a pump sprayer. I swear to God, man, within 24 hours, the thing was greener. The thing just like exploded like I'd really fertilized it. So then I took some and poured it on the uh, soil because they were rooted. You know, they just weren't very big yet. And man, what a great fertilizer. Now, I'm sure there's something wrong with that. I'm sure that it's it's going to, you know, interfere with the... Uh, Melendum, uh, boron, interchange. I'm, I'll wait for that, you know, for the real experts to come uh, wag it in, you know, their tongues wag about stuff they know nothing about. But anyway, there you go. So if you're using, what's another one, alfalfa, one of its big benefits, Who? I mean, who's going to argue with alfalfa teas, right? Come on. Mm. One of the big components of alfalfa is saponins. Gee, what if there's a connection? Might be. Uh, yucca extract is the uh, most often used in commercial products. So if you see the word uh, wetting agent mm. or uh, surfactant, um, yeah, and usually in soils they call it wetting agent. And when you spray it on leaves, it's called a surfactant. I don't get it either, but anyway, there you go. Uh, same terms, different. Uh, 
ways of expressing it hmm. means about the same thing, believe it or not. But... What's the engine you taking out, bud? No, no, no. The, they're just asking me in chat to show the uh, my smoking device. Oh, right on. Yeah. All it's right. Just, uh, That's serious. Storks and brickle. Storks and brickle. Plenty. Works great. I need to think about getting one of those finally. Because I see you I, just chiefing on that thing like just nonstop. It's freaking hilarious. Like it gets freaking ripped. I hope you're right. I mean, it would be really sad in my view, opinion, I guess. Um, a lot of people, good, bad, or indifferent, mostly bad or indifferent. Uh, <laughs> quite by accident, it was that luck of the draw situation. Um, we arrived at a point that was different. I don't know about better, different. Um, I just think over the last five years since the legalization and, and there, therefore the uh, demand has exploded. Again, this isn't about you and I. These players have got serious bucks to set up. I don't know about you, but I don't know anybody can flip, you know, three million to me and say, "Well, see how it works out, Captain." You know? No, I, yeah, I've I've seen some of these warehouses and these greenhouses and whatever that they hear about, and the, these are the I'm talking about even the small versions of of uh, the story where they'll so set up these greenhouses with a thousand lights and then they fail in six months. This apparently yeah. happens over and over and over again. And then, of course, there are those gigantic greenhouses in in Canada where the multi I don't even know, multi-million square feet, maybe. I don't even know. And those places yeah. were failing and producing swaggy weed. I don't know. I mean, it, it is the infancy of this this entire thing, I want to say, because it's it's been illegal for so long that we all know about it, but cannabis functions in this extreme. It's like a quantum state. Like everybody knows what it is, or almost every anyone who's a, not a moron basically knows what cannabis is on some level. And they know that there's something to it. You know, there's something exciting about it. Either they're excited about it or not, but they still know that it's something. But it's been under the table for all this long. You know what I mean? It's it's mm-hmm. like beer. It's like wine. It's like anything else, but it's been fucking illegal. So it's, it, it just exists in this weird quantum state that now everybody thinks that it's established because for example Koo, you've been smoking weed for your entire life and yet it's still been pressed down and held down by douchebags like nixon i feel like this is the first time that weed gets to step into its own you know and only just barely i agree with that 100 percent. i mean i'm not i really don't have anything to gripe about you know when i really think about it because i live in a state and we could argue all night and, and, dis- and agree to disagree about the number uh, thing. But I'm allowed to grow four plants. And for me, I know what I'm doing. Um, I'm not trying to do them. And it, whatever. Uh, I know what I'm doing. And so the yield would be more than I could possibly smoke in five years, you know, off one run. Uh, that's be- before doing a winter run indoors, you know. Um, so really I'm taken care of and in a, in a very, uh, what's the word, a selfish perspective, figure it out, guys. I mean, I'm talking to Oregonians. You live in a legal state. If you want to be victimized, I don't know what to tell you. 
best wishes. Mm. You know, hope it all works out for you. All you, you know, you're about one uh, disaster away. All you need is another bottle of something. I mean, my God, people going out and paying six, seven thousand dollars to find out that you need boron in your soil to make sure calcium can be accumulated by a plant. There was a whole, there were like two lines and they were the talk of the fucking town at the Indo Expo a couple of years ago. And I don't know, like the, I even went down to one of the shows in California, maybe the High Times or something. I don't think they were a big deal at the Emerald Cup. I think I went the same year, like three, four, five years ago, maybe, four, uh, maybe like four years ago. And I guess I won't say who, but there were two different companies whose entire reason for being was they were basically like boron enhancing lines. And apparently every product that they had had boron in the bottle. And so every bottle had like, was like brown or whatever. And so all these like semi-famous weed celebrities were getting free bottles of this particular brand, a couple of particular brands and the shouting it out is, oh my God, they've never grown better cannabis apparently than that. And in dude, one you of can the get like a, a teaspoon of borax and dissolve it in your fucking water that you're good for the rest of the lifetime probably. Uh, when the gentleman was on, <laughs> when the gentleman was on your sh- program a couple of months ago, almost dressed like a uh, Buddhist monk from Thailand, hmm. um, I remember he had the saffron part of it. Um, he was talking about a mixture of boric acid and sugar, and I said, "Oh yeah, that's the recipe that we use." And basically, you mix a certain amount of white sugar with boric acid that you can buy at Home Depot and you uh, get it gooey. And then you take uh, cotton balls and you dip them in that. And then you put them out on pieces of uh, wax paper squares and the ants come and like, there'll be all of a sudden billions of them all over these things. And then they take it back and it's poison mm. and it wipes them out back in the nest. And so when he said, yeah, we're using that atropically, I was pretty impressed. I mean, my God, if it works in the tropics, no wonder it works so well here in, uh, you know, uh, middle-class uh, part of the suburb kind of thing. Anyway, I just found it. So, yeah, big deal. Boric acid is like, I mean, so goddamn cheap. And I got to pay somebody's wet nurse to validate that I need to spend, you know, six thousand dollars asinine i don't know i don't know where people yeah. get these ideas that they have to grow with the synthetic things and then people get i know people are listening to this and they're like man i love my synthetic regimen okay i guess all the best to you i don't want to insult you i don't know your weed might be fine i've i feel like the best weed that i've ever smoked has been organic just hands down and i want to be an evangelist for that i don't hey, want to work anyone's uh, program but go ahead let's get real it works everything in life the best tomatoes the best berries, right. the best tree fruit, the best whatever is always organic by people that gave a shit about growing food for other people. The people at the farmer's markets, that's why I like them so well, because you get to talk and engage with the actual producers, the husband and wife and the kids and what have you. It's different than going to new seasons or, oh, excuse me. Uh, you know, one of the big cha- organic chains in the Portland area. It's a whole different experience. So, you know, it's a, they paid somebody to take it out of a box and, you know, stack it real nice on the shelf, you know. I don't know. 
So I think on a personal level, uh, it's the same thing with cannabis. If it gets back to that true boutique status, that, that bodes well for people that have to realize that you're not going to make the f- funny money that was made in, in years past. Mm. I mean, can you imagine $3,200 and 78 for a pound of goddamn tie sticks? Yeah, that's, that's equivalent to 11,500 today. Sub used to talk on his streams about like getting maybe 5,000 bucks for random pounds of stuff. I mean, it was, you know, yeah. crazy, crazy dang, but still that, that's just an amazing amount. It's insane. Of money. I mean, I was there, but I wasn't going to miss out. See, it was all about, like I said before, a true stoner is always looking for a bowl that's better than the last one he mm-hmm. had. And there aren't that many left. Most people are just weed smokers. The hardcore is like the wine aficionados. They're always looking for that best, whatever it is they like, right? Or or a a true beer enthusiast. You know, whatever it might be, whatever flavor regimen in the beer world. And, you know, cannabis is the same way for me, just... uh, I want something that really kicked ass. And I got to tell you, if I told you all the ones that I smoked in the last, like, three years, well, he's being a snob. I'm not being a snob. I'm telling you. I mean, you may not like the truth, but this was really bad. And all, all of them were the big ones, you know, that, my God, you're a total asshole if you don't grow this. I did grow it. Like I said, Blue Dream made it to day 24 before it got <laughs> whacked. Okay. That was, oh, you know, Purple Urkel? Oh, you, you guys cloned this more than once? That was my response. Really? Why? They bred it to a bunch of stuff too, Coot. It's worse than that. It gets worse. Oh. Oh. Uh, how would you redesign Day 24 cannabis? and he says so you, off with the head i know he's like barely <laughs> even throwing any pistols he's like i know where the shit's going Could, if you this had to trash. redesign if you had to redesign cannabis these days because you know a lot of us um i don't know a lot of us got our well how do i even phrase this question um well frankly uh, a lot of folks myself included have gotten our cannabis understanding from people like subcool subcool got his cannabis understanding basically from holland you know, and so that basically was just kind of this word of mouth, basically, from people like Skunk Man Sam and so on. So how would you have potentially like redesigned weed, maybe without making any of those mistakes, if they were mistakes? I don't know that you can. <laughs> I think in a very real sense <laughs> that once a way was found, which it was in late 80s in Holland specifically, uh, before the big crackdown, the uh, Operation Green Merchant and all that mm-hmm. stuff. Um, so people got a taste of here's a way of growing this plant that will give you a material that will have this or that effect. Fair enough. Fair enough. And that rolled along even after the interruption with that in the 90s. That was where 
things started getting more innovative, better lighting, all those things, and, and better seeds. Uh, incarnations of Neville came back in the form of uh, greenhouse seeds, Argent, and that whole thing. Um, you know, and, and and so as the interest, I think, in cannabis grew, then the allure that I'll make it easier for you. You know, you asked me, how should people start? You know, my recommendation would be grow a good tomato plant. And when you get that down, then go to cannabis. No bad advice. Because if you can't grow a good tomato plant that's healthy with good fruit on it, what have you, no then. Awesome end rot. Right. And, and seriously, because growing cannabis isn't special, it isn't unique, it isn't all these things, it's a plant. Mm. And if you need that uh, psychological break, grow a good tomato plant and use the same techniques to grow cannabis side by side with it the next time. And you'll see that you're gonna have better cannabis, really benign neglect make your soil good the feeding of the plant is the silliest thing i can I, I can't even imagine that somehow if i don't feed this plant something i'm going to be lacking and plants that just air. isn't the case plants eat co2 plants eat co2 oh i'm plants i know eat. yeah i didn't mean that yeah no, no the whole feeding. thing about yeah. feeding the soil, you know, I got to add this, I got to do that, I got to, oh my gosh, you know, I need to add some cow mag, I need to uh, get some uh, sulfate of potash, uh, normally yeah, turpinator. The, the point I'm making, Jim, is uh, like uh, of a tree or whatever, only 4% of it is actually pulled up from the ground of it and, is, and is of actual nutrient from the ground. The rest of it's just made right. of air and water and then and the rest. Right. right. Sunlight. Yeah. In his book, uh, Eating the Sun, um, how plants uh, drive the universe. The whole premise, not premise, but uh, the uh, science behind it is that plants only function is to convert sunlight into sugars in form of chlorophyll. And once you establish that, uh, the craziness in the, the, the about, you know, feeding the soil is even more manifest. Trimming a plant material that's gathering sunlight. Why are you doing that? Oh, it makes the plant look better. Okay. I mean, you know, the plant will sucker off the leaves as it's used it for storage. Do that and then pull off, you know, let the dry leaves drop. And then, you know, if you want to make it look real nice for the magazine cover or something. Um I mean, just the whole the whole regimen that goes on in the cannabis scene, you can see why the workers are getting basically, if they're lucky, something like minimum wage, 15 bucks an hour. Nobody talks about this, do they? Like uh, the repetitive stress injuries and everything else. You know, exactly. The, the, like they're doing the same thing, the, the trimmers, they're doing the same hand movements day after day after day after day, eight hours, 10 hours, 12 hours a day. Yeah. It's kind of a rough, kind of a rough industry, honestly, when you dig down into it. If when you when you distill back the fact that, oh my God, I'm working with weed, 
they're kind of taking advantage of a lot of people, you know, when you think right. And that's, you know, um, I, I, okay. And I'll cop to this, that it's really a generational thing, but, uh, for some people just working in the industry is a big deal. And for decades, it never was a big deal for me. It was just, I was in the industry when before there was an industry and then I haven't been. And I just showed people how here's how to grow plants and, uh, you know, don't worry about all the craziness. Uh, just put these things together and water and go for a bike ride. Yeah. And leave them alone. So, uh, that's it. I don't understand why people have to, f- uh, f- uh, fixate on such an unimportant detail of the plants as the, the so-called feeding. You know, West Engine was right. The plants eat carbon dioxide. The stuff they eat right. in the soil is just vitamins, basically. Yes. It's important. It's vitally important. Like, if you run out of vitamin D, you get depressed, whatever. But honestly, like, it's not the most critical part of your diet or even the plant's diet to suck up boron. But, you know, it never gets discussed in, the, in these matters is that uh, a, a, a plant that's in a, a balanced soil with really solid microbial action is going to create the uh, compounds, secondary metabolites, whatever term you want to use, that reduce uh, colonies of uh, insects, especially ones that nest in the soil, uh, by creating more chitinase, which damages the, uh, the shell, preventing the larva from developing and hatching, what have you. I'm just, but all those factors. It truly is. It's either a living soil or it isn't. Mm. Because if that isn't your goal, then cut the chase, man. Use Rockwell cubes. You are not use a non-recovery uh, hydroponic system and call it a day. I mean, why all the bullshit are using something that isn't a soil? Call it a soil when it isn't. Well, it's got a really cool label. Okay, all right. So you got uh, a strata for your hydroponic system that you know that you paid. $18 a cubic mm. foot. I mean, think about it for a minute. And what you're doing is you're going to use chemicals to grow this plant because there's very little, because by definition, we know that the soil is, which isn't, you can't grow the plant, right? You got to add something to it, right? Okay, fair enough. Then cut the chase, put it in rock wool, grow the son of a bitch hydroponically. Cut the chase. Gosh, isn't that some when you when you distill it for a second and you think back to it, it's it's such an industrial, post-industrial processed way of looking at the world. This is why people say eat less processed food on some level. Okay, roll with me, folks, because I realize this is a little bit of a, a little bit of a fucking jaunt. But you're <clears throat> using soilless medium. So you basically buy soil. I was just talking to somebody about this, a newer grower that was struggling with, you know, they allegedly might live in a part of the country where there aren't super lots of grow stores that we might recognize. So for them, it's a little bit of a challenge to get what they thought was, you know, appropriate for organic growing. So they thought they had to order special soil or drive, you know, a couple States away or whatever. I was like, no, honestly, you can, you can, but let's dig back to this. So you're buying the soilless medium at, let's say the grow store or whatever. It comes with almost no nutrition in there. Right. Well, I was just talking about how, the nutrition is only really vitamins. Well, that, yeah. that's for outdoors. That's when the soil is actually alive. We're buying soil less meat. Like when you actually look at the right. bag, it says soilless mix. 
Right. right? There's no freaking, there's no freaking like humus in there. Nope. There's no worms. There's no dead nope. critters or bugs. You've said before that it's like irradiated and whatever else. A lot of times like <laughs> they make sure that it's as dead as it could possibly be. Uh, so there's yeah. nothing alive about it. And then wouldn't you know it, you have to feed it. And the only reason you have to feed it is because a factory made that shit dead for you. So it's this, right. it's literally it's this processed food garbage. Basically, that's why they say eat less processed food because you're eating garbage. You're eating poison that then basically is somehow physically bad for you. So that soilless medium or soilless mix is physically bad for your garden in that you have to constantly feed it and you know nurture it and everything. Whereas living soil would have just taken off on its own. I, I wasn't joking the other night when I was commenting about I want to meet the idiot that started the rumor that the uh, weed today is much, much stronger than it was 30 or 20 years ago. Are you out yeah, of They're mind? sure running with it, though. Uh, fuck. <laughs> Look, okay. TO is still one of the is still is still like a competitive strain with other with everything else up there. So it can't it wasn't any stronger. If it was in the hands of good growers, you got good stuff out of it. Okay, I won't go through all the details, but Fume was at the same show I'm talking about that was in Portland, and it was supposedly just uh, organic growers. Or, you know, whatever. And uh, several uh, dispensaries. This was like the first year of the legal thing here. They came and set up a booth, you know, a trade show, and had those big jars with the glass lids, and you could smell their Bahamian mama and the green Bahuahua, you know, with all these strains and stuff, you know. And, uh, I was with a guy, it's a long story, but uh, he spent uh, 12 years as a uh, monk, a Buddhist monk. And uh, he and I were checking this place out. And we were like whispering and we'd smell, and I won't go into the brands, but it would And I thought, oh my God. They're actually selling this shit. And so <laughs> later, somebody came up and handed us, and that was her job. She had a lot of these. They were like sample packs. It was like a matchbook or no, a box. You know, the old fashioned, we had the wood. Yep. Yeah. The small ones. Okay. And so in there was a bud. And so it had the name, was all printed. You know, it was pretty, I mean, somebody spent some money on this, you know. Uh, what they call Popeye Point of Purchase Institute. Uh, so, you know, you make the packaging more important than the content. And I swear to God, man, I've never had weed that bad. I, it was like absolutely fucking horrible. Absolutely horrible. And if I mentioned the name of that breeder and more specifically the name of that goddamn strain, I would be, oh, you're an asshole, man. I, I had that when I was in the eighth grade. And it was the best I ever had. Or, you know, some shit like that or whatever. I swear to God, it's like, somebody cloned this twice. <laughs> I mean, it was just remarkable how bad it was. But, man, it looked good. 
Hey, the but the the bag appeal, spot on. Just like camera perfect. But as far as smoking it, I mean, it was like turpentine. I didn't know that that was like a excuse the pun, but I didn't know that was the terpene profile they were looking for. It was turpentine, but I guess they're moving are in the right direction. Of like, Coot, are you thinking of one of those like crazy aggressive jet fuel gas crosses? I don't know that. What I will tell you is that I know shit. And this was complete, total shit. Hmm. I gave it, I kept, okay, I got two boxes of samples. They're the same stuff. So I gave it to people that combined. The three brothers have uh, over 50 years experience growing commercially the size you know and illegal and otherwise you know whatever um they were laughing they said you set us up as a joke i said i'm shut and i shit you man they were passing this out at this this thing i went to and i didn't tell them and then i told them who the breeder was and they oh well no wonder mm-hmm. you know they were then starting to bad get stuff you know blah 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 mm-hmm. you know that whole thing and I didn't really know any, and I still don't know the breeders. I mean, I know some names, but I'll leave it at that. I don't have, you know, I don't, it's not my thing. I never understood how people, uh, well, it doesn't matter. I've made a lot of people a lot of money in the seed world. I'll leave it at that. You sure have. You built a few companies. You have, yeah. TO's been spread around quite a few different places. You should have a yeah, picture well, of you on, on a few right. uh, seed boxes or something. I don't know. I, it's pretty I funny, funny though. Like uh, I don't know. Coop probably doesn't want to say it, but there's there's plenty of this in in cannabis. I got to see this. I got to. I don't mean to say that in a flippant way, but I had the opportunity, you know, to see a, a fairly negative thing in a few different circumstances where you could see that cannabis breeders themselves were not getting credit for the work or the help or whatever else they had uh, uh, nope. uh, given uh, the people that, that, you know, had worked with them that had been either beneath them as testers or whatever else partners. I'm sure they in turn, honestly, part of the story is they probably had done the same thing to their people. It seems to have been this like rite of passage that people would like behead the freaking person that was above them or something. Or some right. Highlander shit. And uh, I don't think it has to be that way at all. But I've yeah. seen tons and tons of that where some version of they just basically steal something, take it, claim it as theirs and move on with their life. Oh, by the way, I saw Grandma's Boy. You guys said I should see Grandma's Boy. And uh, I'm not going to spoil the freaking movie or anything. But, you know, what's his face basically steals something, you know, a value from so and so and then tries to claim it off as his. Right. That's a freaking yeah, yeah. typical cannabis story right there. This is mine now. This is this is Ghost OG. I, I I found this man. I found Ghost OG. Yeah, this is my. You know, really, I don't care about the seeds. At, at the end of the day, I mean, it is what it is. Um, but what I object to is that the industry has always made. I know something that you don't, and I'm going to make you pay Mm because you want to grow this plant. And that's my objection, that it's not necessary that 
people are throwing their money away on throwing good money after bad, trying to find the, the road to dank them. And all I have told people is, look, there's an easier way to do it. Create a living soil to the best of your skill sets and count on that and focus on that. Focus on the soil. The plant will take care of itself. And, um, you know, from the emails that I've gotten over the years, I think I was right. A lot of people have used my methods to at least look at how they're growing their plants, not their cannabis entirely, but their vegetable and, and flower gardens, and have been successful with it. Why? Because it makes sense. It's based on science. It's not based on some guys over in felony flats putting water in a jug <laughs> and dropping three drops of magical juice to create a product. Mm-hmm. It's, I'm sorry, but that's the way it is. I mean, you know this industry. I know it well too. I know that I know the scams. I know mm-hmm. the whole nine yards. I mean, I've been fermented roadkill, really. Fermented roadkill. Oh, I was just saying, there's plenty of snake oil out there. Yeah, yeah. there is. And the thing is, it's been that way since I'll say '86. Hmm. So we're talking what, 35 years? Yeah, 35 years. And uh, run for them. That's what I'm saying. I, you know, somebody wants to cry because they're going out of business. Won't be me. (laughs) You know, hey, you guys had a good run. Go do something, you know. There's room for them in the future, too. You know, they can adapt and change. I'm not going to boohoo some. There's plenty of other things to boohoo as opposed to, you know, some old antiquated. Like be a Radio Shack. Radio Shack went out of business. I was kind of sad about that. But, I mean, you know, time moves on. Yeah. What are you going to do? They got rid of my favorite Denison's Chili from the 60s. There's 300 pieces of... What is it? 300 pieces of meat. I mean, we haven't started counting the beans. Uh, anyway, that was there. I don't remember that brand, actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was yellow and red. And mm. yeah, yeah, venison chili. But hey, you know, I mean, come on, you get over it. Um, here's what I, I think my advice to somebody that was young, younger, much younger is I wouldn't put my marbles in the cannabis industry because the tsunami that's coming at you with the legalization that's going to sweep across the United States because it creates revenue for the state and the county and the city in the form of taxes. Um, you know yourself, you're an Oregonian resident. You don't pay taxes. And so now, so no citizen pays taxes for anything here. And yet you go and you buy some uh, cannabis product and you're paying 25%. Yeah. It's pretty dumb. I mean, that's insane. And what I'm telling people is that to grow good cannabis is no more difficult than growing good tomatoes. I mean, it's the same thing. You can, it's, Is good. 
I can see West Engine, so I think we lost Coop. Uh, he's, he sees stuff. Maybe he'll come back in a second. Almost 420, folks. We made a whole nother 420. We said we were gonna we we're gonna fuck off for the evening. We managed to bullshit for another hour. Cheers, folks. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh Eric in the house. Cheers, buddy. Uh yeah, some fucking bot or something. Whatever. It'll get banned. It'll be fine. Uh top floor. What's going on, man? Welcome. Well, he's been in the chat for a while. Bud, cheers, dude. Uh, that's true. We do pay sales tax on gas, I think. But that's what. Oh, we lost Coot. Dang it. Well, thanks, Coot, for the the chat. He, I don't know. Maybe he won't come back. We'll see. Uh, maybe that's what it was. He saw the way. Oh, here's Coot. Yeah. Right on. Back. Uh, the freaking internet tonight, man. I, I got knocked out like uh, not too long ago. Bizarre. Uh, what were we talking about? Uh. Oh, weed. anyway, we're talking uh, about weed quality. Yeah, so um, it really comes down, you know, like I told you that grower who's more, much more experienced in, in the uh, commercial end of things. Mm. Uh, yeah, you grow what it sells. You grow what the dispensaries want. Um, and so it really comes down to what is the consumer asking for, and the consumer isn't asking for much. That's the that's the reality. This is a this is a, a Budweiser world. Okay. This isn't Widmere. This isn't, you know, uh, Deschutes Brewery. A friend of mine could, yeah. A friend of mine asked me a very valid question. I think I asked, uh, I don't remember. I might have asked Chris Trump or somebody. I probably asked the wrong person. I remember thinking I actually asked the wrong person this question. And it was a good question. We often talk about the craft market and, and craft weed and how there will supposedly always be craft weed and everything else. And I have some sarcastic responses that are a little bit akin to yours, like, you know, hey, in a Budweiser market, where's the craft? But a friend of mine was basically saying, so, hey, you know, and friends, not anti weed in any way, just uh -huh. asking an innocent question. So in these kind of farmers markets, you know, like uh, those are super popular these days, right? Lots of farmers markets, uh, they sell arts and crafts and, you know, fresh vegetables Perfect. and everything else. So who yeah. are the customers that come to these weed farmer mar farmers yeah. markets? Right. And I that's said, you know market. what? That's an interesting question. I didn't really have a great answer. No, you know, that, they... that allowing that kind of uh, um, sales, uh, you know, approach would remove the dispensary from the action because now the, the consumer is going to deal directly with the producer and they're going to produce better quality because it's going to be competitive at the producer level. Right now it's not competitive at the producer level because the producer is selling it to the, uh, to the dispensary at a ridiculously low price by any, by any standard. Okay, and then the dispensary is doing the hokum pokum with the lighting and the, the bud tender and, you know, that whole, you know, moving and groove into a moon age child, you know, like, hey, yeah, have you ever smoked a Nepalese temple? Oh, uh, no. Uh, have you ever smoked uh, North African? Uh, Moroccan? Uh, no. Oh, let's see. Have you smoked? Yeah. And you're the bud tender? So what do you recommend? Oh, Skittles. Oh, Skittles. Oh, good. Well, I got Skittles crossed with haze. Oh, wow. Yeah, hit it out no, of the it's park. Half good. Yeah. Yeah. Halfway yeah. decent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I mean, Skittles, I'll say it this way. Skittles is delicious. Like it is. That strain is actually delicious. Like Skittles and runs, they are very flavorful, but they don't. It's not really. It's not the kind of weed you would consider weed. It's definitely like a dessert weed, in my opinion. Yeah, well, you nice had a term it. for it. You had a yeah. term for it there, but we won't use that term. Yeah, that's right. We won't use that. <laughs> God, I don't want to piss Tara off. Right. So, uh, but yeah, I mean. I was uh, sitting in the passenger of the car today, coming back from uh, Cannon Beach on 26. Beautiful highway, man. Going right through the valley, farmland. And before you get to Beaverton, then it turns to shit. But um, I was just thinking, how did we get to turn into this thing that's done in a factory? by robots I mean that's you know that's what you're talking about in Canada you know what happened to the idea that you know some hippie type people have a, some property out in the farmland you know and they're growing they it want, out there they wanted their facility they they envisioned a place where there would be no old and there would be no contaminants and all this and these perfectly yeah. sterile things and well, lo and behold, you can't you can't achieve that. Well, you mean agriculture involves dirt? It does. My God, that's right. What are you gonna do? <laughs> oh goodness, yeah. So uh yeah, it's pretty weird. The whole uh I don't get it, but whatever. I mean, weed is so much, I don't know, coot, like there's uh there's bad ways to look at this, but there's also potentially a good way to look at this. You know, I kind of make fun of cookies. You know, a lot of cookie strains really don't get me high at all. Did I just freeze again? Okay, I don't think so. Uh, I enjoy the flavor of cookies, but it's very rare to find a phenotype that's mixed with something that enough that it's actually, you know, gets you high. Like I had a platinum, uh, uh, platinum Girl Scout cookies mixed with headband. That one actually got me high because it was mixed with headband. There was enough of fucking oomph yeah. there. There was enough horsepower that actually got me high and had really good flavor. A lot of times really just doesn't get you that high, especially not for that long. At the same time, uh, it's a strange metaphor. Like, I don't know. It's, it's a little bit like the different courses in a meal that you might have, maybe a fancy meal or maybe throughout the day you have, like, let's say, appetizers, snacks or whatever. Like you don't all you don't always eat a hunk of lamb or something for breakfast, but you might eat a hunk of lamb for dinner, let's say, if you're not a vegetarian, obviously. Right. So, for example, you might smoke a heavy kush in the evening, especially when you want to go to sleep. You might be having some brandy, let's say, or a scotch or whatever. Well, that's a perfect time for some Hindu kush or some fucking Afghan or some shit troll or something. Whereas in the daytime, let's say in the morning or in the afternoon or in lunchtime, perfect time for haze or, I don't know, some Thai or whatever else, I, right? I use that approach. When I that's why I got a card in 2009 or 10 or something like that, or whatever. Um, because I wanted to, because I could join these organizations that you had to prove you were a card holder, Oregon card holder, and you could talk about exchanging plants because there's legal seeds, you know, cuts. There's a uh, Oregon green free, you know, uh. We're gonna we're gonna fight for you. Yeah, okay. Anyway, um, so I would get these cuts and I always had mites. My God, you know, and powdery mildew. 
So I'd hit him with that <laughs> neem oil. Oh my God. Mm. You know, that would shock the plant, you know, puts it into to catatonic uh, growing. Mode. Microbial collapse. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, microbial it's collapse. Probably it's steps just, away from that, too. Uh, it's, it's worse than having <laughs> some. Uh, Undocumented workers in your house, <laughs> or whatever, uh, whatever, whatever your whatever your horror is. That's you know, this deal. But uh, and I just realized, man, this like, why are people? What's the word? Growing this shit. I mean, these plants, I mean, I, I get them home and, you know, get them straightened out, get them into some soil. And by the third week, it's like, you gotta be shitting me. <laughs> People grow this. So. Yeah, I don't get it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I guess they just haven't, they just haven't, they haven't had the goods yet. Yeah, I mean, who's got all the good genetics? I mean, because from what people, some people tell me is, oh, this is really good genetics. And then I plant them and God, you know, you start watching it and you can tell by the third or fourth true leaf set. Wow, this thing's a fucking nightmare, <laughs> you know? That is true. That Spend is me true. it's going to fall over you. <laughs> but if you ever get a chance to use soap nuts, um, that agent, those saponins, and it, it carries uh, that particular source and carries all, all nine categories of, of saponins. Yep. And uh, it works in the soil by actually cleaning off the roots of, totally. uh, of uh, decayed matter and, and what have you. So it's a cleaning agent but it doesn't inhibit or deter the microbial colonies. And when you spray it on the leaves, it functions as a fungicide and pesticide, uh, which is really critical because it takes care of uh, egg, yeah, a, yeah. eggs as well as the uh, adults uh, by destroying the uh, ecoskeleton. Anyway, oh. there's your science. So, um, nice. Yeah, so look up uh, uh, saponins as insecticide and fungicide, and you'll find some good white papers, some uh, peer-reviewed stuff you can look at. Most of it's out of Asia, but still. Uh, anyway. It'll give you some confidence on using it. And, and where you get your saponins is really, if you like using, there's commercial just, You're just talking soap nut, just soap nut shells there? Like, yeah. Uh, Yep. Right, and then uh, after you use them, <clears throat> you take them and you hang them in a mesh cloth and let them dry mm -hmm. out till they're as hard as they were when you got them. And you yeah. can do that five or six times. And uh, so they really go a long way. And uh, yeah, it's a good deal. I forgot how good it, it works in the soil though, as a fertilizer. Wow. It's kind of like, huh. Hmm. Yeah, that really works. I, I never knew that. I never knew it functioned that way at all. Yeah. So um, it's a uh, what's the word? 
Yeah, it's one of those materials that gets, you know, bad milk. People don't understand it. When they don't understand it, then, you know, they have to have something to say. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it contribute to the conversation when it's not really much of a contribution, just gibberish. Um, but I learned that from the, uh, the gentleman uh, who worked up at uh, the big garden in Canada, B.C., the big Chinese garden in, uh, in uh, Vancouver, B.C. And they use uh, saponins exclusively as pesticide and fungicides. It's uh, one of the nicest. It's a, That's a city known for its gardens. They have some really monumental gardens. And this one is, you know, I don't know if you knew this or not, but Vancouver, B.C. has the largest Chinese expat community outside of yep. mainland China. Oh, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Okay. So this is an Asian garden, uh, this particular garden. And uh, they have some interesting uh, fertilizers and, um, well, uh, IPM materials. And so I've gotten a lot of information from that source uh, as a student, not as a, a mentor, you know, trying to get to some different approaches to these guys have really created some monster, the uh, russet mite and the other one, uh, broad mites. Well, it seems like everything is just getting stronger today. I mean, it's, it's like the, it's like we were talking about apples earlier, and apples are an interesting one because they don't really evolve because we keep using the same uh, cuts again and again. Right. And the pests, the pests get to target the apples over and over and over and over. And as well as like we're spraying more and more insecticides on them and they're bringing more insecticide resistant. And our answer is just to apply more on there again. And uh, it's just a dangerous cycle. Um, I've got an article. It's, now it's probably about 10 years old. It's, uh, it was written by uh, a gentleman who is an organic uh, orchardist. And he uses neem oil, the one that I recommend from uh, uh, neem. Oh, neemresource.com. And uh, there's a problem with Canada. Uh, but anyway, um, so anyway, this article goes on that he uses neem on a regular basis uh, as a uh, insecticide slash fungus egg, because the neem oil contains both properties I and mean, you can't isolate them. So you, when you apply neem oil correctly, you're getting the benefit of both uh, materials, uh, insecticide and fungicide. Well, also uh, antiviral, uh, some antibacterial compounds. And then it's basically, uh, it's like any other vegetable oil. It's uh, omega-3, Omega six, omega nine oils. Um, what? Let's see what else? Um, your uh, your hydrocarbons, your azadirac and nimbin, uh, salicin. Uh, there's like twenty two that apply to us specifically as gardeners that provide the insecticide and fungicide uh, benefits, and. Um, the good neem meal will contain seven to ten, seven to nine percent, basically, 
oil after the pressing. Any oil that you, any seed that you press, the oil, press it for oil, the residue is called cake or, or meal, yep. except for alfalfa. But anyway, you know, soybean and all that shit. Um, so when we add neem to the soil, it acts as uh, it function as a uh, in nitrification. And other words, it holds the nitrogen in the soil, keeping it available. It doesn't allow it to vaporize and leave the root zone. That's kind of a neat idea. Yeah. Um, but it also provides you with uh, defense against pathogenic nematodes and fungicide, especially uh, fungi. But it elevates the uh, so-called good guys, uh, the fungi that we want to see and, and the nematodes and protozoa that we want to see. So there's a whole bunch of It's also That's functions cool. as a... Uh, a nutrient accumulator. So you're getting a, a good balanced fertilizer, all that for, for just for one of the, you can reuse it and reuse it. Yeah. For one of the very few things that I uh, recommend using. Uh, and so, you know, kelp meal, some neem, a basalt. You have Gaia green up there. Gaia green does a good job in Canada. So yeah. that, that would be my go-to source. I mean, you can probably do better, but at least it's a, a, a product line that you can live with. Yeah. I don't know about if they have a soil, I wouldn't. But anyway, their rock dust and basalt rock dust is a good quality. We uh, Some of our better uh, feed stores here carry Gaia Green uh, materials, products. Well, doesn't look like we're getting Fumi back. I don't know if you, we just want to sign off here or what do you figure? Okay. Well, uh, good talking with yeah. you. Um, uh, yeah, I have my uh, website up tomorrow. Well, I'm waiting for GoDaddy to transfer the domain address to uh, <laughs> uh, WordPress. <laughs> Yeah, living organic soils. I'm gonna have some fun. Living organic soils. It's a fabulous yeah, first, website. Yeah, <laughs> it's gonna be a uh, 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 swill of the week. Uh, oh my god, there's so many I could choose from. <laughs> Sometimes, yeah, I like to go. I don't do it anymore, but I, there was a time when I go to these shows and I talk to these guys and I'd ask them a question just to like trip them up. So, what would you say the, uh, you know, and blah, 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 you know, go some, uh oh, uh oh, this guy knows his shit. Oh, we're in trouble. So, <laughs> you, know, you got a trade show. Oh, the no, way. they just paid me to stand here and hand yeah, over exactly. flyers. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was a model last week for. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, a jockstrap company or something. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it's a weird business. It's really gone to the... Well, there's a motto in the Army. This is during Vietnam. We are the unqualified, doing the unnecessary. <laughs> uh, led by the incompetent, for the ungrateful. And that's... <laughs> It's kind of like the pretty accurate. Thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 
you have to understand yeah. a lot of people that go to these shows and, and do presentations i taught them or you know I, i've known them since they were pups in this thing it's like you're a what somebody's paying you to do what now you're gonna do a lecture on oh okay so this should be rich what is, is it gonna be is you're it gonna speaking be oh <laughs> yeah 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 would you like to go? Oh, me? No, I don't want to go. Uh-uh. I, 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 don't, I couldn't wear one of those goddamn microphones that looked like the guy behind the, as your drive through in America. You know, the guy, would you like a shake with that order, sir? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and so that's what you have these shows. It's faster. It's bigger. It's stronger. You know, you hear this from like, it's like having 10 shows on. 10 television sets with home shopping network on different channels all going at the same time you walk through these trade shows the weed you know lights and the uh, hot chicks with the push-up bras and you know the whole nine yards you know if you use our lubricant it'll be really nice but it would be um yeah. <laughs> yes it would be <laughs> all yeah, right it's just a, yeah anyway have a good one brother yeah, take it easy. With that, be kind to one another, and uh, we'll see you tomorrow night for Weed and Whiskey Wednesdays. Take care, everyone. Bye.